All right. Merry Christmas, mofos. Welcome back to the OCA podcast. That's the Open Chest Anime Podcast with myself, the Anime Collector, and my co-host, as always, Don Joba Augie. Seasons, greetings, and salutations, and also from people from other nations. And along with us is another guy named FTNM who is jealous that I have Adventure Kid. Ooh. Stay away. Yeah, I'm really jealous that I that you have that thing that I, I've never heard of. Quite jealous. <laughs> All right. Well, great way to start the podcast. So uh, we've got some opening discussions I want to go over. Um, so let's see. First of all, I'm going to give a quick shout out to uh, another YouTuber because um, I, I don't have the time to respond to them right now. <laughs> they asked me to uh, um, do like a cross shout out. So there's a, there's a YouTuber called Starlight. Uh, I added them to the beginning of the open discussion part of the podcast doc. But before um, we get into any of the main articles, uh, I want to talk very briefly about what's going on with Patreon. Um, I don't want to go into a lot of detail on this right now because being the holidays, obviously I'm not in my house in Arizona right now. Um, I'm at my in-laws house and it's just things are a little bit more hectic than usual. So I'd like to sit down and actually like really think out all this stuff. But um uh, Patreon has made some decisions in the last uh, couple weeks, or maybe even like just the last week and a half or so, uh, that have basically proven to, like, in their own statements, that they selectively enforce different things. And it's just, but the bottom line is that from a business sense, um, they are proving to no longer be a good business partner. Right. So a lot of people are straight up just just shutting down their Patreon and leaving the platform and everything. Um, At this point, I'm not at the point where I feel like that's necessary, but I do think it would be a good idea going forward for us to diversify um, revenue streams for the channel. Uh, So in the future, I'm, I'm probably going to be looking into some alternative options, including what is probably the best option, which is just uh, PayPal subscriptions. So I've been planning to, uh, to launch an actual site using the, um, the anime collector.com URL, uh, which currently just takes you to the channel. Um, so in the future, I'll be addressing that. I don't want to go into all the details on it right now. Uh, Cause we've just got a, a bunch of other stuff to talk about. Uh, by the way, did I send you guys the other link for the chat? I don't think I did. I'm going to do that real quick. Um, one second. Okay. So we've got a couple of other opening discussions before we do pickups. Uh, they're nothing terribly interesting, but, uh, Otaku coin. You guys remember us talking about that? Probably vaguely. Otaku coin was the, uh, Bitcoin equivalent. Well, it's, it's a crypto coin oh, yeah, that yeah. was designed to by a Tokyo Otaku mode to help you fund uh, anime or give back to anime. And it very quickly started to, to look incredibly shady. Just so you know, um, if you scan this QR code, it literally just takes you to their website. So it's not this QR code that gets you a free $40. Uh, in in um, Otaku Coin, it's downloading the app, and currently, I'm gonna try to do it again real quick. Um, if you have the app, 
and you hit start. I can't even hit start now. That's crazy. So it's it's making me sit through the uh, the opening thing. Um, they've hit. They've been hit with so. At least they claim they've been hit with so many uh, new users that they've temporarily shut down accepting new users. I can't. Let me try it one more time. Let me just restart it. Um, so I wasn't able to get in. Um, anyway, I'm going to move on for this topic because their app <laughs> is garbage and I can't do it now. <laughs> but uh, if you were planning to hop on board and see what this is about, I'm just letting you guys know that, that they've launched. Uh, so that's out there now. And then I've got three articles I want to cover real quick. Uh, just because I didn't want to talk about them later. So let me give you guys a quick screen share here. So, Duango, Katokawa, Studio Kara, INCS, to enter, I guess. I don't know how, what that's supposed to be. Uh, Asobi uh, all establish what is called Lide Studio, or maybe Lide, I don't know how they're tr- planning to pronounce that, uh, for VTubers. So, uh, you guys remember in the last podcast, we discussed... Um, the artificial intelligence uh, coloring anime thing. So that was presented. It was actually a research paper, not not like a full presentation, but just a paper that was published um, at SIGGRAPH Asia. Uh, and I've been looking into the stuff going on at SIGGRAPH Asia uh, between the last podcast and now because I'm trying to create a uh, OCA podcast clip about that particular article, and it would be great if I could find something about what they actually presented uh, to include as a clip in there. But so far, I haven't found anything because it was just a research paper that was posted in the posters category of their uh, venue. But the thing I did find when looking in the SIGGRAPH Asia is uh, VTubers and virtual reality was like it dominated SIGGRAPH Asia. SIGGRAPH just for the clarification, is a is a visual effects convention for industry people to see what the future of VFX is going to be, right? And um, they're leaning very hard for some reason on the VTuber phenomenon uh, in the same sort of way. And I'm I'm just I'm putting this out there because I think that predictively this is going to be a big thing in the future. Um, that that we're seeing basically the same thing that happened when. Japan decided to go mobile with the vast majority of their games. You know, um, it even though nobody in the West actually really wanted to sit down and play games on their iPhone, the whole industry just went that direction, right? Uh, and I'm just I'm just bringing up that it, it looks to me like this is going to be having a similar sort of effect that this virtual YouTuber thing for whatever reason, is going to be growing into uh, a pretty significant trend in Japan. And again, the reason that they went mobile in Japan wasn't because the sales were better in the West. It's because their customers in Japan, use they play mobile games. Uh, it's just something that they do because of the Japanese lifestyle, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyway. Everyone's guys, on to go. Do you guys want to talk about this at all, or should I just... Nah, I'm fine. Okay. Yeah, so just just mention still weirded out that that he, I'm still uh, weirded out that Hart isn't a part of this seeing okay. as much news as we have. So okay, I, I, since you brought that up, it is kind of worth mentioning that this is a gimmick, 
right? And it does seem like so when social media first came into play, um, there were some people who saw the value in it immediately in terms of a marketing tool, right? And there were there are a lot of companies that played catch up for a long time, and they had to hire these you know twenty somethings to manage their social media because they understood the 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 reach the technology the hashtagging all that and you know these old crusty uh ceos had no idea you know about putting a hashtag on things like they didn't even know what it meant because they recognized the hashtag as the pound symbol right um so it seems to me like this is a marketing thing when it would regarding heart which is the uh the character from Fist of the North Star that we've been talking about. They had a, they turned him into a virtual YouTuber. Um, it just seems like a marketing gimmick that is the fad of the time. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see where this goes because one of the things at SIGGRAPH Asia that was really prominent is basically uh, the VR chat or whatever, you know, like that thing where you basically, yeah. it was all about creating virtual avatars in order to communicate with people and um, exist in an online platform, basically, uh, you know, the game second life. Do you guys know what that is? Yeah. So second, second yeah. Second life was way, way ahead of its time. Imagine the Sims, but you're actually talking to other real people, right? So second life was, was a, a game that you would get so detached from reality that you would literally do everything that you would do in the real world, but in a virtual world instead. Right. So anyway, uh, the thing about SIGGRAPH though is that they had this big thing where they were creating digital avatars, uh, where literally all you would do is take a photograph of your face and it would build an avatar of you. Right. Um, and you would use that to interact with people sort of in a VR chat. And that's, that's also what this, uh, VTuber technology is being used for. So um, it's going to be interesting to see in the next five to 10 years where this goes, but moving on from there. I wonder if this is going to last longer than like how YouTube became very big. However, if you go earlier than that, earlier than Ebum's world, like there was a trend of flash animation coming up like pre Newgrounds, but Newgrounds is what people would understand. Well, even like uh, Homestar Runner. Homestarrunner.com. That too. What about it? You think, so well, wonder, yeah. yeah. You're, you're saying you, you wonder if, so So the thing about VTubers is, is that. I wonder if this will be a lasting trend or just a fact, like you mentioned, fact of the time. Yeah. Well, I'm not your, sure what elements would make it long lasting. Well, to your point, uh, something that's been very interesting about the way technology has been developing is that it's getting way easier for the average Joe to just create something that in the past would have taken a team of artists to do, you know? And what's interesting about YouTube especially is how unrefined things can be and still reach millions and millions of people. You know what I mean? Um, so for instance, yeah, to me, that's kind of like a beauty of all this. Yeah, but for sure. But it's hard to predict uh, too. It's from, for my channel's sake, really, <laughs> I've been shot in the foot over the fact that uh, I have a real hardcore streak of perfectionism uh, that is very hard to break. And if you look at my earliest videos, uh, I had like a, 
compared to other channels, a pretty professional presentation of things. Um, and people used to comment specifically about that uh, in, in my early videos, like my reviews and my tips from back in 2014. But um, it seems to me like it is significantly more important for people to just have content than for the content to be subjectively good. You know what I mean? Um, and that's unfortunately the the direction the algorithm pushes things to is, is people who push out content get more traffic rather than people who, who sit wow. down and produce solid content that they release like a video every six months. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway. Um, it's yeah, still questionable for quality cause out of nowhere, Uganda Knuckles became popular, even though the image has been around for quite a long time now. Well, that's that's the uh, that's evo evolution of meme culture. Yeah, that's that's it's that's its own discussion. Anyway, I just want to uh, go through this real quick. So, Crunchyroll revealed the most watched anime worldwide for 2018. Uh, pretty much all of North America is uh, My Hero Academia. It looks like there's One Piece, and like these little islands here have got all these little bits of you know watching these other shows but uh pretty dominated by uh my hero uh south america as well is basically all my hero except for right here we've got uh boruto and black clover right mm -hmm. and uh africa is i guess evenly dispersed boruto black clover pretty much right um the Middle East is uh, pretty fond of Darling in the Franks. <laughs> so is the UK, or I guess Europe in general. Um, and then Asia has shit taste in anime. <laughs> they all end up Boruto. And Japan doesn't get Crunchyroll, I guess. So they're just an orange, uh, <laughs> an orange mass. Uh, and then let's see what we got here. Oceania. So this is uh, New Zealand and um, Australia. Uh, My Hero Academia is pretty much kicking ass. So um, we discussed in the last podcast uh, Tumblr and the, the porn purge, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to correct a couple things. Uh, because when we discussed it in the last podcast, uh, it was there. There was some information that hadn't been made public yet, or whatever, and I have, it just wasn't something everybody had been privy to at the time. Uh, so Otaku, so I noticed, had mentioned in the chat. And by the way, guys, I can't see the chat uh, today because of the. Oh, hey, Dakota Broski's here. Um, I can't see the chat due to uh, not being in my normal place with the dual monitor setup. So I'll have to check on it. Uh, periodically, but Otakuso mentioned in the chat that he heard that uh, child porn was found on um, Tumblr, right? And that seemed to me like I overlooked that simply because, I mean, in, in any place, the, the web hosters are constantly battling that sort of illegal content showing up on their platform, right? Um, but uh, I guess, remember, <laughs> remember I said that. Uh, the user base of Tumblr is absolute cancer and that cancer is about to find a new place to live. Well, apparently um, Tumblr has a community of, of people that they call maps, which is a politically correct term that pedophiles created for themselves called minor attracted persons. And yeah, I guess there was a enormous uh, flooding on Twitter of people leaving Tumblr um, 
And uh, yeah, that's that's been a whole big thing. So I guess uh, there's been a little bit more information regarding that kind of stuff. And Augie, you had brought up that you had heard that this was a result of President Trump um, putting forth some sort of effort to get rid of uh, signing some sort of yeah signing some bill to try to reduce from what I've read try to reduce uh, darn it that's when they sell people off exploit uh, uh, sex trafficking right sex trafficking so, yeah there so um, if 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 President Trump was signing it it would be probably an executive order because uh, Congress passes laws and bills I don't think the president has that uh, authority but um, you had brought that up and oh, yeah. I had dismissed it I had dismissed it because I had that was an old that was old news regarding backpage but uh, actually um, you know I have to correct here I think that, that there might actually be something to that that might actually be something to the reason why and specifically uh, the speculation behind why this was happening is because Verizon was trying to get Tumblr into the app store, which I thought they already had an app for it, but I don't know. Um, so regarding this stuff, this is, this is where things are getting interesting, right? So Verizon blocks archival before the Tumblr porn purge. So remember last podcast, we discussed that it was a forthcoming thing, right? That, that they had announced this was going to happen in December at some point. Right. So a group of archivists, Seeking to preserve what they could, <laughs> I love Sankaku Complex authors, of the cancerous remnants of Tumblr's <laughs> pornocopia <laughs> before it was obliterated forever, were met with stonewalling as Verizon blocked their IPs and put a temporary halt on their plans, uh, meaning their plans to archive the site. Tumblr pr- previously announced that they would be removing all pornographic content from the social media site, a decision that was reviled. Verizon, who bought Tumblr along with the carcass of Yahoo and then bundled it uh, and other moribund properties into its new Oath subsidiary. Okay, Verizon, I'm just going to ignore this part so I can make that sentence make, make sense. Verizon, however, blocked the IPs of the archive team, imp- impeding their efforts to preserve internet history. Right. So this guy on Twitter um, had been leading a team to mass archive to create basically a snapshot of the site before it blocked everything. And for whatever reason, uh, Verizon decided to stop their efforts. And again, this could go back to the idea that they found child porn or that there were sex trafficking rings or whatever on the site that Verizon very much doesn't want to be held accountable for. Um, But uh, it's all speculation at this point. So Anyway, they devised. We have two sides to look at this. Hold on, let me just finish this. This very uh, quickly. I'll I'll be done in a moment. So um, they found a workaround, um, and they basically found a way to uh, to get it done. Right. So uh, the rather suspicious happening is that the platform perhaps has something they would rather people not be archiving lurking in its fetid remnants, right? So anyway, um, go ahead, Augie. You, you want to say something about this? What I was going to say, what I'm going to say is uh, I understand the archival process, and I'd rather be, honestly, I'm more for that. Uh, for them trying to bra- block it, technically, they should have, they do have a right to do that since that's their own site, and it's a pr- technically a private company, but I'll lean towards the archivalist's 
Yeah, so I, I think um, I think that it's important for because us. Because if to anything, make, you can track something if it comes up later. Yeah, I, I think it's important for us to make a clarification too that uh, we aren't claiming that Tumblr shouldn't be allowed to dictate what should or shouldn't be uh, available on their site. Like we're not saying that at all. Uh, the pri- it's a private company; they have every right to make these decisions. But it doesn't mean that uh, we can't point out how this is not good for their business or their shareholders, um, and how you know maybe we disapprove well, of this uh, censorship. Let's say, right? Um, that's one. That's one viewpoint. For me, if someone else has done something, you can track it back mm-hmm. later. If Right. Actually, something that's, escalated to a point. Uh, that's actually a good point. I think, I think I'm going way off the. Leader. No, I, th- I think that's that's absolutely correct. Uh, that Verizon should be keeping their own archives for the sake of, in order to you know, because online uh, chat rooms and stuff in the. What are they called on Tumblr? Mentions or like like your basically your DMs on Tumblr, like private messaging stuff in different categories and locked groups and all that kind of stuff. They're having conversations discussing illegal things, and again, the the whole map thing. This is very important about the quote unquote minor attracted persons is that they have a code language. This is actually I'm not going to get into it, but this is actually what PizzaGate was about. Um, is the code language that pedophiles use to communicate with each other because it was everywhere in the WikiLeaks emails and all that. Um, if you just look up maps, Podesta emails maps, you'll see you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, this um, archiving it, like they should be holding on to this stuff as a way to prosecute uh, and and you know track it, track down the the people responsible for this trafficking and whatnot, for sure. Um, But yeah, it does seem weird that Verizon seems to be trying to almost uh, obstruct justice in a way, you know, like if they're, if we find out that they've been purging this stuff for the sake of, of, you know, protecting their image or whatever, like that, that's, that's kind of some dangerous stuff there, you know, anyway, but I think, I think we've sort of uh, made our point here. Do you guys have anything else you want to say before we go into pickups? Nope. FDU, you know? Okay. He said nope. Okay. All right. So uh, who wants to go first with pickups? I have only a couple, so. Okay, I'm going to crank the uh, bandwidth quality all the way up so you can. Uh... So hopefully you, you're not for. I can't even see your feet. Hi, I'm eyes. Yeah, we're swapping roles tonight. All right, uh-huh. so I'm first. Bring out the crescents. All right. So, uh, am I locked on, Brad? You are. I'm just going to knock it down one peg on the <laughs> bandwidth because it's really bad. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. So I got Queen B. Oh, cool. Um, hey. ins- inspired by when Augie got it. And so I can have all awesome. of Gold Go 13 when I get the stuff that I'm waiting on. Thank then, God that's not the bootleg. And I finally own Golden Boy, which is a show that I, my first review, mm-hmm. and I thought it was surprisingly good for what I expected. Then we got the second part of Guilty Crown, which did not come with its slipcase because I bought it secondhand. Like, it was cheaper, but I obviously complained to the... Oh, yeah, and it's... Uh, where is it? 
saw a cut like you like you'd expect from this particular seller that I've had in the past. They've like drilled a little hole in the limited edition and stuff like that. But and I mean punch UPC. Yeah, but for the price I can't really complain. I just wanted the second part so then because this is one of those Anaplex titles. Anyone who's looking out for those. So now I have all of it. And honestly, the slipcover missing is almost a blessing in disguise because I'd have a lopsided, you know, on the other side. If you look, there would be a slipcase version for the part two, and then the part one wouldn't have a slipcase anyway. So then next we have Lagrange set one because it was looking like it was going out of print. And this was the cheapest one available. Thankfully in pretty good condition. Oh. <laughs> and then, uh, because it was on sale, I decided to get Inuyasha the Final Axe. This is the complete without the slip. Case. Okay. okay, I am back. Yeah. I love how uh, uh, Google's... Um hangout thing they know that the connections get bad i think skype does this too so they do this weird thing where they hold on to your audio to try to like make it uh, like followable so you 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 pause for a long time and then the last syllable of your sentence gets said (laughs) yeah so what last time on dragon ball z um without the slip cover final act and I got one with the slipcover as my replacement in really bad case. Yeah, I think this is probably the worst part of it. But um, anyway, I got another replacement sitting on the shelf over there. There was a tiny hole in the bag, and I could see that there was no slipcase. So I actually have all of the stock that was available on Amazon.ca at the time. I've been there. <laughs> so, so they basically just said, yeah, um... So we can either escalate this and we'll personally follow up with you until it's fulfilled or we can give you a refund. I don't know. They weirded it. They worded it in a weird way. It sounded like I could get a refund right now and keep the crappy version, which I might have actually been fine with. But I just said, whatever. So maybe continued on a later date. Uh, then we got... Sailor Moon R movie, which I believe is the first movie, even though it's the second season. Sailor Moon R. Do you have all tracks or just new track? Uh, whatever Viz released. <laughs> then we got Sailor Moon Crystal Season 1, limited edition, because it was finally actually on sale on Amazon.ca. I think it was 35 bucks. That's pretty good. And then the crown jewel, which is one of the... I've been meaning to get all the clamp titles eventually, and this one was, like, the biggest one I hadn't had yet, which is uh, Magic Knight Ray Earth, the complete Blu-ray. Wow, I didn't know that had a Blu-ray. I haven't been paying attention. Yeah, Discotech, uh, they eventually re-picked it up and all that Does stuff. it come with the OVA? There's an OVA no. just titled Ray Earth? Correct. That says was 49 by Manga Entertainment. 49 episodes of both seasons on six Blu-rays, so no. I think the OVA is like a recap, alternate retelling of the whole series. 
That's what I've heard too. It's not that good. I've seen it. I mean, it's the the series is more enjoyable than it. It's also dubbed with different voice actors, and it's got more of a serious tone. And usually, I'm not too torn about an OVA here and there missing, unless it's really integral to to the story overall. Yeah. I want to make that our thumbnail real bad. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so since he's frozen, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna click on you, Augie. All right. So for a long time, I've been wanting God Mars. God Mars it. I've been waiting for a long God Mars for it. Uh, God Mars, he's back. <laughs> yes, I'm back. <laughs> I think I was finished anyway, though. Okay. Cool. <laughs> well, God Mars. All right. So, after Guard Mars, I've had Hells and the Blu-ray of Hells. I mean, and the DVD of Hells now. Same thing with Gold of Babylon, Gold of Babylon DVD. Why? Because I I want to support, support more releases like that. So, previously in the podcast, we know that we have that I have Black Butler, Black Butler 2. Well... Because I do not want to pay for Anaplex's tomfoolery. I got Black Butler Season 3. Then Black Butler, I believe, Book of the Atlantic, right? Right in front of me? No, this is Book of Murder. Then Book of the Atlantic. I was going to say. They all look like the same in the back, so kind of boring there. Don't know what this is. I think it's a mystery. Reese says stop copying Miyagi. As in his, like, pickups, I guess. Okay, fine. Then I also have a copy of Adventure Kid. Ooh, look at that. Whoa. And along the way, I finally got a show that's been on my list is Urahara. Which me and AC have seen at AX for promotions this past, uh, well, AX. And because I had I ordered stuff from the Funimation cell, ordered three items, only got one of the three. And the item I got was Bikini Warriors. Ooh. Which I believe is just a short series, so it's like less than five minute episodes, total runtime. Speaking of which is not set on the back for some reason. There's a YouTube card on this video regarding a poll for whether or not for the next podcast we should do both Kino's Journey or if we should split them into the 2003 series in the first podcast in January and the 2017 series in the second podcast in January. So just for the record, there are only uh, the first one is 13 episodes and the second one is 12 episodes, so it only adds up to 25. So if you guys... Uh, I actually think that that might not be a bad idea. Um to just get them both out of the way. Yeah, so we can so we can get them out of the way. We can get the discussion it will be more interesting. Uh and then we can actually get another show into our January slot. So uh that's my personal opinion, but I want to know what you guys think. Is twenty five too much? Um so let me know. Back to you, Augie. All right. So one thing I'm sore about not getting from the Funimation cell, but got anyway was Railgun S. In other words, 
one half new content, other half uh, accelerator arc con accelerator arc expanded. Along, as mentioned before, I do have magical cannon. Now I finally got all of magical cannon. Ooh. I hate that line. Of, One, uh, two, three. I, I hope those four, are all uh, five, not explicit. Six, nine. <laughs> Most of these are like in bikinis. Yeah, that first one, up, the one on the top uh, is very suggestive. Yeah. No nipple, no foul, right? All right. Up next, we have my latest Sentai pickup, which should be, which should except for the one that's coming in, should be the whole catalog at the moment. So we have When Supernatural Battles Are Commonplace has a very long-winded ending. The other copy of Eno X Boku, or Eno Tire Iron Boku. Along with FDM, I got Dive. So I just cut out and I did not Ooh. get Dive. <laughs> you did not yeah, get Dive. Get well, dive I got Dive. Lucky me. Are you confusing and it along with the B? Beats me. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I guess. And this one has also some more film cuts or film footage cuts in it. Is uh, Chinobu. Chinibio. Love, Chinobu, Chinibio, and, and Other Delusions Take on Me. Ooh. Which Brad has. What do you sorry, mean? It? Which AC has. You said it the has film reels, the film cuts. Yeah, yeah, those. I haven't opened it yet to reveal you, those. I thought you were saying it, they they cut in new footage for the for the blue release. Would, you meant that there. you meant that there's a that there's a snippet of the thing in there. I don't know. Well, it has a uh, three Kosatsu photo session shorts. Did you? Oh, FDN you know, just lost uh, lost us. I don't know. Or rather, we lost our Um Did you uh, order that from Sentai or from uh, Right Stuff? Sentai. Okay, so it probably does have the film reel uh, in it. I don't know if that was a, if that was like a specific to where you got it or not, but I just and one I believe FDM does have is Q UQ holder, which I think is technically. Uh, what Nagami season Negima? three? Nagima yes. season three. Now oh. uh, you are half right because I pre-ordered it. It's based off Amazon. a card game, right? I don't think so. Not that I'm okay. aware. Of. But um, yeah, I pre-ordered it, and Amazon's like, "Yeah, sorry, we're unable to obtain your item," and canceled it for me, like usual with Sentai releases. Up next, we have Princess Principal, a steampunk adventure. Good old anus cancer in here answering questions for me in the chat. There you go. Hitoruji Hitori Jime Jime Yeah. My hero. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> been a long day. Uh, uh, so guys, make sure you examiner. vote in the poll Ooh. on the on the video. Ooh. And Scum's Wish, which includes the Sentai pickup. Well, except for one, but I'll save that for last. 
along next, I finally got the limited edition of Rideback, which comes with a keychain for some reason. The one I never got with my used copy. <laughs> the last fleet in what AC does not like for a box, which knowing him, he probably has the star the starter box along with the other two volumes. Yeah, uh, two volumes. I think, isn't it a, I don't know. I, I've got something for it, I think. Wait, Glass Fleet? I, I don't know. I don't know. I might not have it. Yeah. Another, I don't have uh, note is, <laughs> And another note to Anaplex, I got Hellgirl Season 3 and 2. Ooh. And FDM typing so loud. Wait, wait. Hold on. Is is that one Hellgirl thin? Yeah. Yeah, for some reason I got a 14 millimeter and a and a, probably an 18 millimeter. Because the thin or, one yeah. is only half a season. No, they're complete. The second one? Who knew? It's not collection one or two? Two mirrors for four disc. You'll see oh, this sometime with. Yeah, you'll see this sometime with Sentai disc and Discotech. The original will be like a thicker one. Then later on for reprint issues, they'll do a, a thinner one. So it looks wonky, but that's the typical print trends. And yeah, the big one is everyone's favorite, a big old spool. Oh, yes. And what I thought I completed, now I completed, is all six volumes of Hamtaro. Bada bada bop. Hopefully Discotech's hopefully Discotech can release all of it with the two movies. I'm surprised how good the video games are from the Game Boy Advance and Color, which were made by Nintendo. No Hamtaro and Brawl, what the hell? Let's see. And uh and for a Genion release, I finally got Tales of Fantasia, which I've heard this one's very preachy. For an OVA. Oh, that actually came over here? Yeah, that's that's yep. like the first Tales uh, anime to come over here. Exactly. I hold this off for a while because technically I got this series back at AX. However, I, volume I, one was smashed. I think that series, that one came out in like 2007. The one you were just holding, the um, Tales of Fantasia. The Hicks, the... A very old release, like eleven years now. Yeah. Well, Maybe it's from well. Genion. Yeah, two thousand seven. Yep. So, I finally got all the first series of Love Live, along with the concluding movie. Ah. So why I didn't show it off was the first one I got. Out of all the stuff I shipped, this was the only one. It got smashed pretty uh, talkatively. Not, not, not. In the box. And finally, last but not least, last but not least, I finally got. I think I know what this Oniguri. is. Knew it. <laughs> which is, which, uh, yeah, this is 13 episodes so of I've, shorts. You bought uh, the uh, special edition that comes with 46 the, uh, minutes. Poster or shirt or whatever. Yeah, it comes with. Has two, apparently has two stickers in here. This lithogram. Lithograph. Graph. Graph. Graham Graph came in the mail. 
and a shirt that for some reason had to be packed with this short series. Why, why did I have to do that? Did we just uh, okay. <laughs> made you make you realize? Well, oh no! Is complete. The only thing I'm missing is going to come in tomorrow, and for Christmas, oh. I and for Christmas, someone gave me Machine Doll, which I already own as a limited edition, and everyone's favorite series of all, Saved by the Bell. Okay, That's on that terrible. note, we're gonna we're gonna that move was, on to me. Worth <laughs> All right, so um, I have a couple things, but I'm only going to show you. Uh, I picked up Excel World from uh, Book Off. Um, somebody's going to have to let me know. I I can't tell. I'm, I think this one might be a little bit sun faded on the spine because this is red, but on the spine it gradients a little bit towards like a pink. I so, have my friend's copies like yeah, right behind just, me. If you could just tell me if that's normal, that'd be awesome. I really liked it. I really enjoyed Excel World. It. I wish that the first season of it had more enemies for them to face because it kind of felt like an expanded episode of, well, Yu-Gi-Oh! Season Zero. But I really prefer that series over uh, Sword Art Online. At the end, though, this they obtain an item that kind of makes it parallel to Sword Art Online. I kind of feel like uh, this pig is from Ranma. Okay, I've watched the show, so I can... Yeah. Oh, wait, what? The pig is the... There's a very out-of-place character design-wise pig in this picture that looks like... That's the avatar. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it does look like it goes from red to pink, unless my friend coincidentally made it in the exact same way. That's good, because I don't want to have to rebuy it. Okay, um, so you guys want to... uh, Jump right in. Yeah, I guess so. All right, let's do this. So make a splash I, in this pool party. I think uh, Atakaso had me share this. There is a crowdfunding campaign for the tenth anniversary Yuru Yuri video anime. Right, so uh, it's on Campfire or whatever, though. So I'm not going to bother uh, backing it. There was a what was the what was the, I remember the ending to that show. What the hell happened to it? It was like Evangelion for a slice of life at that point. Like went all over the wall for some reason. I don't know. I haven't watched In the it. art department. Anyway, I'm going to move on. <laughs> so, I've got three articles here regarding basically the same thing they just they just keep updating and i don't remember what they updated but uh, i'll try to uh, uh cover it so basically we've been literally the entire reason why i backed this on kickstarter in the first place was because i knew stuff like this was going to happen and i was trying to get a physical copy of it before it was banned and all that crap right Mm-hmm. So um, basically, just to condense this all down into an easily digestible, uh, understandable thing, uh, Project H, which is the adult uh, co- company version of Digital Manga Inc. Um, so th- their company, Digital Manga Inc. and Project H, they use Shopify to host their store. 
right? Their storefront and Shopify's terms of service um, have a acceptable usage policy uh, that actually, as they say here, does not explicitly ban adult content. Uh, but Shopify lists pornography as one of the prohibited businesses for its payment processor. Okay, so this is regarding specifically Shopify payments. So theoretically, you could still sell these kind of things, host them on your site, your Shopify store, um, but the purchasing can't be done through Shopify payments. It has to be done through PayPal or any number of other things, right? So they removed Kodomonaji Khan from their online store as a precaution after their Project H site was just completely outright banned from Shopify. Okay. Um, and it was a good move on their part, honestly, because uh, if anything was going to get them banned from using Shopify or whatever, it would definitely be Kodomonaji Khan. Uh, which, by the way, did you know that Kodomonaji Khan was. Uh, authored by a woman <laughs> um I, I did because i read the kickstarter campaign spiel which mentioned that yeah I, I i'll be honest i didn't wow. read any of the kickstarter thing i just backed it <laughs> um most of the time that's how it ends up going i don't i don't care about the thing i just want the physical thing personal experiences say what oh god i hope not i experience. really hope not i don't know anything about the show uh, well, it's like, I don't know what age she's supposed to be, but she's like seducing the teacher. So they pretty much used, uh, well, not used, but they mentioned that in the campaign as a, yeah, this isn't just some <laughs> guy trying to, uh, whatever, exploit little girls or something like that. This is a lady from a lady's well, perspective. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, well, a reverse, it's a reverse pedo thing where the it's like they're they're making it so we're going to talk about some other stuff so, on here I'll, I'll just i'll just break the ice by mentioning it here that this is a sort of genre of you know this stuff that is not specifically about uh like it's it's not supposed to be realistic that's the point you know um like kids aren't these sex kittens you know what i mean like this is obviously a fictionalized uh thing and and the comedy of it which again i haven't read it um i just happen to know about it because it's sort of infamous but the comedy about it stems from the fact that it's a guy who is completely innocent to all this but this this kid character is hounding him and trying to seduce him to a, to a degree that is so extreme that it yeah. puts him in the awkward place of i want nothing to do with this <laughs> but like the character holds all the power this is actually the same reason i think that Farewell to Nostradamus is so funny because the, there's a girl, a little girl character in that that calls Lupin Mr. Pedophile, and it's a power play. It's just so funny because the character, like obviously a real kid, is completely oblivious to all to all these things. But this this girl in in the movie not only is aware of terms like pedophile, but she is craftily using it to manipulate Lupin in to, in order to have him uh, give up the doll that he's smuggling diamonds in you know it's just so, such a funny concept the way that they do it um but it gets a bad rap because of the taboo nature it's dancing around you know anyway um so basically well, there's, they, all, there's also uh, some maybe it's done in a very extreme way but there's also some car, american cartoons with a character who falls in love with the teacher and keeps trying to go after them maybe it's more aggressive than that typically but 
Well, there's that really creepy episode of Powerpuff Girls where that uh, writer or whatever is in it uh, as a super buff version that like he's wounds. in it. Oh yeah, that's you know hilarious. you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I, that, yeah, you're talking about the newer series. Yeah, supposedly that episode, uh, that whole thing was debunked, but I I don't know. I mean, the character design for that guy looks exactly like his uh, his real life person, except that he's like super buff. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Uh, it's, it's, it's bizarre <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So, so basically, uh, they've preemptively pulled it off of, uh, shop off their Shopify store to try to prevent it from, uh, tanking, uh, their entire store there. Uh, so if on the very unlikely chance that somebody from project H or digital manga Inc is watching this podcast, I'm going to advise you to use WooCommerce on a WordPress site. Uh, Cause you can do basically the same thing and you probably won't run into this problem. Uh, and I say that because we literally right. switched over from Shopify on my business because it was too expensive every month for uh, the amount of sales we were bringing in. And uh, can we pause for a quick second? Yeah. After you make up? your point. Okay. FDNM. They they don't have FYE in your in your country. That also stands for for your entertainment. Um, I mean, not in my area. As far as okay, I know, it's cause... a U.S. thing. Actually, I think the one time there's an item I want to buy on their site, but it's like, yeah, it doesn't ship to Canada, unless I'm mixing it up I... with something else. FYE's always been a fickle place to me. Uh, typically it's always high because you have the brick and border aspect, but now since they've rebranded, technically rebranded or ma- did a huge makeover with the store, it's not like it used to be. It's almost like it's, it's not a disc store anymore. It's like stuffed animals, t-shirts. It's like they try to, s- most of them are out of business now. I know, I know, but what they changed to, I understand they're trying to keep it alive, but it's not. I don't know. Maybe the times are getting to me or they're doing something to the extreme to keep up with the trends. I don't know. There's one in the mall where I went to see your name. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, it's not a store I go to anymore because they're just, it's not every, everything that's ever on sale there. I already have, <laughs> you know, like it's everything that's used. Uh, um, anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and skip these other articles. trends of $14 cereals but keep going i'm going to skip these other articles because they're just further explaining the stuff and i don't remember there being anything specifically interesting in here um although they did say there will be a new site with steam style content filtering in which users must disable an adult content filter so that's what they're doing for the to try to rectify this problem in order to get around the shopify stuff is that they're going to make a new store that is family friendly unless you enable adult content um so anyway there's not really anything more that's worth saying about that for the time being moving into live action news and i'm noticing one of the articles disappeared um so tokyo ghoul uh the the second live action film has released the first photo with uh the new actress playing toka uh which i'll be honest with you uh i don't remember what the old actress looked like and i thought when i first saw that that this that this was actually from the first movie um but uh if you guys remember the actress who played toka in the first movie joined the happy science cult and quit acting (laughs) oh yeah so uh yeah i'm still surprised that uh i think what's it called the who's the people that keep releasing the movies into theater right now it's not flat iron 
Um, uh, Fathom? Joe Factory. Oh, no, the 11 other. Arts. 11 Arts? 11 Arts. 11 Arts is releasing a movie, a part one movie from the Happy Science Cult. We covered that. Yeah, like they a, did. They like already the released fall. that. I, I almost went to see that, but I just, it was, I think they were actually releasing part two um, back then. And that's why I didn't go see it. I just didn't, it looked okay. like shit. It looked like absolute shit. That movie, the oh. art style was terrible. Uh, anyway. Well, so I like that Mark's movie, right? Uh, we'll we'll get to that, um, but no, it oh, looked yeah. way worse than that. It looked like a, like an American cartoon. Uh, tr- like it looked like worse than uh, Rain the Conqueror style artwork. Um, anyway, so uh, Kimi no Nawa creators want the live action film to be American. So basically, there was a interview uh, with Eric Heiserer. Uh, who's writing the uh, he's writing the uh, script for the um, Your Name American Hollywood adaptation reboot whatever and uh, he basically mentions that there was a stipulation made by the um, by the Japanese rights holders I said um, I found an interesting challenge what the Japanese rights holders wanted in an adaptation the interview asks, what are they asking for? And he said, you have to find the best iteration of the, of that story based on the fact that they want an American live action version of the film. They stated if they wanted a Japanese live action version, they would just do it themselves, but they want to see it through the lens of a Western viewpoint. So uh, probably I'm one of the only people who actually is really on board with this decision. Because it uh, veers from the original. Right. Well, because I just think that if you're going to make a Hollywood movie, you should adapt it. You should, you should, uh, you shouldn't try to do a shot-for-shot shot remake. Because what's the point? You know. Yeah. So um, I what just I... Think that this this opens up the possibility for something where you're not like if you want to see your name shot for shot, just go watch the original one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm on board with this cause I would kind of want to see what they would do. I don't know if it would be shot for shot or they take advantage of it. In this case, since it's a movie to movie adaptation, I, I just want to see what happens. Maybe they had some explosions or something. I don't know where there were explosions in the original. They just were, they were, uh, meteorized. meteorized. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, I just think that, uh, um, like for instance, I, while I was reading the article originally, I was thinking about the fact that like they kind of brought up Ghost in the Shell, and I think like how completely forgettable that adaptation was. You know, looking back yeah. on it, I just felt like there was nothing. It didn't create anything fresh at all in that movie, mm-hmm. um, and I, I thought that they they had buckled themselves too close to the original. Uh, and tried too hard to just recreate things fans already liked about the original rather than actually taking an incredible sci-fi world uh, that they could have done so much with and instead played it super safe and then went completely batshit insane with how they tried to retcon the ending to uh, to appease the Whitewasher uh, complaints. I still... I still am on the opposite side of the fence with you on that movie, but we can talk about that again later if you want. I just think that, um, like, it was going to be American anyway. It's just now they're essentially confirming it definitely will be set in the U.S., all that stuff. But what I have to say to the fans that are like, this can't exist, this sucks, is 
you can't take anything away from the original. If you're so scared about it, don't watch it. And, yeah. you know, just watch the original. It's not like this existing is going to take away from the, only the two. The only two things I do not want to see from the American adaptation. One, no British accents. None. We don't need none for this. If it's American, leave it American. Do not add British woman to movie. No. Stop it. And the other one, take place away from L.A. I get it. It's close to where you're filming, but go somewhere else. There's somewhere cheaper. There's some smaller town somewhere that could be highlighted. Film it in Alabama. (laughs) But don't you dare put a British accent in this. Australians count, too. Don't put them in there. Okay. I don't mind Canadian accents. By all means, bring the geese over. All right. Point made. Live-action Sonic movies, muscular legs have been memed. So, apparently, the uh, official Twitter for the Sonic movie... Oh, my God. Those are my legs. ...tweeted out, can't a guy work out? Be back next year. Sonic, right? And, obviously, these are actually not the legs from the movie, because they're not hairy. They're... Well, we'll see where they supposedly came from in a minute. (laughs) But, uh, people immediately started memeing (laughs) this... (laughs) So obviously we've got the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog uh, like derpy ice cream, uh, ice cream pop from like the ice cream trucks. Um, please say you're just kidding. There's still time, says everyone. And then you know this picture of the rock that the rock. may or may not have been where the legs came. From. I don't think that this is an accurate <laughs> thing of where the legs came from, uh, but uh, it it does fit. It's funny, you know. Obviously, um, and then. <laughs> Soul Calibur create a character. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I thought these were good. So, moving on. Uh, streaming news. Got a bunch of stuff to talk about here. So, Funimation is going to be streaming Rising of the Shield Hero anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Crunchyroll announces a dub cast. So, uh, take it away, FDM. You want, what do you want to say about this? So we all know about how Funimation and Crunchyroll had their split and how High Dive, uh, they eventually started doing their own form of dub casting. And now that Funimation and Crunchyroll is split, Crunchyroll is doing their own form of dub casting. So now we have three separate services. I think this is fantastic for anyone who's interested in dubbing and for anyone who just wants any sort of competition in the streaming platforms we have. If I read this article correct. If I read this article correctly, aren't they? Isn't Crunchyroll outsourcing the Funimation for this dub this time? Uh, if you read the cast listing, it looks like Bang Zoom casting. Crunchyroll's producing the dub okay. as its first simultaneous dub title. Yeah, okay, Funimation cool. technically licensed Shield Hero as well, and is also streaming it. It's funny though because before, back in the day, before they had the Funimation X Crunchyroll, it was essentially. Crunchyroll had a stream rights. Funimation also had the stream rights, so they both su- had subbed. And, uh, you know, Funimation eventually would dub it in their dubcast days. But um, now it's kind of like doing the opposite. Is it going to be Crunchyroll has the dub and the sub, and then Funimation is stuck with the dub, and then the home video release? <laughs> well, I think... Uh... Long term, this is good for us uh, collectors because the, comp- the competition in the market has produced more 
you know, it's always good to have competition in the market because now we're getting uh, variation. You know, it's like imagine imagine if Funimation back in the day, like in the mid two thousands, when everything that they did had like the same four voice actors in it. Imagine every single anime getting dug by the same company, and it was all, you know, where's Piccolo's voice, you know, and all that stuff in well, every single once anime. Once upon a time, even earlier than that, it, earlier than that, it really was with the Sandy Frank Productions. Like yeah, you would randomly hear they, speed from another dub. Or because from another it was show. at the beginning of the uh, the pioneering ages of the industry when there weren't a lot of people to choose from because not a lot of people went into the field because there wasn't money in it. Oh, yeah. uh, so they, there was only so many roles to fill and basically uh, five people put took all the roles um but yeah so i'm just saying like um from a market standpoint this is really good for us to have more competition because in order to compete for our dollars they have to step it up you know which provide means a that, better service yeah so like all this stuff it's like it sucks that funimation didn't get evangelion but in the long run it's better for us uh that it's making them step it up next time around you know because um you know we brought up the valid points that that uh gen fukunaga made about uh about netflix you know not really um being good brand managers for their content uh and actually we'll talk about some stuff in a minute so um it'll be it'll be uh it'll be something we get to but we're going to come back to the controversy regarding this series and i say controversy with a with a question mark because i think it is a very non-confrontational or um, controversial rather uh um plot line <laughs> that apparently the internet is uh angry about because you know the internet yeah but, the two, uh, i ahead. had two two quick things to go say ahead. before that which was uh that a i mean that I'm hype that it's getting a dub. It's confirmed for a dub already, so that's a relief. And the second thing is that Crunchyroll they were pr- primarily subbed and had some exceptions to have dubs, but this could turn them into the new dub streaming platform. So that's once again like what we were saying. It's good. Yeah. Um, and then Funimation adds episode download features to their ios and android apps so um i'm guessing this is for offline viewing you know right. if you are going to be on an airplane or something you could so download anyone that was anyone that was back in my days had terrible internet they could go to high school and then download their episodes come back home and have a good yeah. streaming source right i remember the good, good. old days where where you couldn't uh, have your internet and your phone working at the same time. <laughs> and I remember yeah. having to download uh, like 240p clips from Dragon Ball Z movies that uh, took like literally a day and a half to download a 20 second clip. <laughs> Ebon's world dominated the media. Uh, for this article, with them going to this type of platform, would this be more for other countries that doesn't have the streaming services? What do you mean? Like, if I recall correctly, for like Crunchyroll, it's not. Uh, aren't there some areas that don't really have like strong Wi-Fi connections? Uh, I think it's specifically for people to do offline viewing, like people who are going to be away from an internet uh, source. Like, if you're doing a road trip or something, or you're going on a twenty-eight hour flight, like if you're going to New Zealand or something. Um, so. So um, this is on Funimation's only available in like U.S., Canada, 
UK, and that's about it, as far as I remember. Actually, maybe, no, not in Australia. So it's not as if they have, I don't know, South Africa or something. Yeah. Theoretically, though, no, you let's could re- use a VPN to get to it and then download the, the, the stuff that way. Now, let's recall an article months back, which was sort of controversial, but it but since the person swapped to another country, it kind of resolved it a little bit. There's this one person who had like a huge iTunes account. He went to another country and he can't log into it anymore. How would that affect this? I understand they're downloading the episodes, but would this conflict with that previous problem or would this be more of a solution to this previous problem? I cut it out a lot, didn't I? No, no, I'm just I'm just thinking of I mean, I know what you're talking about. I don't I don't think it would I I'm I'm not sure how Funimation's um region locking is set up. Um, well, they are I don't, I don't use any locked. of these streaming services. So the only one I'm really questioning is Apple. The others I I think if you have that system, you should be fine unless let, it's like some sort it this of way. I think that this is a um it's basically the exact same thing as YouTube Red slash YouTube Premium's uh offline content. It's literally it's not meant for you to store it forever. Like that, like the the thing you're talking about with the guy with the iTunes thing is that he had did, downloaded movies that he purchased through iTunes, and then when he moved to a to a different uh, um, country, uh, he didn't have access to them anymore because the uh, they weren't um, those movies were not um, licensed out to that country or whatever that region. Right. But uh, with this, I'm pretty sure that the purpose of it is not for you to just have a physical copy all the time. It's for you to have access to it temporarily and then delete it so that you can have space back on your phone or whatever. Well, it's going to have DRM through the app, so I don't think places like iTunes would be able to interfere with that. Yeah, but he's saying saying the problem that happened with iTunes – could that same problem happen here, regardless of iTunes? Because the the problem with iTunes was related to the the items that the guy had in his library only being available in the country where he bought them, but not the country where he moved to, and changed his uh, his login location or whatever. Like his- so, if he changes uh, like his iTunes account to being in Australia, well, let me put it this way: it. It, look, look at it this way. So. Uh, earlier, we had looked at the Crunchyroll data for the anime most popular in different regions and whatnot. And when we saw Japan, it was just orange because I guess they don't have Crunchyroll yeah. in Japan. So imagine that that uh, Crunchyroll, rather than Funimation, was offering this feature, right? So Augie's saying, what if you download all these things and then go to Japan and, and start living in Japan? Would you lose access to them? I um, think I know how it would work. It's basically, <laughs> if you have the app, you can download it. So... Yeah. If you have the app, you should be good. But if you somehow like format your phone or something, have a new iTunes once you move to Japan, then it won't be on the app store. So you can't get it. Simple as that. Yeah, but I I think that, um, yeah. So bottom line, I think, I don't think it would, I don't, personally, I don't think it would have the same problem as the iTunes thing. I think the iTunes thing was because those things are stored in the cloud. And I don't think that, I don't think that these are, these are stored on your device, right? So I, I I think it is separate, but um, however, I think that the device uh, needs to connect to 
Funimation servers in order to access basically opening up the app. And so it, you might okay. get locked out of the app. I don't know. I, I that's so an interesting, I, it's an interesting question. So my next question to follow up, which I'll, I'll leave that to be the answer. I was going to ask if you download it, I'm thinking more of a rental. Would this a have like a timed expiration date or would this take up more data than normal that way it gives you more incentive to quickly watch and delete or delete off the phone it says or here, the app allows users to download up to 13 episodes at a time so it's like i said with the youtube premium thing it's not meant to hold on to that data forever you're supposed to right. use it for offline viewing let's say that let's say that you have a commute to school on on a bus or something right so while you're at home you take that. your iPod touch you download the stuff and then when you're on your way to school you watch an episode to when you go to school and an episode on your way back right and they're saying you can have up to 13 episodes at a time so you could uh, theoretically you know watch um, for uh, 325 minutes at a time, essentially. Well, yeah, I mean, or uh, theoretically, you could, you could, when stuff is uh, simulcasting, you could get like multiple series going. You know, you could download the newest episode of the multiple series. And then, you know, when you're at school, maybe you watch it in uh, study hall or, or if you're in college or waiting for your next class, you know, all that kind of stuff. You just have this option to, um, it's just a convenience thing. And it does seem very much like it's exactly the same as the YouTube premium offline viewing where, where you just don't need to have access to the internet because you're temporarily storing it on your, your device, which is similar to how audible works where, um, in order to listen to an audio book, you have to have it on your device, but you have your library in the cloud. So you could, if you don't have enough space, remove an audiobook from your device and download the other one if you want to switch. Uh, and then um, because it's stored on the cloud, your spot in the book is maintained uh, and you can swap back and forth without it like losing your, your position. Right. Anyway. So I, I think that, uh, I think that we've talked about this long enough. Do you, yeah. do you guys have anything else you want to throw I'm in? Move forward. Okay. Kuhn Gao steps down as Crunchyroll general manager continues to serve as advisor. This is a very bizarre article because they have like no information whatsoever as to why this happened. Uh, but Crunchyroll co-founder Kun Gao has stepped down from the position of general manager at Crunchyroll. Joanne Wage, I'm going to pronounce it that way. I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced. Former CEO of Vicky has taken over the role as of September 2018. Vicky is the Rakuten uh, streaming platform, right? So Rakuten subsidiary streaming platform, Vicky, right? Um, has taken over the role. So this may be uh, a pos position swap. Well, this is speculation. It, it could honestly be the, uh, you know, how the Crunchyroll's Elation Studios or whatever got bought out by, um, or by AT&T, like majority stake, all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It could be that, I had you. It, it seems bizarre to me that a streaming platform that I don't think anybody in, who's watching right now has ever heard of called Vicky. Well, Vicky is for like K dramas type people, I yeah, think. But it's it's from Rakuten, right? Which Rakuten is like a Japanese uh, Yahoo auction type site, you know? J drama. <laughs> um. So it just seems weird to me that somebody who has built Crunchyroll. I mean, he's one of the co-founders, and he built Crunchyroll into the multi-million-dollar empire it is today. 
you know uh it seems bizarre to me that they are you know demoting him and replacing him with some woman who is former ceo of of some streaming platform nobody's ever heard of you know what i mean um it sounds to me this kind of sounds like to me this kind of sounds like the apparent company who now owns them is stepping in to try to make sure things are run things are run to how they want but it's well, that, still, like you said, what I was suggesting. It's, it almost seems like it's a diversity uh, thing about having more women in in uh, top positions. I don't know. That's complete speculation. I guess an I'm Asian saying, guy wasn't diverse enough, right? Well, you know, that's yeah, that's the uh, catch twenty two of the victim narrative there about uh, how uh, Asians earn more than than uh, most people in the population. Like they, they have like the highest earning index and stuff. So they sort of get left out of that discussion and just ignored. Same with the the SAT thing about them not getting admitted into colleges because they uh, legitimately score higher on tests. So they just sort of like, well, we can't have so many Asians. We don't want to look Asian heavy. We got to make it diverse. So let some other people in. Uh, So anyway, again, but it's just like, this is complete speculation. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that because of the other decisions that Crunchyroll has been making lately, particularly regarding things like High Guardian Spice, that I wouldn't be surprised if the higher ups are starting to push and mold the shaping of the company to fit their, you know, perfect little rainbow thing that companies always try to do uh, and not really care. Like they have a very much means justify the end attitude in business lately, uh, which always ends disastrously um, when you're more interested in your, uh, your public uh, image rather than the competency of your staff. Uh, And I'm just saying again, that, that this Kung Gao, like, I mean, he built it up from nothing into this multi-million dollar company and now he's being replaced uh i don't know why they don't they don't give us any reason whatsoever why why this is happening from what i could see um but uh i don't know we'll just see how things go um i mean again i don't really use streaming services so it's not something that's gonna terribly hardcore affect me but it'll just be interesting to see how these things go um looking at both of these pictures i don't i mean kun gao doesn't strike me as uh the anime um ally i don't know what to call it but she definitely looks like maybe she could run a daycare and not (laughs) not a crunchy roll you know what i mean like it's just but that's you know we we come in all shapes and sizes it's not to say that somebody can't be good for an anime brand just because they look like a like a somebody's aunt you know what i mean (laughs) anyway hopefully this is for the best but this may be sort of a situation where HR has too much control over a business. Well, that's what I'm saying, you know, and and this is speculation. I don't, I'm not, I'm not making any statements here that this is definitely what's going on. I'm just saying that based on the the pattern of behavior we've seen so far, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what's happening. And it's just weird to see like this coming out of nowhere, you know, it's like, there's not, it's not like he's stepping down because of some scandal that came out, you know, so far as I know, but in the, in the next couple of weeks, hopefully we'll, we'll get some clarification on why this happened and what's going on. Cause it just seems like this is, this is actually specifically why my business uh, didn't take investment um, from uh, we didn't, we didn't want investors because this kind of thing happens. You build a company and get forced out by <laughs> your shareholders. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, but it, we'll just we'll just continue to to see where this goes. All right. All I have to say is how 
when I I didn't know that Vicky CEO was the person taking over. So all I have to think is if that person isn't very successful with Vicky, imagine what they'll do with Crunchyroll. Right, and that's, that's the point I'm making is that it's like I've never heard of Vicky. I don't. I mean, maybe you guys have. Maybe I've been living under a rock. But I'm just saying, it seems like a company, a streaming platform. Well, I have. That's of. why I'm all of a sudden yeah, mildly but, concerned. But yeah, yeah. So, and then this, this here. I'll just uh, let me just read this real quick. So, uh, Gal will continue to serve as advisor at Crunchyroll and as a board member at Crunchyroll KK, the company's Japanese branch. He will continue to work on several ongoing projects. Kind of interesting. They've got a Japanese branch, but they don't. They didn't have data for the Japanese. Uh, viewers um maybe the sounds to me like is he's, literally just the place where they are to get licenses it sounds to me like he's attained enough success that he's just kind of like taking the back burner like that was my first impression but who knows well I'm speaking of somebody who who runs a business um if it's a business that you're passionate about like let me put it this way if for example this channel like was crazy successful and we were taking off stuff i wouldn't want to step down and just take a, a back seat, you know? I mean, when you build an empire uh, or you build a business, like you wanna be on the front lines. You wanna be making decisions and helping to grow and, and seeing these magnificent changes happening in people's lives when you can hire them and create and produce things. You know, like that's that's an exhilarating place to be. I just, I don't see this being a, a decision he made willingly um, unless there is some sort of internal, you know, sexual harassment scandal that they're keeping hush on. You know what I mean? Um, so Crunchyroll did not comment on whether it foresees changes as a result of the transition. Gao commented that he thinks Crunchyroll has a quote, bright future and that he has confidence in Wage uh, and the rest of the team. Wage commented, we have big plans to create more 360-degree experiences for fans via content, games, merchandise, events, and more. This seems like the biggest bullshit statement I've ever heard. Uh, this is very similar to what Gen Fukunaga was saying. We market it 360. It's just, I don't, I don't like this term. I've decided I don't like this 360 degree term. Um, are you talking know. about like literal VR 360 video experiences? No, no. They're just talking about, they're talking about the exact same thing Gen Fukunaga said when he says, when we get a brand, we market it 360. Like remember in the, in the Polygon article oh. about, about them? From every angle. Netflix? Yeah. From every angle. Right. We have, um, you know, like they make shirts, they make this, they make that, like they really push it at, at every, every angle, right? This just seems like the word synergy thrown around, like it's a nonsense uh, uh, statement, like a PR kind of thing. Anyway, yeah. uh, Waze took well, over the role of CEO of Runchers. Good. I know one show they've been doing that with, and that's Konosuba. I've seen all this merchandise from Crunchyroll, but no physical release of the show yet. Probably because they were a little all angry up in the air with the breakup, and they want to maintain the one property that was insanely popular. We're going to talk about the breakup in the very next article. So, Atakaso says uh, Kung Gao groped a, a anime girl. Should have been an anime girl, but I'm, I'm assuming that's a joke. Yeah. Okay, that's so, Kitty Honey says um, that she has the uh, Vicky app K drama. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, if, if you guys are right about the, the, the dramas and stuff, sure. Certainly. Like I know people would use it. My Ooh. wife probably has used it. Um, but city I just, Honey 30 does, does this app have the live action city hunter on it? The live action Korean drama city hunter. We'll we find keep out. Talking from there. We should 
not respond. Okay, uh, let me just read the last bit here. Uh, ways to go over the roles. Crunchyroll launched in 2000. So this is just the the last bit of all the articles here are just like a um, like a recap of the history of a company. So I don't need to go through that. Anyway, why did Crunchyroll and Funimation divorce? So uh, I'm going to go ahead and read this article. It's, it's moderately long, but it's a uh, it's it's an interesting take from Justin Savakis. So. Jonathan asked, Funimation ended the partnership with Crunchyroll recently, and a bunch of their shows are getting pulled off of VRV, which sucks. Why did this happen? What will happen to the two companies? Should I be concerned that one of them is going to go away? So there's some very interesting stuff being said in this article here. Um, When it was announced about a year ago that Sony Pictures was buying Funimation... I predicted this would happen, and this is going to link to a different answer man segment where you said that. Uh, the partnership between Crunchyroll and Funimation, and I call it that because the two companies didn't really combine, in, was always w- one of convenience. Funimation did dubs and physical media better. Crunchyroll did quick subtitle translations and streaming better. I think that's arguably a subjective point there. Um, competing against each other competing against each other and Amazon and Netflix simply didn't make sense at the time, meaning that they teamed up in order to, they were allies in order to take on Amazon and Netflix uh, stronger, you know, have a better chance of, of standing out. Uh, Now that both Crunchyroll and Funimation are parts of big international entertainment and communications conglomerates, Sony and AT&T, it's a much different story. Both are now in the position where they are expected to feed their parent company's interests, which include their own streaming platforms, their own library of content, their own partners, and their own distribution. Their goals are their goals no longer align like they once did. There were signs that the partnership wasn't always a good one. I heard rumblings behind the scenes of culture clashes and nerd tribalism that affected working together, which happens during a lot of mergers and partnerships like this one. The deal was a short-term one, only a couple of years before it had to be renewed, and given the two companies' long history of competition, I think it's reasonable to speculate that they never quite got around to fully trusting each other during this short period of cooperation. But no matter. It's over now, and a number of titles are disappearing off of each other's sites. The two did license a huge number of titles jointly, however, including several yet to be released, uh, where they are even on the production committee together. Um, so. The two did license a huge number of the of titles jointly, however, and those will be staying put, although most of Funimation's dubs are being pulled from Crunchyroll. It's all very confusing, since every title was, was a slightly different arrangement. Neither company is in any danger of going away. While Warner Media has been trimming the fat off of their new acquisitions by closing down services like Drama Fever and Filmstruck, the latter of which is already being replaced uh, after an outcry, Crunchyroll is decidedly not fat. Uh, uh, it's the most successful niche streaming service in the world with 2 million subscribers and turning a profit. While I can't guarantee that will happen uh, to the rest of the uh, Verve collection of services, Crunchyroll is in no danger. It's the envy of the digital media world. Verve and Crunchyroll may even form the basis of Warner Media's new streaming platform expected next year, which I've been saying for like ever since this whole thing kicked off. Um, Crunchyroll will soldier on, much like it has been doing. They've already announced that they'll be filling the void left by uh, left by producing a lot of their own dubs, though I highly doubt many of the vendors they're using are up to the sort of speed Funimation is capable of. It isn't impossible to build something 
sorry, it isn't impossible to build something with similar speed and quality. And High Dive, which represents much of Sentai Filmworks' catalog, has already replaced Funimation on the Verve, uh, on the Verve service, making new dubs like Food Wars and other shows available. Sony Pictures also just paid a lot of money specifically to buy Funimation, and they're definitely not keen to let their investment go to waste. That said, this move indicates that control of the company will likely be shifting entirely to new overlords soon. That means that 2019 is going to be a year of major transition and trauma over in Flower Mound. I suspect some layoffs are in store, as well as transitioning away from Universal Pictures' home entertainment distribution, since that's something Sony can do in-house. Transitions like that are always rocky and may result in some temporary shortages. So this regarding the layoffs stuff, this is what I'm talking about with uh, this. Now, this particular paragraph is about Sony and Funimation, but this is exactly what I was talking about with Crunchyroll and the Churning Group um, in Alation and all other companies that are in that skating family tree of who owns who, uh, that it seems like the Kungao uh, replacement was for this reason. Uh, Higher-ups decide they know how company they just bought better than the successful company, you know? Um, I would expect some level of continuity for consumers, but to be honest, I don't know if we'll be able to recognize the company in in another year. I don't know what their goals are in terms of licensing strategy, distribution, or streaming, and I suspect that most Funimation employees don't either. But the company is definitely not going away, and neither are most of its fla- and neither are most of its flagship titles. I expect the dubbing studio to be fairly safe as well, since it's more cost-effective and more efficient than nearly any operation of its kind. Sony Pictures typically hires LA area dubbing studios for its projects, which typically costs far more. Yeah, safe to say, 2019 will be a very interesting year for both of these companies. So um, regarding what he said here about uh, Funimation, we have been paying attention on the podcast about things like them getting rid of uh, slip covers and the thin LEs as we've been calling them. You know, uh, it seems like Sony is forcing Funimation to cut costs on things that that Sony sees as not as profitable as their streaming service might might be to them. They might see it as a more, you know, profitable venture because as we've seen in the past, Sony has stooped even so far as to release things as manufactured on demand through um, Amazon Create Space for some of the anime that they had before they acquired Funimation. So they aren't too keen on you know dvd sales you know it's just not something that they seem to care about uh the way that funimation does um and hopefully now that they own funimation they can see the actual numbers of how dvd sales are going and why it's not wise to just get rid of it altogether and hopefully you know you always want to hope even though it seems like this isn't what's happening that uh they recognize the success of the team and they don't try to you know mess with it and and try to put the puzzle pieces back together in an even more efficient streamlined way because that usually ends up in a rocky transition that hurts more than helps a company in my opinion now another way to view it for funimation sony is let's say that they do decide to over overtake it and re visualize it into something else something you see no city hunter by the way there is no live action city hunter 
That's what she said. On on the uh, the app. The, okay. The Vicky okay, app. Um, going back to my thank you, Cutie Honey Thirty. Going back to my point. Sometimes you see in other other fields of business when the parent company takes over a group or dismisses a group to continue on to something else. You can see founders founders or people who worked in that previous group go form their other go form another country, yeah, not country, another business, another company. Um, so maybe this is thinking on the pessimistic side. You'll have Funimation taken over, then people from Funimation go create Neo Funimation, as you will. Okay, so so well, basically so that might be a potential. Yeah. What what you're breaking down is the concept that a company is not a faceless organization. A company is a group of people. And we tend to forget because we see like we, we are opinions of companies. It's kind of like uh, I've, I've used this example in the past, the band kiss. So when the band kiss started, there were four original members. And then over time, every one of the members has been swapped out to, to now the band may, I don't even know if it still exists now, but there was a point I believe where none of the original members were still part of it, but they were, there was a band that existed called kiss that didn't have any of the original members, you know? And it's like, uh, we have this idea that, you know, I like this company. I like how they handle things, but in reality, what you like, isn't the company itself it's the decisions being made by the employees that work there. And sometimes without knowing it, you know, you don't, you don't realize the internal workings, those companies, the, those employees disappear they are fired they move on something happens and then the decisions made at the company start to be things you don't necessarily agree with anymore right and it starts the keyword you should appoint good the keyword you should appoint back to were layoffs yeah in this case so so what i'm saying is that um you're you're bringing up a good point that the dis the reason companies like funimation Crunchyroll, the reason that they work, the reason that they're successful is because of the visionary people who work there. Gen Fukunaga is a freaking genius, okay? He is a freaking genius at, w- at what he does over there, right? Kun Gao, uh, for example, uh, has built Crunchyroll up to this multi-million dollar country out of nothing, out of literally starting as a piracy site, right? Multi-million dollar country, wow. Company. Anyway, so... Um, so what I'm saying is that you're you're making the point that if things get ugly at Funimation, layoffs or not, the people who work there, the people who um, the core team, the the team that makes the good decisions, they you're right, they might splinter off and make a new company, um, yeah, and it, or- we could see something similar to. Uh, um, to what happened, like with how you've got Central Park Media, you've got Urban Vision, and you've got. Um, uh, US Manga US Manga Corps, you know what I mean? So like you might see these splintering uh, things create or, or even better Gynax Studio Trigger kind of kind of thing would be a better example, you know, where it's like it's pretty much the exact same thing. You know, it's the same people. It's just a new name and a new brand kind of thing. We, we might see that happen. Um, so yeah. I don't know. Another thing I, to point out. If it gets bad and they see if it gets bad and we see Funimation make lower profits once again. Again, unless he feels like he's too old, he'll probably throw the boomerang and buy the company back for far cheaper oh, yeah. price no, I, again. I, I said that just for the record. 
I made that prediction when, when they bought it. I said, this has happened numerous times. Gen Fukunaga is a freaking genius who sells his company. It falls. He buys it back and has all this extra capital to, to pump it back into his company because of the original, uh, um, uh, sale, you know, the guy's a genius. I, I I'm really looking forward to seeing how he, because I think if anybody can actually keep the ship steering in the right direction, it's him. Anyway, so let's move now on to the, good. Hold on, there's a, there's a side B to this. So Crunchyroll, you'll either see one or two things, or this is my opinion. I could be dead wrong, which that's fine. It means there's something more to look forward to. You can either see one side of them taking it over and all hell Neo Tsunami. Which will be far, which will be pretty impressive if they can pull it off, or if I'm imagining correctly, or if profits go badly, we might see Faku taking over Crunchyroll or trying to purchase it from the apparent company. <laughs> that claim, yeah. okay. I would love to see happen. <laughs> First of all, Augie, I, I've noticed then again from those two. <laughs> then again, from those two opinions that I said about Crunchyroll. I obviously don't have that much experience with the streaming stuff, so there's. I don't think. I while. don't think that Faku uh, is. I think it's more likely that Crunchyroll would buy Faku than the other way around. Right. Possibly. So uh, also, it's called a parent company, and it's so funny because I've I think you said that last. Well, I've listened to our older podcasts, and um, you used to always call it an apparent company. Um, but then for a while, I noticed you were saying it right, and I just I, <laughs> I have to bring it up. It's called a parent company, the company that is a parent of the other company, right? Um, okay. Down like as this why I called it the family tree. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just, I have to say something about it. You also got made the same mixed up I did earlier by calling a company a country. So. I don't remember doing that, but you guys did. You did say seem to think I said that, but uh, um, yeah, I'm just uh-huh. I'm just saying, like for future reference, let's let's try to uh, let's try to hold that. Uh, we'll, we'll try to you know pronounce that correctly. Taco so says hentai heaven, haven. Um, haven. Yeah, we're we're gonna discuss that. Um, Otaku so anyway. made the clarification that Faku is hentai. I think that was in response to me saying I'd love to see that. Which I meant in the way that because of how ridiculous it would be yeah. if that happened. Yeah, and I think I think he was saying that to Augie that Faku is a is a adult. Oh, company, because because right? he that, proposed that buying Crunchyroll is is a ridiculous idea. <laughs> it's, uh, hey, I maybe like, ridiculous, but people like money, you know. Got okay, to casual all the, the ages. They don't they don't have more money than Crunchyroll, you know. Back in the day, know. there was a time when Apple could have bought Google, and then Google started selling phones, and now Google's worth more than Apple, you know? Anyway. Fair enough. So, Funimation president, we tried to renew the deal with Crunchyroll. Last month, Crunchyroll and Funimation ended their cross-platform licensing partnership. The deal had enabled the two companies to share their catalog titles on each other's streaming platforms, as well as license titles jointly. In an interview with Newsweek, First Polygon, now Newsweek, Posted on Thursday, Funimation President Gen Fukunaga said that Funimation had tried to renew the partnership with Crunchyroll, but that Crunchyroll's terms did not suit Funimation. Quote, Sony had to make this tough decision, Fukunaga said. If Crunchyroll wasn't going to budge on those terms, then we just have to double down and decide if we want to go, go at it alone. And that's what happened. 
Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll just read it. It's not that long. Um, the dispute was apparently about international expansion. According to Newsweek, Funimation streaming rights were restricted to certain regions under the Crunchyroll deal. This kind of goes back to what we were you were asking about regarding them uh, having the offline option. Uh, Fukunaga said that he felt that Sony Pictures Television Networks, which acquired a majority stake in Funimation in 2017, had the technology and infrastructure to provide Funimation with a more with more global exposure. Sony advised Funimation to terminate the Crunchyroll deal so that the company could expand its global operations because um, they would be locked into certain regions uh, with Crunchyroll um, that they, you know, would have prevented growth. Uh, so this marks the first time a representative from either company has spoken openly about the circumstances that led to the termination of the deal. Fukunaga said that the acquisition for the winter 2019 anime seasons were mostly still obtained under a Crunchyroll and Funimation partnership, but that going forward, the companies will bid separately for exclusive streaming rights for the sub and dub releases. Uh, that's important for Sony to get that exclusivity and global rights, said Fukunaga. So um, in the previous article where um, Justin Savakis was explaining that their goals sort of aligned uh, back in that article, he was mentioning that um, they were teaming up to take on Amazon and Netflix. And it seems like, I mean, we've been talking about this for, I don't know how long that the streaming war is like, it's, it's a cold war that's about to go hot. Right. And uh, this seems like a real bad move in the long run in terms of the fact that now they have to bid separately. So they're going to be bidding against each other for titles Whereas before they could pool their resources and bid together, you know, and, and that was more, I think, um, valuable to the Japanese companies because you could say that, okay, so mm. if you go with us, it will be on Funimation's website and Crunchyroll's website. And here's the, the reach you'll have. You'll get to this many people, right? And that's now, separately, people it's going to be figure, on their who buy your cosplay stuff, who buy whatever, like, and, uh, and now um, they're cutting that significantly to the point where going forward, it's going to be like we're going to see Amazon and Netflix start to have an actual, you know, market. Uh, uh, they're going to have a stronger stake in the market because they're able to compete uh, a little bit more. So um, anyway, continue. Uh, well, that's part of the fun of this. Did I, I like you? Hmm? Well, that's part okay, of the fun of this. If you look how you described it, and if you look at this way, it's like a very uh, high, well, I wouldn't say high stakes, but a very uh, interesting game of risk at hand right here. Because even though even though uh, Amazon's am, am, ah, Anime Strike, if I can talk today, went away, they still have a massive library of anime to stream off of. Yeah, but the thing about... No, they don't advertise it. With the thing about Amazon, and this is the same thing that, that was being said about Netflix, is that Amazon is not a streaming uh, site the way that um, Crunchyroll is. Like, when you hear Crunchyroll, you think watching anime. When you hear Amazon, you think buying something online and having it shipped rel relatively quickly to you. You know, when you think Netflix, you don't think anime. You think a whole bunch of crap that is usually a bunch of Bollywood movies uh, and yeah. occasionally um, something like Stranger Things or Arrested Development, right? And then, yeah, there's some anime on there too. 
And, uh, but it's all oftentimes it's stuff that was also available on Crunchyroll or Funimation, like, like let's say Bleach or something, you know, um, and stuff constantly, they, the license is expiring. They have it, then they don't have it, then they have it again. Um, so it just seems like, um, those companies like just to really i i think he was absolutely right when he said that netflix isn't good for anime overall um because of those reasons you know and that funimation um being something the a brand that is synonymous with anime when you think funimation you think anime you know um and whether you think about it through the lens of streaming or physical media, it depends on you as an individual. But the point is that, that because they have both, they can cater to that specifically. Whereas, like I said, if you think Amazon, you think, oh, I can buy paper towels and have them shipped to my house because I'm too lazy to go to the store right now. I'm going to make do without paper towels for three days. <laughs> anyway. The um, thing that baffles me with all the companies mentioned in this niche genre, or I wouldn't call it a genre, but they're going to call it call it that anyway in this market is they don't advertise one bit i mean you may rarely see an advertisement for the places if you're going towards it but if you're like in general you don't really see that much i mean i I was surprised to see a broly very next article actually um about okay i was surprised on comedy central i saw a trailer for the broly movie coming out so yeah yeah, that's, uh, I mean, well, when it comes to Dragon Ball in particular, uh, I mean, Macy's Day Parade, right? Oh, yeah. So. Well, regarding Amazon, the thing is, I think streaming-wise, they're just struggling to get an audience in general who's enthusiastic about their streaming. So mm-hmm. that's why uh, the things that their Amazon original shows are the things that they're plugging. But then the other stuff that, I don't know, you can see in other places or that isn't particularly like drawing to the service. They're not going to bother advertising because they can't even advertise their own stuff and get people regarding uh, Netflix. No, Amazon. Oh, okay. Amazon to me for Amazon to Netflix for people who really stream for their Well, Amazon Amazon is making a move in the coming years uh to be taken more seriously in the market because they have the rights to a uh Lord of the Rings miniseries. Right. So they're actually going to cool. be doing a Game of Thrones style series about the Tolkien Lord of the Rings uh, thing. So that'll be interesting to see. And it'll be Amazon exclusive. You're only going to be able to watch it there. That is something like, let's just say, like, if we were talking in the last podcast about people choosing their primary streaming platform, and I was mentioning, like, you know, personally, it's like, I don't think that somebody is going to specifically choose to be Netflix exclusive just because they have Evangelion. You know, I mean, yes, there will be some people who do that, but I don't think it's going to be the large share of the market. However, I know for a fact, there are a ton of people who would buy an Amazon Prime account just to watch that Tolkien series. Hmm. You know, so let me go through just uh, these last three or four paragraphs here. Um, and uh, then we can be done with this article here. Uh, so Fukunaga also spoke about the exclusive first look streaming deal Funimation recently signed with Hulu. Uh, starting in 2019, Hulu will get first pick on Funimation's new titles in the United States. So Hulu and Funimation will be the only U.S. streaming outlets for some of Funimation's simulcasts and simuldubs. 
Fukunaga said that Hulu has its own anime base that will help Funimation co-buy content and bid for more highly sought titles. You guys will have to tell me about their uh, content. Does, is there any anime on Hulu that is like actually worth it? You know, because from what okay, I know, so they've Hulu always used had to have movies. stuff. Yeah, Hulu used, used to have some stuff they like. Have, uh, yeah, they used to have like a whole bunch of Media Blaster stuff. Then the bubble popped, and they had to retract all those licenses. But yeah, this just seems like lip service almost it says hulu will help us get the mass exposure and we can get uh the hardcore anime fans on our platform that seems like that the <laughs> opposite roll. of what Crunchyroll is what does that crunchy roll is how you get there <laughs> hulu who cares about hulu uh fukunaga told newsweek it, it was a good partnership in the sense that we can coexist and that's why it works for us so in that regard it's like look if, if hulu is a more um global brand like you're able to uh reach outside of certain regions that crunchyroll may have locked you into then sure i i get it but i just think that this is this is wishful thinking here this this quote um a few days ago fukunaga spoke to polygon about netflix's acquisition of neon genesis evangelion tv series claiming it was a disservice for anime fans and that funimation would have done a better brand manage better at brand management um anyway so do you guys want to say anything else about that before we move on to this to this opinion uh, piece. Let FDM say something, then I'll say something. Well, what I was going to get at with Hulu is how they had some titles that were, at the time, pretty exclusive. Like, uh, Baku Man was not anywhere. And this was right when Viz picked it up, I think. Mm-hmm. Then there was Ichigo 100% Strawberry 100%, which has never been mm-hmm. released, period. And then it expired, so that sucks. Um, but yeah... They did have a vast variety that combined the Viz and the Funimation and stuff all in one place, but now it's basically like a secondary Funimation, which is pointless. Yeah, if you think about it... Um, a, think, a limited Funimation. Well, think, think about this from the perspective of Funimation. Um, it's obvious. Funimation, they pay for half, half their license now. Well, Funimation knows when they have a, uh, a strong show so uh one piece dragon ball obviously attack on titan my hero academia clearly funimation knows the value of those shows right Mm -hmm. um now think about viz's uh library uh death note sailor moon you know um they've got bleach right yes so there's all these things that like i mean if hulu had those titles like if if they were had some sort of partnership we never really discussed about uh with viz then yeah maybe this is um maybe maybe funimation's making a smart move here because having access to these other you know mainstream heavy hitters you know would would be something that funimation could build into even more of a um you know, of a brand, like they could really market those things and keep them going. And I, I think, uh, as we discussed in the last podcast, that Funimation's ability to keep these brands, not only alive, but thriving, uh, is having uh, positive effects long-term. Like for instance, they, they made over a million dollars on the theater screening for my hero academia's movie. Right. And that yeah. like that, that, gets back to japan you know and they say like well shit you know 
look what that was unexpected. Like, look at, look at what happened over in the States with this company that we uh, signed a deal with to, to be able to license and distribute this. Like that shows like they're, they're very, um, they're very good at this. And it seems like uh, if, if it is like, if we take Hulu and, and just, pretend that it's actually just this, you know, that, that actually seems like a very interesting dynamic that could really shift things. Mm-hmm. Um, my thought and comment, my other thought for back to the prime discussion is I've noticed people who are like bored then and have prime then discover that they have a library stuff to stream that, that's how I usually get like a conversation started or hear a conversation start about Amazon streaming services. Um, also for Hulu and Funimation, the more we talk about it, the more I learn. I am completely ignorant of this, of Hulu. I'm still, I'm kind of laughing that they went to Hulu, but the more we learn, talk, the more I learn about it. So yeah, moving on. Bye-bye. I'm I'll just address this verbally. Uh, anime friend has said that they're actually considering getting a flight to the U.S. to see the Broly movie with their friends. Um, Would not pay that much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Who's anime friend? Uh, somebody in, in Lance, the chat. Lance's oh, friend. okay. Cool. Um, so, and then they, they also wanted to say Crunchyroll and Funimation are the best places for anime. When you specialize, you care. It is a life fact. So there's a Chinese proverb, many swords never sharp. Uh, which which is it basically means like when you specialize in one discipline, particularly relating to martial arts, um, you become like a razor sharp knife, you know. But if you try to spread yourself over, you know, thirty different martial arts, um, you never perfect any of them, right? And I think that if you consider that and translate it to Amazon, like Amazon, if you if you search for uh, like uh, a shredder to, to shred documents. There's the Amazon choice. That's literally the Amazon brand. They make their own shredder, you know, um, there's Amazon um, produce. So you can buy like fruits and vegetables, organic fruits and vegetables in some, uh, in some places um, have them delivered to you. Uh, there's their streaming service. There's, you know, there's all these things that they've got create space where you can sell your book at, print on demand you know they are um trying to do so much and they're successful amazon is probably if not already going to be one of the um biggest brands in the history of mankind you know watch out east indian trading company i mean they're they're really getting kind of scary with how much they are they're putting their fingers in you know same same with google um but yeah it's just that like i said you don't you don't associate amazon with anime anyway moving on to this next article this is a it's 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 an interesting one regarding the stuff about netflix uh being good for anime so kasra asked funimation's president gen fukunaga got very salty about netflix getting evangelion it seems, uh, it seems like to him and some of the fans that Netflix will not do the series justice, but it should be celebrated since, well, Ava is back for the old otakus, been only a fan since my mid-20s, and it might help to get new fans, maybe? So, for those who haven't seen it, Funimation President Gen Fukunaga told Polygon in an interview, blah, 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 it's basically the article we already went over, right? Um, it is a well-known... 
it's well known that Funimation would have loved to have the series. I mean, they, they flat out stated it in the last uh, paragraph of that article. They got the movies, going to great lengths to reunite key cast members for the dub, and marketed them heavily. They even infamously redubbed the third movie, likely at no small expense, after Studio Cara determined that they adapted the script too much. Fans love to give Funimation grief for that, but you must remember that licensors get to approve dub scripts before they get recorded. And so Funimation, or pardon, and so Fukunaga's words sure do sound a bit, let's call them savory. His company didn't get what they wanted, and now he's disparaging the company that did. No doubt the implied drama caught people's attention because his comments were heavily reblogged and reposted by pop culture websites, including this one, uh, meaning Anime News Network. But is he right? Do shows that appear on exclusively Netflix die on the vine, unseen by many, because they don't put much effort into marketing them? It's hard to say for sure, because Netflix infamously never releases numbers, even to people who produce these shows. Absolutely no information is available about how well anything does on Netflix. Even their recent grudging theatrical releases for films like Alfonso, I don't even know how to pronounce that, Masterpiece Roma, are data black holes. Because rather than releasing the films normally, Netflix is renting out theaters, or four-walling as it's called, to prevent them from reporting uh, grosses to box office tracking services. So just real quick, um, two things. Four-walling is when you... Um, when you rent out the theater rather than have the theater show your thing, you actually man the theater and do it yourself so that the numbers uh, are private. And the reason, just so you know, the reason why Netflix puts things in theaters is because there's this stipulation in like the Grammy Awards or whatever, or the, um, the Emmys or whatever, that in order for something to be um, – able to to be considered for an award it has to have a theatrical release of a certain number of like theaters or whatever so they literally hold theater screenings for stuff for like a weekend in order to be eligible for for movies that are like their netflix originals and whatever to uh to to win an award um just in case you didn't know okay but there's a growing suspicion in Hollywood and among anime producers that the company might be hiding these numbers for a reason. There's no doubt that shows like Stranger Things and Orange is the New Black are huge, mainstream shows, and are part of the cultural zeitgeist. But there are literally hundreds of shows, perhaps thousands, that Netflix either produces or licenses exclusively that nobody has ever heard of. A few high-profile shows get a lot of marketing thrown at them, but most of their output gets put uh, gets posted with little notice. Much of it seems to be ignored or forgotten. The general theory when dealing with secretive tech companies is that if a project go- does well enough, they'll loudly brag about the numbers. But staying silent about them is usually hiding failure, or at least mediocrity. Due to their sheer number of subscribers, Netflix has become so dominant that the major studios like Disney are cutting them off, which I actually find is very funny because I literally just saw that Avengers Infinity War is on the front page of Netflix, um, refusing to license them content. Uh, there's probably a deal that they're, that they're bound to at this time um, for the Marvel stuff until... Uh, well, until, you can still see some Disney stuff on there. I mean, like, yeah, in the, but, technically, but the, in the, the argument now is... Disney related. The point is that uh, that Disney is um, 
creating their own streaming service. So they are going to be pulling their stuff off everywhere so that it's exclusively available on their service. And you yeah. have to have a thing on I, their service. I too. never doubted. I never doubted that detail. Yeah. I'm just saying that it seems like they're, they're tied up in some contracts. Cause I, I was very shocked to see uh, infinity war on Netflix um, the other day. Uh, anyway, and Netflix is spending an obscene amount of money. I reported $10 billion this year, $2 billion of which is deficit spending on content, mostly so that they can make their own shows and not be beholden to traditional producers like the major Hollywood studios. But without any idea how many people actually watch these shows, it's not clear whether people will stick around solely for Netflix original offerings. Now, I'll just say... Um, they have hit things out of the park so significantly with Stranger Things alone that I don't think they're in trouble, uh, to be honest. Um, and I mean, Stranger Things, so, like, if you go to Target, they're selling like pajama bottoms, Stranger, thing, yeah. Stranger Things themed pajama bottoms and, and shirts and everything, Stranger Things, that you know. So they're so making. It makes you wonder if, if you should consider next. Netflix, a mainstream Netflix. or technically a huge indie scene. Netflix, what well, did I, I say? Th- I, th- I think Netflix. what's happening. <laughs> I think what's happening is that um, Netflix is responsible for redefining the industry. So uh, there's this weird thing happening where you know what you call dinosaur media. Uh, they're they're going extinct and they don't even they haven't even like the comet already hit and they don't realize it yet. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, so Hollywood is drowning right now. Like movie turnout is down significantly. Pretty much nothing that gets into the theaters are even worth seeing. Um, these these last couple movies from uh, Marvel have like they entirety of shots are completely CGI. Granted, it's it's photo real to the point where people who aren't in the industry wouldn't even notice. But I'm just saying, like it's it's gotten to the point where the art of movie making uh, is gotten kind of robotic. You know what I mean? And um, Netflix has rekindled the uh, as you were calling it, sort of the indie scene by throwing money at no name people, people that have not yet made a name for themselves in the Hollywood realm, because these are people who are more attached to the art of making a movie than the financial success behind making a movie. Now, another example of what you're talking about is for a long time in like the seventies to eighties, you had stuff like a grindhouse film, which luckily in the two thousands, when Tarantino and some other people kind of brought that to the mainstream, it was huge. So you see like this new wave of other entertainment. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing the, if you look at the history of Hollywood, they are um, not really innovators in, in certain fields. They chase trends. Um, last night we were uh, having a discussion, Augie and FDM and I, uh, where we were just sort of talking for a couple hours. And I was bringing up the fact that uh, in Hollywood, there's this weird thing where they blame the customer for every failure that they have. Right. So we were talking about the movie gladiator and how leading up to Ridley Scott's gladiator period pieces were seen as dead. 
you could not make them. They were a box office failure, no matter what, because quote, uh, you know, audiences didn't want to see them. Right. Uh, and that's the belief. That's the way that, that movie studios view things is that this is poison for the box office. You never touch this. And that's why the studio execs stick their neck into, or their head into every production and say, you have to do this. You know, we're forcing your hand, put a love triangle in the Hobbit trilogy. You know what I mean? Um, and that's why that happens. And they, they are very stuck in their ways. Um, and when somebody like um, Ridley, Stop, Ridley Scott came out and made Gladiator, uh, and it was a tremendously huge success, then if you look from there, we had Troy, we had Alexander, we had King Arthur. We, you know, All these things came out uh, after that. Same thing with Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean comes out. They make a movie about sailing on the ships and then uh, Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. All sorts of movies try to ride the pirate uh, um, trend, you know. Uh, Game of Thrones comes out. Then we get Vikings and all these other, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the way that things work uh, in, in Hollywood is that when something is hot, you jump on it. Um, you, you, uh, you hit that commodity uh, and try to milk it for everything it's worth until it's dead. Right. Anyway, so uh, let's uh, let's get through this article here. So this is why anime is so important for Netflix. Anime fans are passionate enough that a good anime offering will all but ensure that they stick around. And a title like Evangelion is so important and demanded for and demand for it is so pent up that it alone can give people the impression that Netflix is an anime destination. It's been widely reported that Netflix doesn't even care that people watch their content so much as it as add it to their queue so that they have a reason to continue paying for a Netflix subscription. And Evangelion, so well known that everybody who cares even slightly about anime will feel that they need to at least see it once. Um, so this is an interesting argument here that uh, that theoretically Netflix could purchase a title just strictly to play on the psychology of people feeling obligated to watch it, which I, I think there are plenty of anime that, that I've definitely bought and sat through because I didn't even think it was that good, but I, it's such a cultural phenomenon that I want to at least be able to hold a conversation with somebody about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with that last sentence there. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. That was it. Just continue. Okay. Um, so here's, here's the thing I was kind of getting at earlier. There's an old canard that anime doesn't need to be marketed, that the fans Ugh. talk amongst themselves so much and the enthusiast press covers releases and the enthusiast press covers releases so exhaustively that all fans already know about all the shows and advertising is a waste. That's probably true of more niche titles, but there are hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of fringe anime Pardon, of fringe fans that don't pay much attention, uh, but are still open to watching a particularly good anime if one piqued their interest. Of all the companies currently marketing anime, only Funimation currently goes to much effort to reach those potential fringe viewers on a regular basis. But while it's so true... Regarding, go ahead. So regarding that comment before, we've already talked about and that's why I kind of cut it short. This paragraph makes me want to bash my head in. I know it's true. I know that's what they do, but you need more people to get in this. I understand it's niche and it works well for a niche for at least Funimation and other companies, but come on. There's so many other shows out there that people don't know about. 
Yeah, and I think that I think well, that going was... back to going back to this paragraph where he was saying that and a title like A Evangelion is so important and demand for it is so pent up that it alone can give people the impression that Netflix is an anime destination. Yes, to See, one of the things that's really hard about uh, YouTube uh, discussions like this is that we are you, what you could consider a specialist in the field. Like most of the people who watch this channel and stuff, we're not casual fans. We're collectors. You know, we are deep into anime, but and it's hard. It's hard to get away from our expertise enough to see the world through the view of the average person. And a, a lot of people, like he said, are they will view Evangelion as that thing that, you know, I should see it at least once in my life. And, you know, you, it's like a hotel Rwanda or something, that movie you keep renting from Netflix, uh, but you never actually sit down and watch it. You know, um, it just, because you feel like oh, I should probably see it at some point and you just keep renting it, renting it, renting it and mailing it back and never sit through it. Um, but uh, for people like us, we know that, you know, sure. Evangelion deserves all the props it gets, but there are plenty of other shows that are just as important. You know, right, let's uh, let's take let's take this for instance. What's the general age that people will start watching anime in general that are not in Japan? Let's throw that bias out there. Let's just say we take a sixth grader. Let's ask them what sh- what what's an anime what an anime is. So I think and what tiles do they know? You should stipulate that I because I think the number is significantly lower than that, but those you have to find out what age do people I'm doing actually, a random thing. Okay, yeah, I'm just saying you have to you have Fine, to Fine, I'm doing a random sampling. You have to stipulate that people understand that what they're watching is not just a cartoon that it is specifically this other thing called anime because a lot of people start watching anime as a kid when they're watching Pokemon on TV but they don't realize it's a Japanese show. So so to to your point we're we're trying to pick an age range where it's specifically the anime fandom rather than just I like Digimon, I like Pokemon. Continue. <laughs> Right, and that's why I point sixth grade. Right. So we take that, take that age, and ask them what's what. The only sources that they know, no, now I'm I'm not familiar with how how people go online with their children, but typically how they would know would either be TV, friends, bookstore, maybe a library. Yeah, MySpace. There you yeah, go. I, honestly, I think it, I I I'll, I think an argument could be made either way regarding um, advertising uh, shows because, for instance, um, I I think it's absolutely right that the majority of anime people know about, especially back before everything was really getting licensed. I mean, there's plenty of shows that I knew about that never got a license back in the day because I was on the internet, you know, right. and people were talking about it on the oh. internet. But um, I guess so. I wasn't lucky enough to get the internet until I was like 14. So, well, the, the thing with Funimation uh, is that p- companies like Funimation or Right Stuff, for example, yes, they advertise their stuff. Funimation to a degree of, you know, Macy's Day Parade, you know, and all that stuff. But most of the ads are targeted ads utilizing social media to specifically target people who are into anime, right? So they are. Uh, they are reaching people, but they're specifically trying to reach fans. And and I think that most companies that actually do advertise things, their thing is like a free sort of social media thing. Like take Jayless uh, Twitter, for example. Um, they are not really targeting one show or, or whatever. They're just targeting the fandom as a whole, the, 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 um, the anime fandom, you know, that people like 
this stuff and it doesn't need to be specifically oh we're targeting the ava fans this week no it's it's literally just people like anime and it's an identifiable thing that as you're scrolling through you see that anime character and it doesn't even matter if you know the show or not you stop and your eyes focus on that post because it's anime you know what i mean okay but where's the main source for them to usually watch it unless if it's available to be free let's I'm trying to dive into is they don't have the money, right? Money. They can beg their parents, but the parents don't know what's going on with that. Well, they're usually kind of watching, like a they're usually sword watching the uploads on YouTube. <laughs> right. Part one of but 13. <laughs> if you, like if they want to watch a movie that's coming out like a fathom event, but they can't. Let's put this to the side. What I'm saying is, since it's not widely advertised enough, I get what you're saying. If they're interested, they'll find it through the sites or whatever. If the parents can't find out where to find the stuff to get... Continue on. I'm I'm mixing... I'm slowly mixing other topics into this that don't need to be mixed in. So, So we'll just say this. Um... I don't think it's that hard for people to find a place to actually watch anime. What's hard is getting people to the legal places to watch anime. Anime is so easy to consume that you have to, the hard part is getting people to go to, to Crunchyroll or Funimation or whatever uh, and transitioning them from, let's say the kiss anime crowd, right? Or the torrent crowd or something like that. That's, that's the, the thing that's difficult now i i think that you know again it could be argued either way i think i think funimation does a great job like with the macy's day parade and everything their goal is to um almost fluff their their own fan base about uh there's a moth in here get away from me uh to fluff their own uh fan base with their love of things like dragon ball i don't think they made that Macy's Day parade float because they thought that they were going to get somebody to look at it and actually sit down and watch Dragon Ball Super. I I don't, I mean, maybe that actually did happen for a few people, but I very much doubt that was the goal. I don't think that the amount of money that they spent on doing that, I don't think that it returned their investment in terms of new people coming to the platform, the Funimation platform or watching it on Toonami or whatever. I don't think that there was any chance that they earned back that expense okay i think what they were doing was basically celebrating the fandom and celebrating their customers uh and giving back to them in that way um and i think that like a lot of companies it's not even specifically about advertising a specific show as much as it is advertising the genre of anime you know uh and and just celebrating it among like-minded people so anyway let's uh let's get through these last two things so we can get on to uh the other articles but but while it's true that netflix currently under markets many of their shows when people do care their sheer size can shine a spotlight on a series in a way funimation could not dream of as proof their youtube teaser for evangelion has well over 800,000 views on youtube 3.06 million views on twitter and 2.8 million views on facebook as of writing as of this writing uh Two weeks after it was posted, it got written up in countless mainstream entertainment websites. It's already a phenomenon simply by being Evangelion. And by Netflix 
and by Netflix simply being Netflix, uh, sorry, I got in laws uh, poking their head in the door. They didn't know I was in here. Anyway, so, uh, and by Netflix being simply being Netflix, it did not need Funimation's help. It's not at all clear to me that Netflix is missing some major part of the puzzle in its release of the series, but I honestly can't think of anything Funimation could be doing better at this point. Um, the concern with anime on Netflix comes not with giant ubiquitous shows like Evangelion, but with smaller shows. Evangelion won't die on the vine at Netflix, but smaller shows already have, and many others probably will. And as far as their ability to overpay for licenses, well, let's just say that $2 billion deficit in annual, pardon, $2 billion in annual deficit spending is going to catch up to them sooner or later. So what he says here, I honestly can't think of anything Funimation could be doing better at this point. I'm just going to harken back to what I said in the last podcast about how, for example, when ADV had the license to Evangelion, they were making great strides to get like three live action movies, more series getting made. They were pushing to turn it into more than just its original 26 episode show. You know, they were really marketing, trying to push it into continuing the franchise in, in more exciting ways, including live action movies and whatnot. So um, I think that Funimation could have had something of that effect uh, would have been interesting to see where they went with it, including merchandising, cosplay suits, accessories, whatever. Um, anyway, do you guys have anything you want to say about this? Okay, nope. quick. A simpler, a simpler rephrasing what I was asking is animes to a point where technically it's not a niche anymore. It should be a mainstream. I mean, we've seen uh, box office sales go in the millions. I mean, it, yeah. it, it should be more more noticed as to what titles are out there. I get under, I understand still technically niche. And like the comments said, going into that other topic that I don't want to get into, you have the local views affecting stuff. So, uh, but yeah, this is a pretty decent part three to, or yeah, part three to the Evangelion series, I guess for the podcast. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. Yeah, I'm, I'm just re- catching up on the uh, chat real quick. Think about oh. Hollywood all the time comes to mind lately. The word scandal, over-budgeted, overpaid, and overhyped. Not saying that Hollywood doesn't get some things right, but in most cases, they don't. Yeah, um, good point. Uh, regarding the yeah. idea that when you think about Amazon, you don't think anime. Uh, and it, just like, what do you think of when you think about Hollywood? Yeah, I... I I agree. It's like you think about Michael Bay, uh, cheap trash being t- churned out quickly to make money. You know, um, anyway. Still want to do street sharks. All right, so I'm going to move on here. So we're into theater release news. Uh, this is, I believe, for Japan. Uh, My Hero Academia, the movie, is going to get a 4D screening in January 2019, uh, to which we discussed this last night, and uh, FDM brought up the point that how could it possibly be 4D if it's technically not even 3D to begin with? If it's skipping a D, <laughs> yeah, so it'd be like 2.5D. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 4D, well, at least you make a ride out of it. 4D, yeah, well, they probably already have, honestly. 4D, for anybody who doesn't know, it's something we don't have in the United States. There might be a theater that has it, but there's like all sorts of like liability involved. In other countries, they have no. this experience where um, 
like your seat will vibrate. They'll spray mist on you at points in the movie. They'll, they have scents and stuff that are projected out to timed with stuff going on in the movie. So it's like a giving you another experience. The theater right beside the, the AX convention center, they have, I think it's either 4d or 5d viewings. They well, do have like 5D I, like movie. I said, there, there are Ant-Man few, 5D there are 4D. Few, but it's just because they have like that thing where like literally the, the seats move, like the seats like right, rotate right. And, and, and shake and stuff. So there's a liability aspect to it that most uh, theaters are not willing to, uh, to take on. But in other countries like Bulgaria of all places, um, that's like the standard, like that's, and it's a, it's all it is is another gimmick to get you to pay an extra five bucks per each ticket kind of thing. I was going to say, is that something that uh, I I have seen in Canada that you guys don't have for once? <laughs> As I, I mentioned in podcasts before, I, I rarely go to the theater. Honestly, the first impression series is pretty much all of my theater viewing experiences uh, committed to film. There, right? you know, you guys you guys get to see what I see. <laughs> and you go ahead. As I mentioned before, in other older podcasts mentioning that the a movie's going to get a different type of showing like this. I really wish it was more popular. I it's a different viewing experience. Yes, you may charge more, but it's just another form of entertainment or maybe it expands the entertainment or maybe it's just again doesn't work it's well with the movie. But you know, and it's it's kind of like a stereoscopic conversion. It's it's a cheap gimmick that it's all just to milk an extra couple dollars out of you. Um, So there may be some movies that are like, for instance, um, let me put it this way. If you saw clash of the Titans in 3d, where you just looked at the movie that was stereo converted, uh, you had a shitty experience. If you saw toy story three in 3d, where it was rendered out of render man with the three dimensional stuff, calculated through the computer rather than converted that was beautiful you know and it wasn't gimmicky in terms of like they didn't they didn't do that crap where they point the finger out and it's like sticking right in your face you know how they how they always do that in movies back when they when they had the um anaglyphic 3d glasses with the blue and the red uh lenses where they would constantly just have stuff like it's it's right in front of my face you know um so there are situations where like I could definitely see movies getting made that are designed to take advantage of the 4d, 5d, whatever the thing's called. Um, I, I can definitely see that happening, you know, for sure. But, uh, and I can, I could say that some of them would be fun. The, the problem with it though, is that uh, I like to, I don't want to experience a movie in the theater that I can't have a similarly good experience in my home theater. You know what I mean? Um, Like it would be amazing to sit through uh, speed racer and like that 5d sort of thing, like the, the the Wachowski uh, siblings uh, movie. Uh, That would be amazing to sit through in in that sort of thing. But then I would never be able to experience it like that again. You know what I mean? So um, I kind of don't want to have the experience because it will spoil my future viewing of the movie. Uh, Anyway. Well, your future viewing of the movie or spoil how you make your private theater. Well, I'm saying that it's not within a normal person's budget to, to have, first of all, you don't even have the, the synchronized data of plugging in 
putting your Blu-ray player, you know, and having AC, that connected to AC, the hydraulics of AC. your chair. I see. Learn to laugh. Dragon Ball Super Broly film sells 1 million tickets in six days. And just for the record, it is also the number one film in Japan right now. So, um, sort of keeping tabs on that. Broly is the goalie. All right. Sentai Filmworks has posted English subtitled videos for the Maiden Abyss uh, films. Compilation films. Yes. These are compilation films. There's two of them. And uh, what did we... I guess we were, we were talking about the compilation films for Code Gay Ass. Um, what I was saying, though, last night was, why are they making these compilation films for these 12-episode series? So right. it's just having the length exactly. Like, I get it for Code Gay Ass. they want to... 50 episodes condensed into three movies, but this is a whole nother level. Yeah. Well, like for Man in the Abyss, I guess you'd have part one, no Nanachi, then part two with Nanachi. Hopefully, well, we were, hopefully we were hints to another season at the end of the second movie. We were discussing that uh, if you remove the opening and ending theme and then previously on and next time on, you actually cut a significant chunk out of every episode. And these compilation screenings could literally just be pretty much the entirety of the show without all that stuff and just strung together. You know what I mean? The way they're set up. Uh, also, also for the viewers listening, the whole reason that uh, Brad kind of bolded the gay ass for code Geass is I mentioned last night, night I had a slight issue of him saying that cause he never watched it before. Maybe he was no. joking when he said that. I don't know, but that's literally just is. what I call it because I can never remember how it's actually supposed to be pronounced, and, and the the other way always gets a laugh out of FDDM. Moving on, and anybody who's watched the podcast before knows that <laughs> we have so the Roca Braves of the Six Flower site was hijacked, and the blog portion was uh, posted with. Information on marijuana. <laughs> I was the hacker? Uh, what's her name? <laughs> the, uh, from from your media? No, Ray, the voice actor. Laughing man. Evangelion. No, Ray from Evangelion. That lady. Oh, what's her name? Um, <laughs> Amanda Winley. No, she because Amanda Winley oh, uh, has, has a, a has a YouTube channel for for pot smoking moms. <laughs> uh. Why I find this funny is for Roca and the Leaves, it's it has an interesting plot, but it's one of those fantasies where magic happens, but no one goes into science. So science conquers magic, and to me, that's boring because if I want science, I can go to my workplace. <laughs> I want fantasy to be fantasy. I want something that's not there to happen in this show. Okay. The Idols of Zombie Land Saga get their first Rolling Stone cover. So Rolling Stone Japan right. uh, has put uh, oh, yeah. have have put the characters from uh, Zombie Land Saga onto their cover. And uh, for comparison, this is the band that does the music in your name on the cover. Um, so I don't know uh, who owns uh, Rolling Stone. Uh, Rolling Stone? I I don't know. This this article largely exists just to uh, just to plug that you can watch the show on Crunchyroll. Uh, the tiniest soldier returns in New Tanya, the evil movie key visual. So just mentioning that this is uh, existing and and there will be more of this show. I'll get to that in another yes. date. 
and Jigen becomes Lupin's strongest enemy in the 26th TV special, Lupin the Third, Goodbye Partner. Ooh. Now, normally, I don't like to admit that there's anything wrong with uh, anything that has to do with Lupin, but the rifling on this barrel looks like garbage. Dun, dun, dun. The perspective yeah. on this is very wrong. Hey. You'll have to wait for the Blu-ray for it to be corrected. Yep. <laughs> mm. uh, I mean, it sounds more like a thrilling movie, but who knows how... Uh, there's another article here. Loop on the Third Goodbye Partner Anime Special Shares Cast Editions, and I forget specifically why. I guess because there's more artwork here that uh, I wanted to include. This looks like Princess Leia knockoff. <laughs> Do we know this guy's Nothing name from yet? season five. Actually, that Leia reminds no, me of the Jigen's cover of the UQ holder. Uh, what was that, Augie? Jigen's in green jacket Lupin. Yeah. <laughs> Do we know this guy's name? So there's a clock, so maybe it has something to do with time. So the past two movies, we had Jigen's Grave. We have some Goemon special where he fights a lumberjack that Discotech hasn't released yet, and it's driving me crazy. And now we're back to Goemon, I mean to Jigen. Well, there's also the woman called Fujiko Mine. That, that, that was yeah. the, so where's my Zenigata special? That was at least... Yeah, well, adventures at dinner. That is a better question. Where is the Zenigata special? Now, Fujiko Mine was like 2012. I'm talking about recent movies. I know. I'm just saying. Not that TV they, series. Each, each character has gotten a spinoff series, except for Zenigata. Yeah. Well, another another question I have, since they keep hinting about it in the Detective Conan special and movie, is where's the magic Kaito? crossover with Lupin. Where's my City Hunter crossover Lupin? That's something I've been fantasizing for a while. Uh, so, crossovers are great and all, but they totally botch how you organize your collection. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, City Hunter Lupin, I don't know how I would see that coming together, because I don't really want to see them... Uh... I mean, I, I, I enjoy the idea of seeing Lupin versus Detective Conan, but I kind of would rather it be Lupin teams up with uh, City Hunter. Is there a special with Cat's Eye? What was the Cat's Eye thing with the cat, the characters in Cat's Eye were uh, they were featured? They were in, in, City, in Hunter. City Hunter, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, they were in City Hunter and uh, Angels. Uh, darn it, Angels! Not Angels Egg. That's a totally oh, wrong I, thing. No, shh, wait. Oh, I know it. Uh, Angel Eyes. Anarism. No, no. Angel Heart. Angel Heart, thank you. Yeah. Which I'm surprised they haven't released that over here. Yeah, no, I, God, that, that opening song is so good. <laughs> I know. All the songs in, in, in that series are good. Anyway, Overdrive Girl 1-6 anime listed as premiering in April. So this is kind of interesting. This is the cover for the February issue of uh, Futabasha's monthly action magazine. It was the image was placed uh, on the listing for it on Rakuten. So that, I guess, they've prepared their articles this far in advance that the information about the fact that this manga is getting an anime adaptation has sort of been leaked. And that's all i got to say about this. Yeah. Augie, Augie um, to share it, so. I'm interested to find out if how the series goes. It's To me, it kind of 
She very much can gather. Like I haven't read anything. Mega Man character, doesn't she? That's what I said last night. Yeah, I was either thinking uh, Mega Man NT Warrior, Ushishi, or uh, darn it, what's that clamp show? It's right there, uh, Angelic Layer. She looks like um, another variant of that. Crossplay Zero with NT there you go. NT Warrior uh, design. Um, Mirai Anime Film wins Florida Film Critics Award for Best Animated Film. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse earned the runner-up. That's uh, actually kind of interesting. Wow. Um, so the, here's the thing, though. Um, the FFCC, Florida Film Critics Circle, uh, nobody knows what that is. <laughs> nobody nobody cares. That's not an important film festival. <laughs> you know, it's not like the Cannes Film Festival or something that people actually know and care about. Uh, but congratulations, Hosoda. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to make it sound like your your work doesn't deserve recognition, but I just, you know, this is, this is, I love it when that. Uh, something to say. Well, let me, it's, it's, it's just shit to slap on the DVD. Award winner, FFCC, <laughs> you know. Uh, like, uh, on the back of the Karas DVD, literally the critic quote is, Dot dot dot, as in they are not showing you the earlier part of the quote, and literally it just says "like Batman begins." <laughs> oh my god! And it's like I always like to tell myself that the actual full quote, even though I think Karas is freaking amazing, I always tell myself the full quote is "a total waste of your time, like Batman begins" or something like that. <laughs> like they're just hiding it to make the quote sound better. Anyway. More than 30 popular VTubers gather in a TV anime virtual in TV anime virtual son looking. So earlier we when I was discussing that other article about the Lide studio or whatever, it was uh, mentioned in that article. I didn't read that article out loud to you guys, but it was mentioned in that article that Hideaki Anno was uh, connected to this, right? And I will point out that they are in the schoolgirl outfit from Evangelion. Oh. So uh, kind of interesting that uh, of all things, they're going the virtual YouTuber route to bring us in. And and we were also noting last night, it's funny, you know, I don't know if you know this, uh, FDDM, but I checked the broadcast that we did last night when we were just having a private chat uh, about, like, we spent the majority of the time trying to decide what we we're going to watch for fan service February. We were chatting oh, yeah. for five hours. We literally had the podcast last night, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so... So a lot of stuff has already been said, but we were noting last night that um, that Kizuna uh, AI is not uh, appearing to be in this. Uh, she doesn't seem to be one Wait. of the main characters. AC, AC. Viewers yes? can go onto our Facebook group and vote for what we're going to watch for fan service February. Yeah, let me let me bring that up in a minute. Hold on. Also, uh, in my regards to. Um, also, semi regards to anime friend as he was out in his car listening to the podcast and is having to explain to his boss why he was out in his car listening <laughs> no, to his, the podcast. Isn't his friend uh, Carlton uh, explaining to his boss why anime friend was out there so long? <laughs> what job do you do that you're at work right now? <laughs> Well, oh, you're in, a, you're, in the, you're in another country. You're going to fly to U.S. So maybe it's actually maybe if you're in Europe, it's actually already work I'm time. Danny, Danny's US at work. Not in the right location? Question mark. Unless Lance is friends with people outside the U.S. 
Well, I, I'm glad you guys are here, uh, to say the least. So regarding <laughs> regarding the art the the poll, we have a poll here regarding what we're going to do for Fan Service February. Um, so we last Fan Service February we watched um, Agent Ica. Now the obvious follow up to that is Nagika Blitz Tactics, but it's such an identical clone that I kind of feel like we should just skip it. So I should probably add that as an option to the poll you you guys uh if you're part of the the facebook group you're actually able to add your own options if you want um and by the way for anybody who uh uh who is like reese is a an admin on the page as a, as a page instead of just a user uh click on this and switch it over to um to interacting as yourself and then you'll be able to uh take part in the polls rather than interacting as your page uh just a little tidbit there for anybody who's the, the few people that are connected to the page in that way. So right now, prison school is winning. Um, these are all the, uh, the options that we came up with. Uh, but basically the idea that I had was that um, we, we want to one up the fan service. Well, no, it's, it's basically the idea is that we don't want to just do etchy because we can literally do etchy at any time. Fan service February should be like where we really push the envelope. And that's what we were doing with agent Ica, where it's just like, it's just ridiculous how many panty shots are in that thing, you know? Uh, so we're trying to go above and beyond. There are a couple things in here that we discussed last night that we just added that probably don't even fit that category, like perhaps Hana Ukiyo made team. But, um, but yeah, I think that uh, the ones that are currently in the lead are, um, are good contenders for this. Uh, so if you guys haven't voted yet, uh, or heck, if you haven't joined the Facebook group, go ahead. It's in the description of the video. Um, anyway, so continuing, I think we are done with this discussion. Uh, yes. Oh God! China's Billy Billy streaming service announces original Karl Marx web anime. Of course, Communist China is the one uh, putting this forward. The Chinese streaming service Billy Billy announced on the Sina Weibo mm -hmm. blogging site on Tuesday that it will stream an original anime series centering on the Communist Manifesto and Das Kapital author and philosopher Karl Marx. Reports vary on the animation studio behind the work, dubbed The Leader in English. South China Morning Post states The Leader is being produced by animation studio Dongmentang and the Global Times writes the studio as a wobble you. Uh, so I actually read like four different articles about this. And I think that these are actually the same studio uh, that are pronounced in different dialects, but I, I don't quote me on that. I might be wrong. So anime news network could not independently locate Billy Billy's post on the Sina Weibo. Uh, the streaming service has a holder page for the series. So that maybe we can go to their streaming thing and see uh, the leader right here. Right. So it's well, I can't really say too. Good. I can't say too much to further the what they're going to do with it. But the more times I see it, it's like they took Anastasia, made it three D, and I don't know. It just looks so so cheapish. The irony of you uh, bringing like, up Anastasia is killing me. <laughs> I don't even I don't even have time to go into why that's hilarious, but uh, now if they randomly add a Lich King into it, I'm gonna laugh. The promotional video has been viewed 211,000 times on Billy Billy and over 41,000 times on Twitter since it launched on Tuesday, and 37,000 users are following the series page. The anime is being sponsored by the by the project to study and develop the Marxist theory, an initiative launched by the 
by China's Communist Party in 2004. The series will look at multiple milestones in Marx's life from the time he met his wife Jenny von Westphalen uh, to his collaborative friendship with Friedrich Engels. The anime commemorates Marx's 200th birthday and should launch on Billy Billy streaming service, quote, soon. So I'll bet you guys $1,000 that they do not cover his Freemasonic uh, association, which is actually what this is, uh, the hidden hand. Uh, that thing that everybody claims is um, Napoleonic, that, that thing that you always see Napoleon doing is actually just a, a Freemason thing. Uh, the series is also backed by the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, a research group and think tank, Wayming Culture Media, and a government-operated People's Daily newspaper. Uh, I also look forward to seeing them omit the scenes about him getting funding for the Communist Manifesto publication and the certain players involved. A brief comment on the picture on the right. I know it's supposed to be someone else, but he looks so much like uh, Frederick Douglass. I know it isn't, <laughs> but... It's just a style from the time. What was the book Frederick Frederick Douglass wrote um, that you know, everybody read in uh, high school? Uh, I guess Animal Farm, but I don't know. No, that's George Orwell. Okay. I do not know. Why is it escaping me? I, I have to look this up real quick. <laughs> Are we turning back into the podcast of like the most judgmental people that are always talking about people's the appearances of the pictures well the funny thing is frederick douglas is black isn't he right i don't know who that is yeah but here let me show you he looks just the guy who made the cotton augie's uh augie's not incorrect (laughs) that it looks just like him (laughs) right Uh, i'm trying to remember the the book that here i'm sure somebody's already answered it in comments nope uh let's see what was the book? I always forget. The book was called Hentai Parody When, <laughs> according to the comments. Priest says Augie's hair is indeed great. Ooh. Let's see. Let's see here. Is it just me or are we like getting really tangential this podcast? We sure are. What was the. Mm-hmm. Okay, Carlton at Augie. My boss says you have great hair. She is. Oh, hey. She. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hey, hey. Your boss is aware of us? <laughs> well, hey, this is pretty cool, boss. I'm watching stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, I feel like he wrote a different book. I know there was The Life and Times of Frederick Douglass and Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass and American Slave. I don't think those are the books I'm thinking of. But anyway, moving on from here, uh, let me go ahead and screen share again. All right. All right. Manga news, game news. Oh, we got something so fun to discuss for game news. <laughs> 12 Kingdom staff hints at a new book in 2019 and podcast magic do your do your thing I'm going to say that we're going to get another season uh, of this show which would be great I haven't even seen it I want another season just because you know, of the I have seen it and I'll just say that uh, the music is phenomenal and the story is really forgettable <laughs> oh. like okay. um, oh, well. I I'm it's halfway between the way it feels after the Shishio arc in uh, Kenshin, 
where it peaked so early that the rest of the series, you're just sort of waiting it out till it ends. Um, but uh, it's an isekai. Uh, it's very weird. Uh, and then you just feel like you're, you're waiting for like how many more yeah, are there, you know, <laughs> but I would like to see, I'd like to sit down and watch it again at some point. I just feel like there's so much lore that you don't even really pay attention to after a certain point, you know, it just gets so hard to follow, but it's an interesting concept and I'd like to see it rebooted. Not, I, I said earlier, a new season, I'd like to see it actually rebooted uh, sort of in the same way that, um, hunter hunter was you know I'd, I'd like to see them take a fresh take on it hopefully not speed through it in the way they did with hunter hunter but you know what i mean also germany what you're in luck ac i have not seen it however germany sues nintendo let's let people let cancel people. pre-order so basically uh on nintendo's e-commerce um or e-shop they were not allowing people to cancel pre-orders which seems ridiculous and by the way if that ever happens to you just contact your bank or credit card company and ask them to uh to hold the charge so that it doesn't go through when when uh when they try to charge you uh should be relatively easy but yeah it's kind of shitty of nintendo to uh to try to prevent people from being able to cancel pre-orders like what the heck um so anyway nintendo is defending itself citing eu law the the result of the case is likely to have consequences for nintendo's operation in nearly every year it seems like what a what a horrible misstep how could you possibly make <laughs> this decision you know anyway so china ethics board rejects 100 percent of the reviewed games and bans half the first batch of 20 games sent in re, uh, for review to China's newly established ethics board have been divulged, with it being determined by the board that nine of them are inappropriate and have been banned, while corrective actions have been demanded for the remaining 11. It was announced earlier in the year that China's regulators would be stopping the release of new video games in order to find methods to stymie addiction amongst youths. Uh, now forming the Online Games Ethics Committee and forcing developers to submit their games to them for review before they can be sold. A Reddit user discovered that the list of games in question were exposed by way of a Chinese gaming forum and thus the potential of being fabricated. So they're saying that uh, it's possible that this list is actually uh, fake. Uh, but this was the one released on the Chinese gaming forum and this is a uh, it was recreated here Um so we could read it, right? So all these games of which I I guess I've heard of Overwatch and Diablo and World of Warcraft, but I basically am not familiar with any of these because I don't game anymore. But um, pretty much all of them were overly revealing female characters, rewards given based on rank, and inharmonious chat room, uh, stuff like that. So all these things were, were banned um, or required corrective. So you say prohibited slash withdrawn for these games. So the games that were pulled had blood and gore, of all things, blood and gore was the thing that they all seemed to have in common. Um, they were player unknowns, battleground, uh, Fortnite, <laughs> H1Z1, uh, Alliance of Valiant Arms, uh, Ring of Elysium, and Paladins, and these other bold ones just say corrective action. Oh, these ones were two. Uh, free. I don't know why some of these are bold. I wonder why they did that. Uh, anyway. So yeah, um, a 
total of nine games have been outright banned while corrective changes were demanded for the other 11. It has also been noted that, that the enforcing of the bans may not yet be in effect as some games are apparently still playable. The titles labeled as prohibited have all been found out to be battle royale type games, possibly suggesting that the regulators may just be fed up with the overly uh, abundant genre as some of the players. So I'm going to rephrase that, suggesting that the regulators may be just as fed up with the overly abundant genre as many of the players. Yeah, when I think of games that need to be banned, I think PUBG. <laughs> it's like, oh, China bans Isekai. Thank God. <laughs> and being um, uh, ominous news for ten cents epic games. Okay, so um, so we've we've talked about a lot of stuff um over the last two podcasts now regarding like Tumblr banning porn and all this stuff happening. And it's just something that should be noted is that uh, like we talked about how China has the largest population of any country, right? There's over a billion people there. Very close second is India, right? So the thing is that when you have a global marketplace like we have now because of things like the internet and free trade and all that crap, um, companies now are censoring themselves and, censoring content like Senran Kagura stuff in Japan, all this stuff. They're they're going to the trouble of adjusting their media for the Chinese audience. It's the reason, supposedly, that they had Tilda Swinton play that Tibetan monk in Doctor Strange rather than an actual Tibetan actor, right? Because China has a thing about Tibet, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, and the idea is that it, there's a billion potential ticket sales in China, like a literal billion, that you got to cater to that audience above all other audiences for that reason, you know? And obviously, um, that means that the Chinese market, uh, well, w <laughs> this wouldn't be such a bad thing if they actually had a liberty-based society, uh, but no, they've got sort of an oppressive uh, dictator for life communist society <laughs> that is uh, nannying the public uh a little too much. Um, so China bans these things. It seems like games are going to start uh, bending the knee to Chinese government for that sweet, sweet billion potential sales. Um, stolen Kingdom Hearts 3 copies are being sold ahead of release. So apparently this is how the ending got leaked or whatever. Is that what we were talking about last night, uh, FD&M? I yeah. asked that question if that's why it was leaked, but yeah, it obviously would make sense. Yeah, so I don't I don't want to go into too much detail on this because I don't really know about it, and I don't I don't even want to care to read this uh, article. But uh, I think they, it speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, on the on on Pat the NES Punk's uh, podcast, they discussed this. Ian went into great lengths to discuss how uh, how you screw over uh, in like non GameStop type game companies, like like small hole in the wall shops, when you get something early and you start selling it before the street date, uh, you, you ensure that you don't ever get stuff early anymore. And then when people come to try to pre-order a game at your mom and pop shop, you find out that they can't even get the game on street date because they no longer give it to you until after the street date. You know what I mean? So, um, an interesting discussion was had there anyway. The Mario voice actor Charles uh, Martinet sets the Guinness World Record for most video, most voice acting performances as the same character. So he has logged over a hundred performances um, as Mario. And I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and move on. You guys have anything to say, right? There you go. Oh, okay. You guys ready for something incredible? Not really. 
Did you guys? Oh, yes. Show something. EDM is in a video game. Do I need to turn my cam on? <laughs> so the first thing I said when when they were looking at this last night, they said, "Oh, doesn't this look like?" And I said, uh, "Kylo uh, Ren." Kylo Ren. <laughs> like FDDNM. <laughs> and the funny thing is, when I saw the new Star Wars, my brother said, "It look, it's Evan." <laughs> So the connection is know. real. This is like the cycle of life. It goes me, Kylo Ren, V, then back to me. <laughs> I don't know. I still say you look more like Peanut Butter Gamer than anyone else. I don't watch him. I don't know what he looks like. Uh-oh. The, the thing I find funny about this is how much it looks like this. I mean, you guys remember the Kylie Jenner lip challenge where like, teens were like sticking their lips in a Snapple bottle or whatever and like sucking really hard to force their lips to get like um, uh, engorged or whatever. Like it's just such a funny look to this character. Um, But (laughs) anyway, so, so uh, yeah, moving on. (laughs) Um, Steam banning anime games for child exploitation. So I read this article last night and I I'm going to read it to you guys, but I just want to say ahead of time and preface this by saying, well, obviously, first of all, I obviously don't approve of child exploitation, right? Especially when it's an actual child and not some bits of code. Right. But, um, this article seems like a fake discussion to me and i'm curious what you guys think there's we're going to look at some twitter dms in a minute uh and i want to know if you also feel like this is a sock puppeting thing to uh ease the blow in the explanation of what's going on at steam okay so let me know what your thoughts are a valve artist has shed some light on valve's capricious mass banning of games with anime style visuals divulging that certain games were banned to comply with Washington state law regarding child exploitation and also revealing that games possessing school settings are now being more highly scrutinized. The extensive conversation took place on Twitter with it being mentioned that child exploitation has now been added to the report, a product screen. So, Uh, This person here says a Valve employee familiar with the adult content policy has shared some details in response to to developer complaints about seemingly arbitrary game bans on Steam. Uh, This is the Valve artist, as they're calling it, a Valve artist, right? Uh, Jane Eng says, I work at Valve and was part of some of the discussions of how we can make space for mature games with sexual content and slash or adult-only content on the platform while ensuring folks who don't want to see that can filter them out. We think it's a good step forward. Happy to chat more. So this is uh, the original person here who quote tweeted that saying for one, a new option has been added in the report menu for games report child exploitation. So that's a new thing that has been added when you report a product, right? A new flag you can check. Um, The valve artist, Jane Eng uh, replied to a user asking about valve sudden banning of games for child exploitation with the Valve artist explaining that games with characters that resemble school students are subject to further scrutiny. So this person in the Twitter DM says, are you still up for receiving specific 
for receiving specific examples of games seemingly arbitrary banned for, quote, child exploitation from Steam. I have a pretty complete list from the recent bans over the past month and a half, but I don't really want to end up just adding to potential spam if a bunch of people have already sent examples. Jane says, hey there, I can look into it. The policy update was about adult content. I don't know what these titles are, but know that anything that comes close to looking like school-aged children are involved will probably get scrutinized a lot more because of legal issues. I'm assuming I don't have to explain why there is a legal difference between adult content involving adult-looking characters versus mature content involving school-aged-looking characters. So this person sent a uh, like an Excel sheet with the games and the reason for banning and whatever, whatever. Um, I do understand obscenity law and the potential danger surrounding any characters that appear underage. However, apart from a couple of the recent bans, none of these games contain anything that goes beyond what currently exists in the Steam store. There are plenty of 18 plus games containing high school age characters already on Steam. In addition, several of the recent bans have been games which contained no sexual content whatsoever, meaning there is no chance of a legal problem regarding these games. Uh, she also indicated that the line regarding child exploitation was always in Steam's policy, and it isn't exclusive to sexual content, though the banning of games possessing childlike characters with no sexual content has been revealed to be solely due to, state, to the state of Washington's obscenity laws and not Valve itself. Thanks for understanding, thanks for understanding and the list. I can look into it. I can look into it next week if nothing to get some clarification. I do know that Washington state obscenity laws are broader than federal law. Our game submission guidelines specifically says no depiction of child exploitation of any kind, not just sexual content. Uh, what is considered exploitation is not spelled out, and you fortunate and unfortunately, so I should say unfortunately, and unfortunately does become very subjective. I think the key to home, this is a specific title, um, is the title that has a lot of in-game screens showing depictions of school-age girls in the bathroom. Um, plot of the game aside, it is hard to imagine any judge will agree that depictions of school-age children going to the bathroom uh, as taken by a pedophile is not considered exploitive. Does Washington have any laws banning exploitation of fictional children beyond obscenity laws as defined by 7.48a of the RCW? Because obscenity there only refers uh, to specifically sexual acts or exhibition of genitalia. So again, I'm, this really to me feels like a uh, a like sort of faked message thing to uh, to explain the the position of Steam or Valve, rather, uh, using both sides in order to um, soften the blow. Because this just something like, <laughs> do you really think this person has all this to down to like the sub uh, uh, bylines and whatnot of this of this law? Uh, so anyway, and, and it just gets it just gets even more from here. But the artist elaborated by using a key to home as an example, which from now on, for whatever reason, is going to be uh, in quotation marks instead of. Uh, instead of the way it was written here. Uh, using a key to home as an example, a title with young children that has no sexual content. She mentioned that there are screenshots depicting schoolgirls in the bathroom and said that such a visual would not convince a judge the game is not exploitive, exploitative of children. So just to clarify, this um, screen here is literally the exact same thing as this image here, except that it also contains this extra stuff down here, right? So they say, um, you know, the 748 a of the RCW because obscenity 
there only refers specifically to sexual acts or exhibition of genitalia. Oh, wait, no, I missed excretory functions. Now I understand, right? So I guess that re- refers to going to the bathroom. Um, I don't know anything about this game. Uh, I, it, I, they have not spelled out whether the shots of them in the bathroom refer to actually being sitting on a toilet or something. I don't, it's a little bit weird. I don't know what to think about that, but um, they, they didn't spell it out one way or the other, right? Right. So Jane and um, no comment. Jane, Jane Eng says, uh, I believe in the case of the key to home, uh, the developer was also not upfront about what content is actually in the game. This game is in a gray area, obscenity in a gray area regarding obscenity, maybe in my opinion. Uh, but the devs communications with steam did, did them no favors. As I recall, Personally, I understand why it is not allowed given the guidelines, question mark. I don't know why this person has a weird way of typing. Uh, Not only sexual acts and exposure of children's genitals are apparently covered by Washington law, but also excretory functions, though the artist explained that that key to home fit into a gray area with the law and suggested that a lack of compliance uh, from the developer to Valve may have also contributed to the game's ban. But for a title like that, unfortunately, it's quite subjective. Straight up sexual content that involves that involves states 18 plus characters are more easily allowed, if that makes sense. That just blows my mind here. Um, so it says, I, I have been wondering for a while why the key to home got banned when the fruit of Grisaia had been allowed on the Steam store. But after getting that extra bit of information, I completely understand that decision. This seems like such a fake conversation. So wait, what hat? What does Grisaya have? Like, what does that have? I don't know. I haven't played the game. I, I was hoping you would be able to contribute to the conversation because I thought you might have played well, it. Well, I guess by I that conversation was that it was uh, a rogue, but I was thinking, wait, how would an a rogue be over, overpowered by freaking going to the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, Carlton says it sounds like one person having a conversation with themselves. That's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, uh, and AC, you play Minecraft? Yes, I do. <laughs> Otago says, "Ask me." It's, there's a slight delay. They're referring to when I was saying I would ask you, FDDM. That's funny. I, I, we know each other so well in this uh, little group of uh, podcasters and podcastees. <laughs> um, I'll just say though that. Goku's penis totally flies, no problem, no child exploitation, but the moment you see a a shot of someone in the bathroom, child exploitation. I'd hate to see these people watch Nickelodeon. Well, so they're, first of all, they are in Washington State, and they're going to go on in this article to mention that a lot of, uh, a lot of developers exist outside of Washington State for this exact reason, Um, but, uh, it just seems Washington bizarre State to me. Is not the center of the universe. So they, they go on to say, I understand why people would see a case like Key to Home as taste policing, but when it gets that close to obscenity lines, it is just legally not smart for a company to host this content, liability-wise. Now, again, I think that this this really, to me, sounds like somebody having a conversation with themselves. They're sock puppeting it's for the sake of, PR to cushion the blow by by having uh, by having the sock puppet make points and then agree with the answers of the person who's trying to cushion their blow. You know what I mean? But um, 
Uh, I will agree that uh, obviously there are some lines where it's like, I don't want to censor, but if it's going to save me a million dollar lawsuit, I'm uh, put uh, let me rephrase that. If it's going to save me the potentiality of being fined a million dollars by the government over some obscenity bullshit, then yeah, I would probably uh, avoid it if I could, you know, if it's just one obscure game. Like I can understand the argument there, right? So they, um, this person says, uh, I would rephrase. What? I would rephrase that as I would rephrase that as save me the liability, but continue. Um, I completely get that when it comes to a company as large as Valve. You can't just fly under the radar like Denposoft is currently doing in regards to this kind of content. God, it sounds like they're talking to themselves. It, God, it's so annoying. I can't read this as it's not obviously the same person using this other person to to this other account to spout out information to to bolster their point. Anyway, I mean, yeah, I will probably say... probably don't even need to read the entire thing anyway. We can almost, just sum it up as... Almost the, over. Um, yeah, I will say the Ketone was a pretty special case, though. I'm not familiar with the other titles, but I'm guessing that if the characters are 18+, plus, um, but maybe it is not very clearly spelled out as such in the content... Yeah, in the content description up front, there might be issues. I think this is going to... Yeah, I just failed like eight grades. You know, I'm 18. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gets better. So you mentioned from that. I, from what I've heard from developers and people that have played the games, at least Mau Mau Discovery Team and Emolicious have disclaimers at the beginning of the game stating all their characters are 18 plus. <laughs> so can you imagine living in a world where you're uh, somebody's watching incest porn and an, a disclaimer says, warning, remember, people in this thing are not actually brother and sister. <laughs> it's like yeah, when, when they bring hentai over here, uh, it's funny. They always, when they dub it, they're like, gee, this sure is a swell college campus when you're clearly in middle school. <laughs> <You know? laughs> In regards to other Steam titles being banned, she vaguely reasoned that perhaps the titles were not clear in indicating that the characters were 18 or older, causing them to receive more attention from Valve. Though games like Mau Mau Discovery Team and Emolicious have disclaimers indicating the characters are over 18, an explanation for why Nippleheim's Hunter had to remove a character from its all-ages version was also not provided. Valve itself is headquartered in Washington State. Amazingly enough, consider, considering most U.S. corporations of note are based in Delaware for just these kinds of reasons, making it, and apparently by extension the rest of the world, subject to the vagaries of the state's unconstitutional but as yet unchallenged attacks on freedom of expression. Amen. Eng uh, stressed that the lack of communication between Valve and the developers was a significant issue in the whole banning debacle, as well as internal confusion in regards to how things should be handled. Uh, so basically, I'll just skip over this and read the synopsis here. Despite all of this, Steam still possess, possesses scores of games, mainstream or otherwise, that feature underage characters involved in lewd activities, such as Senran Kagura, and which are generally distributed without issue the world over, meaning either that their own rules are hopelessly and consistently enforced, or else her entire explanation is bunk and the real reason behind the bans is something else. And rumors have for some time suggested certain Valve employees are indulging in a vendetta against anime-styled title, anime-styled titles. Um, anyway, do you guys have anything you want to say? Uh, we've pretty much said this sentiment before that's like, it's not actual children being right. exploited and stuff. 
But I find it funny that particularly Steam has this child... Ex- they've had this child exploitation thingy-mabob for the longest time, but the medium that they serve is not like YouTube where someone can upload video of a real child. Right. <laughs> it's right. like the fundamental thought of that rule being applied doesn't make that much sense. But, of course, like with what they're talking about with these depictions, yeah. So it seems to me... Feels- Phil's fabricated. Other than that, I have no real other comments about the article. But a quick mention to FDM saying they failed eight grades. Uh, <sighs> what's strange about the U.S. system is in Texas, you can still stay in high school until you're like 26. Everywhere else is wow. like 19 or 21 or something like that. I didn't know that. What about yeah. middle school? <laughs> um, I, I often so, wonder so here's here's the thing um, one last point I want to make about this is again child exploitation this entire thing going on that we've been discussing in the last couple of podcasts very well may be related to a secretive change in US law federal um, top down federal mandates of through exec- executive order or whatever, the thing that took down Backpage, the thing that it may have taken down Tumblr, um, the NSFW stuff, um, it, this all may be related. And we may not know about it for months or even years to come, but eventually we probably will get an answer as to why all these companies so secretly instigated all these changes. Now, I do think that China has its own aspect as to why a lot of things are happening because they're their system with their people, as I mentioned before, with the million, pardon, the billion people in China, that's its own thing. But it does seem like for websites and hosting in the U.S., this seems to be related. Um, and uh, this is, again, why uh, it, it further is justifying being a collector, whether it's games, anime, whatever, because centralizing things to valve centralizing things to the steam store um leaves you um at the whims of of what they decide to do with the library that they allow you to access you know what i mean so anyway moving on we are now getting into release news da 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 Uh, any anything you want to point out in the chat, AC? Anime is not real. <laughs> Can I like not age after I turn sixteen? I had hair, and my back did not hurt. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ecasher says with this game specifically, the main artist of the game is also a Lollicon H artist. And they may want to avoid the association with that, even if this game has no such content. Uh, you know, that's a good point. That's it's possible. Um, it does seem like, from what I understand of it's it's so secretive. But from what I understand of what President Trump has done in in trying to stamp out um, child sex trafficking, uh, it does seem like some pretty strict penalizations have been put in place um, in some form or another uh, that may be extending to guilt. I wouldn't say guilt by association, but um, that you're more liable 
for it, it taking place on your platform. And that's also been something we've been seeing with places like Twitter and Facebook and stuff about um, this scandal they've had about banning conservative people off of off of their platforms that it there's like you're you're a private company you have every right to do what you want to do but there's also this stipulation that you are either um uh of like what do they call it a free platform what is it called uh, uh like a open forum you're either an open forum or you're a private company so you you can't claim to be one and ban all these users because you disagree with their political views um, or you know you have to you have to choose one or the other you can do that but you're not you can't be uh, regarded as an open form or whatever whatever the term that I'm trying to think of is so anyway I, I think that there's definitely stuff going on but it, the picture is pretty murky right now and probably in the future we'll have a we'll have something show up that that gives us a little bit more um, clues as to what was actually happening behind the scenes. So the Island of Giant Insects survival horror manga gets an anime DVD. This is not coming to America specifically yet, but um, it's going to be bundled with uh, one of the manga uh, for a limited edition manga bundle for the manga sixth compiled book volume. So maybe, I mean, I don't know anything about this. I just thought it was an interesting uh, title for the article, Um, but uh, maybe we'll, we'll see this come over here with, if the I don't know if this manga is actually coming over here. Um, can I is even Scatawal Shoten a part of this? What? Scatawal Shoten a part of this? Scatawal Shoten. Yeah. Akita Shoten. Akita. Okay. If it's Scatawal, they have technically they have their own manga over here called uh, Kadacha Comics. I believe is a subsidy of them. Could be dead wrong. It's weird that uh, they have they don't have a list. Kodakawa Shoten. Yeah, I was gonna say. Do you mean? That's weird. They don't have the. Uh... They don't have a listing for this manga on Anime News Network, so I, I don't see any way of checking the. Yeah. Anyway, one of the random facets where A and N doesn't have the answer. Well, ANN has gotten uh, pretty bad lately in terms of staying on top of uh, encyclopedia. By the way, I'll remind you guys that about a year ago today, almost a full year ago, uh, Anime News Network was having their... um, they were having problems, you know, with funding and everything, and they they did that thing where you could create, uh, like you can pay to have a subscription account that takes away ads and gives you access to their faster servers and whatever um that if you bought a year is about to uh, expire so i've already upped for the next year um and i, I would encourage all of you guys to do that because i think that this is a very important site for the anime community especially collectors uh and hopefully at some point maybe we could start verbalizing a little bit more to them that we are interested in keeping the site up but we we'd like to see them take a little bit more time to actually keep the encyclopedia database is updated right now jackie chance police story movies are coming to the criterion collection how many of them are there uh only the first two are coming right now but there's i think five or six maybe seven of them right that are that have come out uh hold on hold on go back up there's a detail i like to see there police story and police story to return to theaters with a brand new ooh, so we can watch this in theaters pretty soon. It's too bad I've already seen uh, both of these movies because that would have been a great thing to go see for uh, first impressions. 
Well, you can say a second impression video or something. <laughs> well, it's first time seeing it in the theater. Yeah, I don't know that it's coming to wide release theaters, though. I think restored in 4K by Fortress Star at Lamagin Laboratory and his Criterion Collection release with the announcement of full theatrical run. Okay, so full theatrical run, brand new trailer and poster debuting exclusively on Polygon. Directed by and starring Jackie Chan as a hotshot yet Hong Kong police officer. Sorry, two contains some of the most audacious stunts. So this, I'll just say, if you've never seen it, go see it in theaters. Seriously, this movie is unbelievable action movie. Unbelievable. Um, it's un- unbelievable as well that it has taken so long to get like a real... Uh, Definitive release. Yeah, like a can like you do a, me a favor of it, but what's up? Can you, can you do me a favor and do a control F search for theater in this article? Maybe there's a quick link to know who is releasing it. It's literally just these two. Okay. Well, crap. Oh well. Hopefully, Fathom gets a hold yeah, of it. Run. Yeah, there's. I I don't think Fathom uh, has it, but. Uh, And I'm not sure if Criterion has anything to do with AMC, so I'll be on the watch for it. It says here, Police Story, Police Story 2 will be screening in week-long engagements at the Alamo Draft House in downtown Brooklyn, the Al- Alamo New Mission in San Francisco. The music, Yeah, so these are, wow. um, these are art, artsy-fartsy. Uh... Okay, well, I'm bummed. So... Oh, well. I'm looking for anything... Seattle, Baltimore, Detroit, Portland. Yeah. Oh, San Francisco. For you, San Francisco. I'd probably go to the Los Angeles New Art if I was going to go. Oh, there you go. I'm not going to go to San Francisco. Anyway. um, No Nashville or Georgia? Well, there may be more screenings, but they just listed these ones. I don't know. These are week-long engagements. I don't know for sure. But um, I just want to bring that up. I know last time we talked about Jackie Chan on the podcast, like, like a year and a half ago, uh, it wasn't well received. For some reason, for some reason episode one, but continuing. I, actually episode two. Um, but anyway, um, maybe three. And in fact, I think I was actually in this room <laughs> when that conversation happened. So his and her circumstances is getting uh, a Blu-ray and the release has new artwork, which is pretty stock standard for, uh, for stuff that's old that gets a new thing, they just slap a new artwork on it. Well, the article yeah. I thought we should include so I could mention that, well, I don't think we've mentioned yet that it's getting a Blu-ray because that was really recent. But yeah. um, Nozomi, they have made a tweet. Like, it wasn't about, oh, we're going to make a Blu-ray or anything. But the fact that they acknowledge that this exists means that they're probably going to get on it without Kickstarter, etc. So I'm looking forward to that being potentially released. You can say something, Augie? Nothing. Continue. Stall for a minute because I'm getting the the right stuff thing ready. Uh, Fun fact, there's a new... uh, thing added to the releases today that I didn't see. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, good. I already have Hide All Adult and everything selected, so I don't have to worry about that. Okay. Um, unclick oh, that. Oh, 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 oh. Show only adult. <laughs> That's funny. I, I literally have Hide All Adult, and yet... I mean, it. thankfully, the cover isn't 
explicit yeah. explicit well they've got they've got the glowy bits on i some <laughs> i clicked blu-ray and it switched to uh show all only adult oh, that just happen all the time <laughs> hey listen to the oh, well. Okay, well we'll get to this in a minute that's okay, the one so. i was talking about yeah that's pretty cool. we see us but we don't see it Hold on, let me uh let me change see if we can i'm so zoomed in that's crazy <laughs> there we go let me see oh if yeah what's behind the curtain a window Outside the window. That was the most anticlimactic response. Okay, so um, someone posted screenshots of Zabungle on fandom posts, and it looks like Made in Japan were indeed given poorer quality masters than the Region 2 DVDs. So here are... Region 2 DVDs? Yeah. Here's... Because is it Blu-ray or um, SD Blu-ray? So this is... SD Blu-ray. This is the Blu-ray, the US Blu-ray. And if you're looking close, you can kind of see like um, there's a brightness to the like a, a dithering sort of effect or whatever happening where where the line is, it's kind of got a highlight where the black is connect or the the line art is connecting to the color. Um, boy, this looks really bad. <laughs> it's hard for me to see on my end, but I can if you link it. I did. It's in, it's in the articles. Okay. So these on are my the end, I saw US it. ones. Right? Here's unfortunately I don't remember them having exact like side by side comparison screenshots. But here And it's are, not because of uh compression issues, like they tried to squeeze it all on one disc. Type well, thing. If you're going from the DVDs to the to S D Blu ray, you should have an easier time. So these are the ones from uh from the DVDs. And they do they're definitely blurry still, but they do look like they aren't having that uh, weird effect on them. It'd be nice if they had gotten at least one screenshot that was close to the same thing as what we were seeing. I mean, if there seems like it would have been easy to at least do the freaking opening theme one, you know? Anyway, um, so I just mentioned that. I just, news I cover or found over the course of the last two weeks that I thought might be worth bringing up. I tried opening the pictures earlier this podcast and for some reason just kind of stalled on me, but I'm glad to see it work on your side. So continuing on Sentai Filmworks licenses, pastel memories, anime. Yeah. Or is it memoirs? Memories. <laughs> is that, hold on. Oh, never mind. My screen was dirty. Thought I had like an apostrophe over M. So, uh, anime based on Furio's smartphone game premieres in January and Sentai licensed it. Moving on. Dragon Ball Z Bio Broly Blu-ray expunges middle finger taunting. This is the Japanese Blu-ray. They are censoring it. Wait, the Japanese is censoring it? Yes. Oh. This is not the only case of this happening either. Does the Funimation one have it, or I would have to check. I could have sworn it didn't. Totally. Uh, doesn't feel like it okay. makes sense. This is this is historically uh, for the Dragon Ball Kai stuff. They removed the middle finger from the scene, and I I'll be honest with you, uh, this scene 
if you've ever seen the uncut version with the middle finger, when it goes to the profile view, his finger looks janky as fuck. Like it's, it just looks really bad in there, but this just makes no sense. So, so, okay. I don't agree with this decision on Japan's part, but the reasoning behind it is pretty sound. Although again, I, I still don't agree with it. Uh, the idea is that nowadays, um, so well, they claim in the article that now that Japan understands what the, what the taunt means, right? <laughs> the meaning for it is a little bit more understood, which I think is a bullshit ex- example or bullshit uh, excuse rather. But uh, wh- what I do think makes sense, even though I still don't agree with it, is the idea that Dragon Ball has become a very kid-friendly... Uh, um, Dragon Ball Z in particular is a very kid-friendly title you know like uh, it's very much absorbed by young kids and so they, they're going back and just making it consistent with well, they're making it kid friendly so that kids aren't mimicking this behavior and uh having that come back on the on the, the, the fighting and killing in the show is okay uh, exactly yeah. yeah i just i just if think you scroll kind of, down if you scroll down there's another scene around the frieza arc that i really didn't when I saw the scene in the uncut form, I disagree with the change. Like, uh, this is episodes before free Vegeta's at that point. He was fighting uh, Kube. About- Q. He throws him up in the air and he explodes, right? Who? Uh, the English, hmm, the purple guy that was supposed to be stronger than Vegeta. Not Captain Ginyu. The Doria? This was bef- when he, not before the Dodoria fight. Okay, there's Zarbon. There was there's Victoria, uh, there's Goldo, Birder, Jace, Ginyu. Not the Ginyu, not the Ginyu Force before Zarabon, before uh, Pink Guy. There was Q, Kui. Q, uh, there was Kui, yeah. That was the guy who was meant to be yeah, like him. The, name, him. the name on Kiwi. Yeah, what about him? Right. So he throws him up in the air and he explodes. The English said one thing, but I really like the Japanese what they said. He mentions that they're, as he kills them, he mentions, ooh, what messy fireworks. To me, that adds more intimidation to the scene than what they replaced it with. So, Well, we've had this conversation a lot uh, off podcast about how bad the... I, I was recently re-watching some, some episodes of Dragon Ball Z because I was looking for clips to use in a first impressions video to to illustrate a point that would allow me to use clips from something we weren't talking about just to break up the monotony of the video. And I was rewatching Dragon Ball Z and I got to tell you the the dialogue in, in this show uh, is not good. <laughs> like It was very poorly written. Uh, the performances are good, but the stuff they actually say is cringy. So cringy. And the thing I've always hated about this is that um, at a certain point, Funimation decided rather than dub an uncut dub, and a censored dub, they just did a censored dub and used it for both of them. So if they cut a scene from the uncut one, like for instance, if they had changed this to be no middle finger, for example, for the for the censored VHS tape releases and whatever, that um, they would just tailor the audio to not be explicit uh, mm-hmm. so that they could use it for both and not have to do it twice. Um, and so the place where I first found out about this uh, is when I was a kid, my parents uh, made me and my brother watch the the censored tapes rather than the uncut tapes, right? Um, for the VHS tapes. And there's a line in um, History of Trunks where Trunks says, you witch, 
to uh, Android 18. And my brother and I turned to each other like, oh, I bet I know what he says in the uncut version. Then when I finally got the damn DVD, he says, you witch. <laughs> I was that. so mad. Oh, wow. And then, so um, I, I've already yes. said this on the podcast before, but just to reiterate, the Genion Ocean Group dubs or whatever are so much better. Um, there's a scene in uh, Tree of Might where Goku's like on a platform and there's two guys like he's standing on like a rock formation and there's two guys up in the air. Goku says, get out of my way. And he, he jumps up between them and blasts them like off to the horizon line in both directions and says, I said, go in the freaking Funimation dub. He doesn't say anything on the ground, jumps up there and goes energy blast. It's the stupidest fucking thing ever. Like Goku was legitimately a badass when I was a kid watching the VHS tapes. And then I watched the Funimation dub and it's fucking horrible. Just on record, to me, with Dragon Ball Kai, I'm not a fan of it because I feel like they cut too much away. Like, there's some small scenes that don't make sense. Like, for the Ginyu Force fights, there was one that uh, Jason Raccoon and Burger were betting a chocolate bar on if Gildo beats beats uh, Vegeta. Are you going to make a, a statement about the fact that Jace has an Australian accent? Oh, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's actually, not I think, actually, that's, yeah, actually, that's more memorable for him to have that accent. But in well, Kai, about, they just show him the just randomly the, show the guy with the Irish accent, the really thick Irish accent, in, uh, in, Irish or Scottish accent, accent in Yu Yu Hakusho. Oh, Jen, yeah, that that is a totally different era of dubbing. I know, I miss that. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so in Kai, instead of them making the wager, you just see see Raccoon hand him hand Birder a chocolate bar, and you have no context. There's so many scenes that are like that. Oh no! So I understand it's a day, long show, but no, they they basically threw the scripts out back in the day. If you watch Digimon dubbed versus subbed, it's a entirely different show. There's so much dialogue added because apparently kids' attention span is so short that if there isn't constant auditory uh, stimulation, that they'll just die. Kids will just literally just burst into flames if there isn't if there isn't constant auditory stimulation. So anytime there's a shot of the characters in Digimon and they're just an establishing shot seen from a distance of them walking, it's like somebody will say something and the other one will say, you know, you sound smarter when you don't talk. You know, and it's just like all these one-liners that are there just to keep dialogue going, to to keep kids interested or whatever. It's terrible. It's a travesty what they did in a lot of shows. The weirdest line from Digimon to me was when they're all right. Uh, this was when they're on Spiral. No, when they're on the first island and they were sailing across the sea or across. They're reunited and they're sailing across and finally having a breakfast. There's a mention of what they put on their eggs, and TK scares me the worst because he puts jelly beans on them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh, my God. So uh, anything else to say about this? I feel like we've said too much about it <laughs> to know. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna no, to... Okay. It's just it's just sad to see that this is happening with the Japanese Blu-ray releases. I, I don't have the Blu-rays for, um, for the Dragon Ball Z movies for the American releases, um, but... I, I'd like if somebody has them, can you guys check? I'd like to see if our stuff has been censored as well. Um, someday I would like it just podcast magic. This is probably a little too much asking for, but 
it would be great if they redubbed Dragon Ball Z with the original voice actors and everything, but they actually took the dialogue more seriously, like an adult cut, you know, where characters, because there's a line, I think, where Vegeta drops an F-bomb. Uh, and I know that, I know him saying, damn, accidentally got put on Toonami one time. Um, oh my but, God, uh, he loves to say the word damn. I've always yeah, but, wondered, how does, um, because Japanese and English don't directly translate, how do they determine, make the executive decision? Okay, an F-bomb totally goes here. Because it's the, uh, in Japanese, there's honorifics in terms of like the politeness of how you talk and the slang and whatnot. So basically, it is whatever whatever mental state you would be in, or or uh, let's say the attitude that you must have in order to use a certain tonal choice regarding the the honorifics and everything that is translated into this person would talk. If you were speaking English, you would talk. You know with slang or you would talk, you know, with an F bomb in every sentence, like, uh, like Quentin Tarantino kind of thing. You know what I mean? But I think largely it's subjective and people just choose. And I think a lot of times it's great when the voice actors actually write their own scripts, you know, or they, or they get to take the translation and make it their own because they, they as actors bring a life to the character and sometimes mm-hmm. it's appropriate to, to go off. And that's, again, we were just talking about Jace with the uh, Australian accent. Like that's a very, like that's a very rem- memorable character because of that, you know, mm-hmm. anyway, continuing. So now we are looking at the Funimation pre-orders. I don't know why we don't just do the right stuff because we we'll can. just be, well, do you want me to just skip this or do you want yeah. to talk about the $5,000 my hero academia button? Okay. Let's do that at least. Yeah. It's in, it's actually in my cart. You guys want me to check out five thousand dollars? Give me a somebody. Give me a um, a super chat for uh, six thousand <laughs> because uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to lose like thirty percent of that to to Google. Uh, but yeah, just ridiculous. Um, I, I don't. I just, think this is actually supposed to be here because uh, if you click on it, if you actually click on the the thing, it takes you to this. Sorry, but the page you're looking for doesn't exist. Then why would they have it? Was this some sort of Kickstarter that no one knows about? No, it's the gift with purchase of uh, for the movie, Two Heroes movie. What I was saying is that okay. it's just like how Nozomi was doing the Kickstarter. It's just that so people don't are discouraged from actually buying them when it's meant for the Kickstarter people. They made the prices really high. But anyway, right? Yeah, right. I was just suggesting go right to write stuff because it'll just be Groundhog yeah. Day with like, sure. oh, we've already seen this. Sure. We can do that. That's fine with me. Uh, Discotech Media licenses Inukami, Twilight, Beyblade, V-Force anime. So I'm just verbalizing it, and now we're here. Yes. So Super Sentai has a um, the Sentai hur- uh, Hurricane <laughs> uh, Liz and the Bluebird here. So this Lord is kind is of unfortunate. Right here, we've got the DVD and the Blu-ray slash DVD. Um, World Death Trance, Beyblade. Look, open that mm-hmm. one. Inukami will open that one. Twilight of the Cockroaches. Augie's gonna have a lot to say about that. Kimigori Orange Kimigori. Road. Yep. Sailor Moon S. My Hero Academia. Two Heroes with Gift with Purchase. Ooh, jeez. Two Star Blazers. Didn't. Didn't this you show don't already? Care about Ninja we'll get to it. I'll explain it. <laughs> Wait, Ninja Slayer has a release finally, or don't did worry. it? It ha- it's already been released. It's the it's the anime selects one. 
We don't need yeah. to talk about right. it. Okay, right. I just, if we don't have to talk about it, I'm just opening a tab so I can see it bigger. Uh, okay, so we should talk about this one, actually. We definitely want to talk and about Le- this one. You got Legend of Galactic Heroes, right? I did, yeah. Darling in the Cancer? No. In the Potential Cancer. Freezing Vibration, Season 2. This was another thing we thought about doing for the fan service February. It's funny, my brother has the standard editions of the non-essential versions, and the Season 1 has that DVD height thing, the Uh little boost at the bottom, so Uh it looks terrible. I think we're into stuff we've already seen. Uh, Do Gay Ass. Oh, yeah. We've got to talk about that a little bit. Okay. But yeah, otherwise we're caught up, I think. Yeah. We didn't talk about Tokyo Living Dead, and uh, if you scroll up slightly, uh, those are. Let's see, where is it? Oh yeah, Sayuki. We didn't talk about that. Okay. All right. Well, let's get on to this. All right. So we got this one. This is like series four, I think. I don't know. Yeah, this was the one that they used Ninja Storm for, or at least yeah. the foot or costumes. Right. I have no idea why they did the CGI guinea pig, but. Whatever. I I never watched beyond the original Power Rangers, and I <laughs> after the Pink Rangers gone, there's just no point. Am I right? <laughs> I haven't watched it. Okay, still so fun. here's a question. Not final. Yes, um, it, that's obviously just the movie poster. Um, this says, this in the Bluebird Blu-ray DVD. This one is just the DVD. Pony Canyon released Sound Euphonium on Blu-ray in a DVD case. So I need to know what the height of this is going to be before I... If it's being released by Shout Factory, <laughs> god damn it. It's going to... It's going to you know be Blu-ray. If it's, if it's released by yeah. Shout Factory, the DVD is probably better encoded than the Blu-ray anyway. <laughs> But this is Blu-ray slash DVD, so yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about this one personally. At least, either way, at least it's cheap. But does it have a dub? Spoken language? Yeah. Yes, it's have a dub for it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad to see that. Oh wow! It's pulling a Grease Eye Phantom Trigger. <laughs> yeah. There's the DVD Beyblade V Force Blu-ray. I was uh, surprised finally, finally, this is the one where they correctly scale the characters instead of looking like monstrous blobs. They look like children. I have, yeah, uh, I, I have arts a that the King toy of this character somewhere. It's still, and the story still feels like it's. Uh, if you were to swap the tops with martial arts, it would still work. Uh, with this one, I'm kind of glad they didn't take the route of uh, Metabots. They still face some of the other... I believe some of the other countries that they face show up, but Metabots glad to see would, this get a release. Metabots would instantly went, be better because it's not a game of chance. <laughs> right. I understand that, but comparing season Series 1 to season, Series 2 is like a totally different beast. Yeah, season Even one's artwork. Kind of it looks derpy as hell. Hell, 
I know it's still a Gynax show, but what gets me is there's such a long series of games, but not any more anime they based went on it. Really out of their way for this crotch shot. <laughs> yeah, well, I looked it up on Mal, and I think that's the exact same image that was used. So this must be the official poster, not Discotech. Uh, this is one of those that I'm not familiar with, but I don't mind giving it a shot. Same here. Forward to the watch. It looks more modern than half the stuff that Discotech usually licenses. Two, two thousand six, I think. I think there's a uh, there's a gross uh, under undervaluing of green haired anime girls in the anime fandom, or just in the anime industry in general. You just don't see that many of them taking. It's a, a shame you haven't experienced. For a while, C2 I used to think most chaos. of them were named Futaba, but ha ha ha. Now what's Twilight of the Cockroaches. Finally, I can retire. I can retire the my VHS copy of this, as others keep mentioning their laser disc. Okay, so with this one, you can either see it as a war drama mixed with a comedy, or you can see it as an art film. I remember this one scene where the I show this to my friends. I show this one scene, and it leads up to the giant talking turd. And every time I show it to them, they always make that facial reaction like with Master Shake meet in Aqua Teen Hunger Force meets the German aliens for the first time. And he takes this virtual reality tour of this uh, donkey, of this cow's uh, anus, and that sheer shocked expression. Expression okay. of they don't know what to expect. Oh, okay. Man, you are really <laughs> pessimistic. Oh, my God. <laughs> You and FDM have. have been bashing me about Code Geass this whole time. Oh, and what's strange is I think FDM's seen it. What? I haven't been bashing you about Code Geass. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I love the show. <laughs> it's funny, but um, real quick, yeah, it's funny. Uh, Kim McGorney Orange Road Blu-ray Volume One, which is all the TV episodes. Volume Two would have have the first movie with OVAs. I think this character and I share a birthday. Cool. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, the highly anticipated. No longer have to get a mortgage to buy a box set being released. Thankfully. Also, yeah. real quick. Oh my god. Beyblade, when you said it was by Gynax, I I was really confused because I I can't remember. Gynax ever doing a really long-running show. I looked it up on Wikipedia. It says Madhouse did the first season. Cool, cool. Strange, but cool. I was mentioning that uh, Metabots did was done by Gynax, not Beyblade. Oh. Well, now I'm going to check that out. Yeah, we can... Unless you have something to say about Kimaguri, Brad. No, I've got the uh, anime going. Um, uh, but... Shout out to Brady Hartel for doing a great job uh, making a very retro '80s looking uh, cover with oh, the yeah. triangles. Yeah, so he like it made almost that kind of looks. Uh, it almost looks kind of uh, Saved by the Bell inspired in the background. You know what it looks like to me is the uh, '80s uh, plastic cup. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about with like the it's plastic. Cup. It's got like the the teal green like squiggle line. Oh, you're talking about those uh, big ice ice cups that you get like from a sporting event or uh, at the hospital at the time? No, like not those big thick ones. No, they're just like a regular like styro- like not styrofoam, but uh, 
like a paper cup, like you would get it like McDonald's, but you would get it at like a oh uh, that thing, yeah. You know what I'm talking about and, and like they have like mugs yeah. of it now, like that design for whatever reason was just like so it was just like the the mass market brand at the time, you know, like the red solo uh, cup, you know. If you're at this point in time, this is going to be dated soon. If you want to see what type of cup we're talking about, they do show it in uh, the Bumblebee movie that's playing right now. <laughs> Which is pretty much a Herbie movie disguised in Transformers. No race at the end, but lots of blown up robots. Has nothing to do with psychic romances. Sailor Moon Super S the movie. At some point, I'm going to need to start uh, getting back onto collecting these things because I'm I'm so behind on the Sailor Moon. I pre-ordered it so I can just be current with at least the new releases while I'm still catching up, but I'm getting there. Yeah. Also, also, uh, Augie, apparently B-Train did Metabots. Oh, same people who did uh, Doc Heck's sign, right? So the gift Not with sure. purchase on uh, Right Stuff is a different pin than the one on... Uh... You have to choose between two heroes to get the pins. Do you do Young Age, All Might, or Midoriya? You know, I gotta say, though, these pins, I, like, I, don't, I, I do not care about them. I, what, before, I, I pre-ordered this already, uh, see you here. Uh, I pre-ordered this already um, before they had an image of the gift with purchase, and what I learned it was the uh, the pin I didn't care anymore because I got the I got the stupid pin with uh, free the free movie uh, collection, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a thing now. <laughs> Do I have Sony to thank for this decision? Also, I hope you aren't a fan of uh, the guy with the um, belly button beam, navel beam, or the guy who talks to bugs. Or the guy with the monkey tail thing, because those characters don't show up in this movie at all. Oh, man. Here, I'll give the explanation. So, uh, the original Star Blazers reboot, which is 2099? Yeah. Right. That was originally a seven-movie film series, whatever. And then they made a... They adapted it into a TV series cut, so that's what Funimation released, that version. Mm-hmm. Now, 2202, I thought they only had, like, a movie released or something, but turns out they have the exact same format, seven films, and they're cutting it as 24 episodes because when you look down on it, it says contains episodes 1 to 12 or whatever. Because I, I looked at the size of the box, I'm like, is that three movies? And then... Yeah, pretty big. And then, yeah, I see, oh, I guess it's going to be like the other box because it has like two art booklets in the middle or something, mm-hmm. except this one doesn't have so the the fl- the flare whatever effect on it, the foil. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed so with their decision to put the Blu-ray and DVD logos up here at the top. That looks kind of bad. It, it kind of yeah. looks weird the way they separated it. Yeah, but let's be real. If they weren't there, this would look really blank. Probably. And yeah. that's fine. It would just be the ship. Uh, two other series that kind of is doing the whole movie, separate movies, then cut into a full series would be Gundam Broken Unicorn. Blade and I guess Gundam Unicorn. I was going to say Gundam Origins. No, it was Unicorn. Origins, I think, is still just movies only. But the next announcement they'll make is probably a TV cut. As we've established from the last Gundam, Ninja Slayer, no one cares. 
All right, Legend of Galactic Heroes. Now you season can say one you bought Legend of Galactic Heroes on Blu-ray dubbed for only 48 bucks. There you go. This does not cover the full series, but yes, they're the supposed to be series. making a second season of this. Season one. It, it This really condenses the first two seasons. Wait, this. it's a remake? Yeah, so this is the, the reboot or whatever of it. The Die New Beast. Huh. Can't wait to own it. It'll look better than the black triangle I have. Okay, so I want to get your guys' opinion on something. This comes out in March. It comes out at the end of March. We do Mecca March for our watch club. We discussed, and I'd like to get your feedback on this. We discussed the possibility of doing the original Full Metal Panic for the first podcast in March. Uh, and Fumofu and the second raid for the second podcast in March, because those are both half series. And then for the first podcast in April, which is this would have been released by, we would watch Full Metal Panic, Invisible Victory. Uh, just curious as to what you guys think about that. Um, it's kind of going to be an interesting ride going through all the different companies that worked on it, because I think Gonzo was the first one, then KyoAni, and now Zevik working on this show. What the... <laughs> The Blu-ray and, and DVD logo just kind of lingering in the middle here. Somebody at, at Funimation in their design department uh, has a bad eye for design. <laughs> that feels really bad. But then again, it's like they're like, well, it would feel heavy if you put it down here with all of our other logos. It's oh, bizarre. Like where they're supposed to go. I'm sure they've done that before, though. They literally just need to have a, what is it? Were they called a focus group of like anime collectors to give input instead of just yeah that should be fine yeah just leave it like it was I mean it's like someone replace like replacing where to put the nutritional facts on a cereal box come on leave it alone I'm, I'm very happy with otherwise everything else of the limited edition the yeah it's not, not a bad looking set for sure I, I I'm I'm digging this uh, IV motif. That is probably just part of the original uh, logo design, but I, I, I'm liking it. Um, so also, just for the record, um, Full Metal Panic, technically, alphabetically speaking, goes in your collection before Full Metal Alchemist. Because in Full Metal Panic, it's two words. And in Full Metal Alchemist, it's one word. Just say right. uh, But if you're like me, you you don't think of it that way <laughs> but it is kind of annoying all right darling in the franks so this premium edition is a bit of a gamble because it's a little bit uh hard to tell okay you know what okay so you were talking about the thing about the being able to uh reverse the cover i are, i actually see what it is you do there's a sleeve yeah this is a sleeve that's what i was okay. saying that it was probably yeah. some sort of Paul so is this like esp uh, it's like um, wing, uh, uh, oh my goddess, wings of fancy or flights of fancy or whatever set where it has the clear. So wait, you pull it off and underneath it is the upright version. Uh, I'm I'm gonna guess that on the other side is a version that's no. The, the other upright. side, they had a picture of it, and it just has the male main character 
then yeah, maybe it's uh maybe it's underneath. I don't know. It's unless I'm misremembering what that side looked like. Honestly, who cares as long as it has an end label? So the thing is, though, we aren't sure. It's it's a bit. This is what I mean by it's a bit of a gamble. Um, the discs, assuming that the discs are actual size to or scale. whatever, you know, like to scale, then this should be a, a regular DVD slash Blu-ray sized case. Now it does uh, contain a regular case in the set, as you can see yeah. in the picture. And it says there's room for part two. So that yeah. leads me to believe it's normal dimensions and not NIS America. Right. Which is what we're all hoping for. So, um, can we scroll down for a sec? Uh, What is the difference between down, episode look. six commentary and episode twelve video commentary? Is that where they actually video, video commentary them? is when they have it's like, like a live reaction. <laughs> I think I know exactly why they split it this way. Because on the first disc, if they add another episode like version with the video commentary, that would take up more space and mm-hmm. they don't want to push ten episodes. So if they put the video a video commentary on the second disc, like on episode 12, they can fit it. Okay. So six is just a different audio track. But a video commentary... Okay, I'm not seeing what I was wanting. ...is basically just a YouTube uh, live reaction video. Okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I would imagine it would be them talking about their experiences, acting in the role of the characters, or acting within the show. I feel like a video commentary gives you a more personal... uh, feeling when you're watching it compared it's, to just it's the audio. literally it's literally just like a picture in picture thing where you watch them watching it like a yeah. like mystery science theater except that you're seeing them from like a three-quarter angle of the front rather than behind uh and it's just them like enjoying the watching the show and talk i think i've seen something like that on some funimation thing Anyway. Actually, now that you mention it, I can't remember the last time there was an audio commentary because of the simul dubbing. Yeah, they they've basically just been pumping things out in no time for like extras. But here they are. Yep. Well, um, yeah, I already purchased this, so I'm I'm taking the gamble that this isn't going to be an NAS America size thing. One Piece episode of Sabo. I'll gladly pick this up because I know A, it's not bootleg <laughs> and B, it's in HD. I'm still waiting on them re-releasing the original series in Blu-ray because they have the HD version available on Crunchyroll, etc. How weird is it going from uh, uh, this show is so long running that there is a point in the series where it switches from 4x3 to 16x9. That's the same with Bleach and Naruto. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, yeah Naruto, the first episode. Shippuden season one is four by three. Season two onward is uh, also three by nine. That's why I haven't noticed that yet. Remember, I'm still on season one. <laughs> remember, last year was the 10th anniversary of this show, I do believe. I think it started in 97. Or at least 99. Last year would be the 20th anniversary. I think it's 99. 99. Okay, I'm off a little bit. Who knows? Uh, Code Gay-Ass, Lelouch of the Rebellion movie. That's a terrible picture. Like, look, it doesn't look anywhere near like a steelbook. It looks like a pencil board. No, no, I've seen that. I'm familiar with this. This is like what they did for Voltron and Avengers for release from uh, 
Avengers was released from Bandai Entertainment. Ultron was released by uh, Media Blasters. So it might be one of those where it's a 10 that you take apart. No, he, this is a um, this is a Photoshop. Uh, it's a render, a botched Photoshop render. Yeah, because this angle here for the picture is not matching this angle here for the shape of the box. They actually have a it's, real image of it somewhere. I think. Yeah, this is just a, um, like this highlight was put in in post and stuff. They're just trying to fake the thing to sell the. Yeah, image. that's what we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's just a threefold uh, center thing. We talked about this in the last podcast. There's also no end label uh, visible on here because they didn't Photoshop it on. But um, uh, yeah, so we had talked about this last night uh, and we had read about it. And it seems like there are three movies, right? And two of them are compilation. And the third no, no, one. Three comp. Wait. Three compilation movies? Okay, but specifically, but specifically, it's designed to continuity wise lead into the the next season or whatever yeah resurrection so there was actually a specific reasoning behind this release is that it's not just an average compilation it's like you're supposed to watch this because it's going to present the story in a way that makes you able to jump into the next season without being confused like it's something about it that it, they made it sound in the in the thing we were reading that uh that there's a reasoning behind you. You basically, even if you've already seen the show should be watching these recap movies because they're crucial to getting into the next season or something like that. Tokyo living dead. Living Tokyo living dead. dead. So while looking at this, I know nothing, nothing about it. I haven't read the wiki, but I'm wondering if this inspired, uh, Zombie Land Saga that's air that is or was airing currently. Because if it is or if it's related by any means, it's going to be a very entertaining movie. Um, other than that, or maybe it's done by the same person who did Zombie Ass Toilet of the Dead. Okay, so first of all, I don't know what focal length they're using on this camera. I'm going to guess that they actually enlarged this guy's face. It's it is possible to get a look like this using using some camera lenses where the gun looks so ridiculously tiny, but it really looks like this was split, and this is just an image where they raised his arm up and made his his face is so big. <laughs> From cracking, I'm just looking at the. Releasing. I'm just looking at the female with the sword. She just looks like she does not know where she's at. That or it might be something that's out of the norm that you're not expecting to see. Yeah. Sayuki Blu-ray, all 50 episodes on a three-disc set. I think it's a nice replacement for whatever I have, but uh, we know that you hate this series and stuff. Yeah, if uh, this is one of the few things that was released by Acer Holdings, which is another one of Section 23's... Uh, a Blu-ray by Acer? Yeah. <laughs> AKA uh, Sentai Filmworks uh, parent yeah. company. So, um, yeah, if I ever get around to uh, downsizing my collection, it, it'll be nice to have to, because there's so much Sayuki in uh, want, when you get it long form with all the art boxes. I know you don't want, I know you don't like the show, but I want to at least reveal it for those 
but like you said, you have a thinner release of it. I think season four is released by Funimation or something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's reload, but it's like reload something or else. Why does it say all 50 yeah. episodes here and then one through 44? 44. <laughs> That's a good question. Huh. Um, actually, the one Sayuki season that was on the Sentai sale uh, was out of stock at one point, or it said like no longer production, I think. So I wonder if they're just going through and just making Blu-ray, SD Blu-ray versions of all the Sayukis now, which would be nice to have a consistent form factor leading up to Funimation's release. That's all I really have to say. I think, right. I, I think it was kind of... I think it paused on my end, but I don't know. Oh, well. So that's it for uh, release news. Some quick random merch stuff. Okay. <sighs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Dual Disc Prototype. So this one, uh, it, it, this is like the the movie prop ready version compared to the cheap, crappy one, right? That's what we discussed. Has like an actual working. It actually functions, I guess, compared to the other one being like a cheap kids toy. Uh, to be fair, I, I think the other function, one but... also functioned. Like but it, it didn't have like a like a screen or whatever. Like you guys brought the. I mean, it has a little thing you punch in. You have something that you punch in, but I don't recall it being lit up. Talking about the numbers on the dual disc that you see in front I've of us. I've never, I don't own any Yu-Gi-Oh cards and have never played the Yu-Gi-Oh game. I like the anime, but. I, I think actually that my dual disc lights up. <laughs> the one I have. Anyway. Yeah. I never Bebop. owned a dual disc. I remember a friend having it. Cowboy Cafe returns with Heaven's Door movie theming. So I just thought these were kind of clever uh, design. We, jo- we joked last night that you could go to this place on a date. Your date, uh, her order of this like champagne with a little rose arrives and your cup noodle comes. <laughs> just how awkward it would be to, for the stuff that you could get together at a date. I still say that wouldn't be awkward. I would say that would be kind of funny on the date to do that. If anything, make the experience I, more rememberable. I'm I, I'm saying that it would just be it's it's a mismatch, like a you not something you expect, subversion of expectation. If you walk by and see some girl sipping a, out of like this champagne flute or whatever, while while her boyfriend is like slurping down cup noodles. <laughs> And uh, Lishansky shared this. Uh, I don't think he was intending for us to bring it up on the podcast, but I thought it was such a funny uh, thing that I just had to. <laughs> this adult-sized Evangelion uh, Kigurumi for Ava Unit 1. So <laughs> they missed <laughs> they an opportunity to include the tail for that because that would have drawn more appeal to it, to the item. You oh, mean- well. Have the tail like have the tail be loose and dangling. Does Ava Unit One have a tail? Uh, it's got, like, I remember the plug dangle a little. <laughs> anyway, Metal Gear Solid to become a board game. Published I- by IDW Comics. So that's all I'm going to say about that. 
Goblin Slayer Figma is here to protect your home from goblins. So just showing this off. It's kind of an I, I love the design for this character. I haven't watched the show yet. Um, I know there's all these controversies going on about it, but I like the design of the character. I'll definitely watch it for that reason alone. Oh, yeah. The only thing I'm questioning is where's his uh, flame for the eye, but maybe that's an accessory. Maybe that's not an accessory for it. I'm sure there will be Virtual a YouTuber that will have that. So, uh, Kizuna a, AI right. is one one scale figure at Winter Comicet. So, remember, I just talked about how uh, this is like a marketing uh, thing, like the VTuber thing. Um, it's just one more way, like because Japan's love idols so much. Just one more way to create to manufacture something to sell toys. <laughs> you know, yeah, what an interesting society. We've seen plenty of shows where it's obvious they're trying to sell the model. I mean, look at the Fate series. Yeah. Gal Geiger figure reimagined the King of Braves as a cute girl. Well, eventually this is going to happen across all the Sunrise Gundams, so. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of figure ideas that I think would be fun to have a collection of, but I don't like the... uh, Posable ones, personally, I don't like the. Okay. I like the ones that are designed. Yeah, prosthetics. Pose. We'll say what? I said because they always look like they're wearing prosthetics yeah. on every her, limb. Her hands look really funny in this uh, too. She's <laughs> holding the claws. It really yeah. bothers me. <laughs> and then you had me uh, share this one, uh, Yeah, because I think uh, I really like all the Digimon like premium figures like the D arts line and whatever those other ones are. But, um, yeah, Omnimon looks great. And this new form that I'm not very familiar with looks really cool with the blue and white scheme and the wings. I totally buy it. If it was the wings look like they're from Escaflone. (laughs) Maybe. All right. So I saw this on Reddit. Some guy made his fiance or whoever, some art, out of the, the boogie woogie <laughs> box edition. <laughs> so the the monster. I don't, know if, I don't know if they're laser cut or what, but the fidelity, like going through, like cutting out the negative space, is pretty, uh, pretty top notch work. I gotta, I gotta I say, doubt that was laser. Yeah, well, it's not clean enough to be laser. Like this would be a little bit yeah. better looking, probably. But I, I'm just saying, like the amount of detail he got into the Samurai Champloo one especially, just really feels like uh, I'm impressed, you know? Well, he could have just put an outline and followed mm-hmm. it really thoroughly. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, in order to get um, in order to get it cut so cleanly, I mean, obviously, like, this is not perfectly across, you know? Um, right. But, but it's just, I don't know, it's a, it's a neat idea, and he did a good job executing it. All right. Man robs bank with tape-covered Nintendo Zapper. So this says New Mexico, but later on they go to clarify it's actually regular Mexico, so I'm just going to not read that. Regular Mexico. A bank robbery in Mexico was discovered to have been carried out solely with the Nintendo Zapper, a harmless toy that the robber used to, uh, to imitate a gun, wrapping it in black tape to try and conceal the fact. Taking place in uh, Hermosillo, Mexico, the clever criminal managed to successfully rob a bank without the use of an actual firearm, instead wrapping a Nintendo zapper with black tape and wielding it as if it were a real gun. 
Many would no doubt label his plan risky, but it seems luck was on his side as the employees were apparently not familiar with a notable Nintendo accessory. The police were able to quickly track him down. The culprit is currently under investigation for about 15 other robberies. It is yet, uh, it has not yet been exposed whether or not he used the same trick for the previous crimes. (coughs) So, Melon Books bans all Gridman doujinshi. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read this article. I'm just gonna um, basically summarize it for you. But basically, um, apparently in Japan, doujinshi is well. So first of all, if you don't know what doujinshi is, it's comic fan art, like fan comics of established series. You know, usually of an adult nature they take the characters from the show and they make them bang all sorts of things and people and dogs and stuff so um doujinshi is illegal technically but a lot of times the companies don't care uh, the uh the companies who own the rights they 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 kind of weirdly japan recognizes doujinshi as a way to further the fandom of their series that it's profitable but as we saw with Nintendo until recently changing their thing about YouTube uh, let's plays and everything. Um, So with Gridman in particular, I guess they, the rights holders. So it it goes on to say in the article that a lot of times uh, the adult stuff also like just for any series gets kind of uh, they get some pressure put on them. Uh, But basically as long as you are um, not, as long as it's not for profit, they don't really mind. You know, like they're like, oh, we can't do anything about it. You know, they're they're it's they're doing it for free. It's not for profit. Um, but uh, in this case, um, the Gridman uh, rights holders for SSS.Gridman uh, pulled rank or whatever and got them to take it off the site. So, anyway, um, just interesting to see that that it was specific to Gridman. Um, um, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Now, PewDiePie tweeted this out. I thought this was pretty funny. Hentai Haven tweeted, subscribe to PewDiePie or we delete the site. The next day, (laughs) this is goodbye. Hentai Haven was born during a time when fan subs were pretty much dying. New shows were subbed weeks after release. Most sites had lackluster interfaces, blah, 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 blah. So they were going out of business. In further news, they became an affiliate to J-List. And apparently Faku has teamed up with them in order to revive the site. Um, I don't know anything about the site. Never been on the site. I think Otaku saw or someone said in the comments earlier this podcast that they yeah. were actually bought by right. Otaku. Yeah. So uh, it's it's basically um, yeah. So that's what's going on with there. I think anybody who's familiar with, if you go to the site now, I guess this has been crossed out and now says Faku plus HH, and it has a new statement. I'm going off of the screenshot Reese sent me to report that news. So I saw this. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to read this whole article. I just thought that this was a funny idea. Big angel, fat J-pop idol group who mm. fell from heaven after eating too much. So in Japan, they will market anything. <laughs> um, and I just thought it was funny that the idea is they ate so much in heaven they fell. <laughs> so, yep, this is, a, this is a thing. And now we get to discuss, hold up. Let me, you know what, I'm just going to be safe here. This is an NSF, 
this was it's the article itself isn't, but it was ranked as one. And I just want to make sure that it doesn't show uh, that sidebar because some of those gifs are uh, <laughs> not safe for work. Anyway, so Shield Hero, false rape accusations, anime Tate no Yusha no. It was basically Shield Hero already uh, controversial. So. The upcoming anime adaptation of Rising of the Shield Hero has preemptively stirred up drama online as fans have discovered that the series revolves around a man being falsely accused of rape, with critics labeling it as a show for, quote, vicious, regressive misogynists. Rising of the Shield Hero focuses on the transportation of four people into a fictional world to become heroes. Isekai. Uh, with one of the unlucky males being portrayed—sorry, being betrayed by his sole female teammate and falsely accused of rape, immediately triggering the internet at, at the heinous implications that a woman could dare lie about rape. The rape accusation seen from the manga, which I will not read because apparently manga spoiler videos are now uh, illegal, <laughs> as we discussed in a previous. Just podcast. saying, they discovered that apparently there was. Uh, the premise was he was falsely accused of rape. Sounds kind of like, wow, they discovered that Naruto is about ninjas. <laughs> like you'd know this already because it's been out for so long. Right. Right. So, so again, moral busybodies who just have to have their uh, say on every single thing um, decide that, you know, this is not okay. And I just think it's so ridiculous that literally the story is not, that the guy is a rapist and he gets away with it. It's literally that he's being wrongfully accused. Like what this, this, is real, this is a real situation that does need to be discussed. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a real scenario, but we're not allowed to quote blame victims, even though in this case, the guy is the victim, right? It's total yeah. bullshit. But then we have all these people who just want to virtue signal about things. Uh, Zach Birchie saying, is everyone ready for rising of the shield hero discourse? Do people really know what that shit is actually about yet? My feeling is nope. Okay, so here's my high horse, you know, march through all the Twitter here. It's my understanding that the Shield Hero's chief motivation in the Rising of the Shield Hero novels is a dude getting revenge against a lady for making a false rape accusation against him and has a harem of slave women. So did they tone that shit down or not? Nah? Another question. Did Crunchyroll decide to partner on this show before? Or knowing the content of the novels or do they just not give a shit and thought here's a chance to co-produce the anime adaptation of a hit light novel series let's ride what we assume will be a money train one last question elation studios is producing a bunch of widely inclusive original animation for crunchyroll including high guardian spice how a bunch, did the people all one. say what a bunch all one yeah <laughs> um how do pe- how do the people working on those shows feel about the same company endlessly flogging something like Shield Hero? Here's a show for all the LGBT kids out there watching anime and want to feel included. And now here's also a show for vicious regressive misogynists. Okay, cool, I guess. Do you stand for literally anything? Kind of a charged statement there, don't you think? Uh, his comments were agreed upon by others. Mm-hmm. Paul Chapman says, I only know about it because I ended up doing some reading on Wikipedia as part of the news-related item, and I was like, nope, 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 nope. So I'm not going to go go through all this, just people uh, virtue signaling and complaining, and I just do not understand how I this is even controversial. I could live not knowing what Paul was going to say, but oh so, well. So how, are, 
so how are you going to fix it? The main issue with the Rising of Shield Hero is the fact that whoever wrote it thought thought that they could get away with such a flagrant disregard for what is acceptable in modern society. How dare they depict things that actually happen in real life? Some people yeah. may disagree with me on this one and that it's not within my right to adjust the plot and themes of such an acclaimed piece of work that practically nobody heard of until a couple months ago, those people aren't worth listening to. Yeah, no one was talking about it. That's why Crunchyroll decided to make this the first dubbed show that they've ever made themselves. Um, I'll say this, though, is that I think they're just saying, oh, yeah, we shouldn't be perpetuating or putting this in the heads of people that all the people that... Uh, accused of rape are falsely claiming it. Okay, so if, if in every chapter he this gets falsely a... accused of rape by a different <laughs> woman, in that case, maybe I'll agree with him. Okay. okay. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like... As, uh... a starting... As a starting premise, it should be something that be that you should take in consideration to think about, but not judge... A... Wait, I don't want to say judge against, <laughs> but to shame it. This is, um, this literally happens in real life. People released. go to jail. People, you know, you know how many people got exonerated once DNA started being um, used in in, uh, in uh, criminal trials. These people who are in jail for half their life exonerated, as in they were they. It was proven that they were falsely imprisoned because the DNA evidence oh, proved that they didn't actually rape somebody. There's so many cases. We have people outside the U.S. There've been. The, so we're going to pretend like it doesn't. For what reason? You think that would be? You think that would, that premise would be more popular? Because oh well, you think it'd be more popular because it's one of those crime stories that's generally pop, sort of popular. Not with rape, but usually like I didn't steal something, but still in the same vein. Oh, well. Literally nobody but me has voted on the uh, the poll <laughs> in the YouTube. I have card. voted on the poll. Oh, why does it? You, why when I said, when I said it to no, it says hundred percent voted no. When I said it to yes, it says hundred percent voted. Yes. What are you talking about? In the poll, why does it? Poll. Maybe it. Maybe it in the, in the on the actual YouTube video for the stream. There is a YouTube card in the upper right corner. Should we do both Kino's journey for the next podcast? Yes. 2003 and 2017 or no split them 13, then 12 episodes. I'm the only person who voted on that. I don't see it. So regarding the slave thing, well, first off page, first off, he doesn't get accused of rape every episode. I know. Yeah. I, I know. I'm just, confirming that for the audience but um now secondly the slave thing is (laughs) they're acting like that's a bad thing but the thing is uh in the show they're doing justice for the exact cause that they're getting mad at it for because he's essentially freeing these slaves from their terrible state of life and he's like taking these former slaves and giving them a better life essentially but yeah, anyway. Yeah, I don't know anything about the story at all. I do not care. All I think of when I think of the shield hero is the Dorkly skit with the smashing board where Link defeats Ganon with just the shield. <laughs> but uh, I just, it's 
people there there are people on the internet who are addicted to drama and they're addicted to just making a big deal about literally everything and it's partially this power play that in within this collectivist idea that you can come together as a group and you can manifest reality by by complaining about things enough that you have the power as a this amorphous mob of people on the internet to prevent something from getting made or whatever, whatever. Like we saw with um, the, uh, the stuff with uh, New Life Young Again in Another World and all that stuff. But that was a different situation and there was other circumstances regarding why that took place. But I'm just saying it's just people are addicted to that power and it's pitiful and stupid especially in the case of a guy literally actually being falsely accused it's like we can't even admit that this happens in real life it's such bullshit anyway you know so what's that's strange what's up the people who are the people who are probably protesting or like you're saying complaining about it they're probably the same people who watch lifetime all the time anyway they show stuff that's about the same. <sighs> oh, well, I can't answer for them. I don't think that way. Let's I think suggest- we've gotten uh, the point across. Yeah. Let us move on to what is it? Your Moon Gand next? Yeah. So we watched Your Moon Gand because Otaku So a long time ago had I had had a conversation with them and they said that their two favorite anime was Tamako Market and Yormungand, right? And when I talk to people and I find out what their favorite anime is, I try to make it a point to obtain and and watch it. That series. So you, you know? have a collection full of the best hits, right? Uh, just so that, you know, I like to I like to have a meaningful reason behind why a purchase was made or why, like I like to, I like to connect shows with people because um, I think that you can take Augie's approach of collecting where you just buy the entire library during the Sentai sale to have everything that Sentai had, um, or you can, you know, pick up each specific title or try at least to pick up, you know, titles when there is there's a significant um, memory attached to it. You know, it's funny uh, because Augie's sand analogy goes completely against the style you described. <laughs> right, um, sand analogy. Yeah, you said picking it up uh, a grain, you know, at a time at or a handful of time, not rather than it's more meaningful it than taking a shovel or whatever. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I still stand by that. I know. Yeah, I, so, I just I'll, I'll, I don't I'll, have I'll the money saying, at the time. Okay, I'm just saying that that um, sure there are situations where if you c- when the sales are so good, like you you can sacrifice even in my Integrity. situation the getting you know getting something that's worth actually liking, and, and you don't you don't necessarily have to have the purchase of the item be what creates that memory. Although a lot of times for me, picking something up at Anime Expo or whatever has is, is the reason why. Like I specifically ask the people working at Discotech or whatever what do you recommend? Like which one is your favorite new release or something like that? Uh, so that I can have some sort of, you know, memory attachment to it. Otherwise stuff just goes in your collection and and it has no meaning to you, you know? So anyway, um, I picked up Tomoko market and Norman Gand, and we went out of our way to do a podcast on Tomoko market. 
and Otakuso was unable to uh, to make it to that podcast. So I decided, hey, let's do Jormungand too, uh, which is obviously what we're doing for this podcast. And I got to say, uh, I think we all universally really liked Comico Market. Uh, and pretty much all of us hated Jormungand. <laughs> so, I didn't hate it. Uh, the entire time that I was watching Your Moon Gand, I felt like I was being reminded of better shows that I would have rather been watching. <laughs> so I'm going to pull up the tweets. Because who wants to go first in their discussion of... I'm not as aptly prepared with the thoughts in my head at the moment, okay, but... So I'll, I'll just pull up the tweets. Can we here. read through the tweets first, then go yes. from there? All right, so my very first, uh, like in the first five minutes of watching the show, I had mentioned here that the exposition is very thick. Like the entire first like three episodes, every time somebody opens their mouth, they're just giving blatant exposition to the story, right? Uh, and I was saying it, it takes itself too seriously. It gives me flashbacks of uh, Madlax. There's a video here that uh, you guys can't hear um, during the stream here, but she makes a reference to uh, Trogdor the Burninator, which is obviously where the name of the podcast comes from. And uh, here, I remember this episode, she decided to buy the team, the SIG P, uh, SP2022, um, which, is the, which is also known as the Poor Man's P226. Um, it is an inferior <laughs> firearm, in my opinion. It costs half the price, though. Uh, and then she switched everybody over to uh, using 9mm ammo over over a uh, decision that it would be better if the entire team was using the same caliber. So um, I thought this was a dumb decision, uh, considering that every person that they have come across in the show so far that they fought has been wearing body armor. <laughs> and uh, the stopping power of uh, 45 caliber is significantly better in that situation than nine millimeter. But uh, yeah, I thought that, I thought that a lot of it was poorly put together. Uh, and this is a sticking point I specifically had about the story in the series could have been good if not for the insufferable characters and constantly being taken out of the moment by someone, namely Jonah here, doing something completely tactically, tactfully, tactically non-advantageous just simply because badass right so uh, the idea that they put themselves directly in harm's way bullets whizzing past them you know walking straight into the line of fire to do something that's super badass but in reality you're like this is just so dumb actually while i have the thought in my head because i keep forgetting about it it's kind of like i remember that one moment when uh Eye patch girl was facing off against that girl that looks just like her without an eye patch. <laughs> she yeah, looks like yeah. Shiki from Garden of Sinners. And when non eye patch mm-hmm. girl like drew her guns, she was just like holding them out in front of her while she was just stepping forward for like ten seconds. I was like, who does that in real life? <laughs> like if if you take this scene and replicate it in live action, it looks like the stupidest thing yeah. ever. And it's the whole it it felt super forced because of that. I just want to that's that came to my mind real quick. Continue. Yeah, so to to surprise of no one, I had to say this about Jonah. This character and most of the others are so incredibly uninteresting. 
Females constantly referring to him as cute, despite it looking like half his eyebrows are missing and the remaining parts looking like fat caterpillars. He's just a uh, shambolin from Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Also, throughout the yeah. series, he grows the latter half of his eyebrows. In the in the podcast doc, look at the image here of him. Now he's got normal eyebrows. I don't even like I. The only character I even remember uh, is the black guy. Uh, who is the demolitions expert specifically Coyote. because yeah, because he was at the end of the series, the one of the last people to get their, their story sort of explained. Um, I barely remember anybody else. I forgot this guy was even in the show and, oh. and was surprised. In the episode where they, Riley Balto. He looks like they, Balto and miles when they swapped over to the new, um, like everybody using the same caliber and stuff. He showed up again. I'm like, Oh, that guy's not dead. <laughs> like I totally forgot that he was even in the show. I don't remember this guy at all. Um, he just shows up. Isn't that the guy that I, they kind of recruited after they killed everyone else? Cause he looked disgusted. Oh yeah. Thank you. That is him. Thank you. So, I, I so she kept the bodyguard. <laughs> I freaking hate it when light-haired anime characters don't have black eyelashes. I know it's technically more realistic to depict it that way, but they always end up looking like a kid's arts and crafts project where they tore apart a cotton ball and glued it on in his hair. So note what I'm referring to here just looks freaking awful. Um, we, we called this uh, Rosen Maiden syndrome regarding the, the, the most recent Rosen Maiden series that's sort of a separate entity from the rest of them. I think with Jonah, because he has darker skin, it works better than, uh, say, Coco. It bothered me less on Coco, but I would have preferred it on her also being with black eyelashes. You know? Mm. I would have preferred that. Um, it's just so bad. As you read mine, I was kind of mixed with Coco throughout the series, but... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for like any of the characters. Really, I, I did not think that they were interesting. Um, I again, I I felt like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, damn, I wish I was watching Black Lagoon instead. You know what I mean? Uh, and, then, and then the ending to the series. First of all, the the series starts both seasons with a quote from the perspective of Jormungand, the serpent from Norse mythology, has nothing to do with the story whatsoever. And then shoehorned in at the end that your moon Gant is the quantum computer that they're making. Never actually, they do a terrible job illustrating why a quantum computer actually would give them total dominance over, over uh, the, the market and basically rule the world. Just ridiculous. A terrible storytelling. It was used as a MacGuffin. All right. Well, who was the in White read? Fox? Right, White Fox was the the. Yes. The yeah. Yeah. Um, you had uh, said that, that that guaranteed pacing issues from the beginning, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they did uh, middle of nowhere see a year ago, but for some reason they resorted back to their pacing problem. Do you want me to read even, mine, or do you want to read it? Yeah, man, they're here for you if you want to read I don't them. I think the pacing right. was the problem. Well, what, I I'm, so I'm trying nervous. to read. Yeah, just for the record. Yeah, go. Watching this anime overall, it to me it was mediocre and convoluted. It focuses on name dropping weapons for wow factor that a typical audience wouldn't know unless they were a modern weapons enthusiast. Let me address. 
relating to that, I'll just say that you're absolutely right. And the thing that's so annoying about this is you, have you ever watched a news broadcast that discusses something you actually know about? Like for instance, when they, when you see that article about Cowboy Bebop and it's a picture of Ed and, and the, uh, the caption is Cowboy Bebop working on his computer. Like when it's something yeah. you know about, it's painfully obvious that they have no idea what they're talking about. That was me oh, watching yeah. this show. I am a modern weapons enthusiast. When I see when I see Coco switching them over to the S uh, the SP two zero two two, and I recognize that as being an inferior gun that she's just saving money on, it was annoying. <laughs> the show also drops events, ideals in order to intensify the scene or situation. This comes across more as a forced lecture than entertaining. Kind of wish it was techno babble just to proceed yeah. to the next action or boom. Well put. The store. The story isn't complicated. The characters reminded me of other shows. I'll say this as a highlight. The voice acting from either track was not bad. They didn't narrate their lines like in Law and Order or NCIS, but there was a delivery to this. As a bias, I don't really like, I'm not a fan of Law and Order or NCIS, but go ahead. Who narrates lines in Law and Order? Oh well, my God. Like, when the scenes that. where they are trying to think, instead of them sound like you like normal people, they're just narrating their thoughts to try to reason something. That's not how. You, oh, I guess it works you mean for brainstorming. <laughs> yeah, the brainstorming sessions are like they're narrating. I can't bring it out any further. Okay. Do I make any sense? Or? Uh, yeah, no. I, I just I what, narrating isn't. It was a uh, if the term you used, you saying it was narration threw me off from what you meant. I was thinking like I don't recall there. There is a narrator. They say like it's just like literally right, right. at the beginning of the show, um, the worst you know crimes are given to a, a special task force. But like and it's like it's there the narration yeah. of you know. I thought you were talking about that. I didn't understand what you meant, but, but I get what you're saying. Okay, uh, I didn't mind the character interactions after the first fourth of the series. To me, they were much better. The first fourth of the series to me is where it just kind of dragged forever because I'm trying to figure out the situation of who is what and why. One of the things that would have changed for this show is either introduce the characters early How about less or characters? start off with a small group and yeah. add more characters if you want. Uh, the animation for at the start was the beginning of this new filter craze. It's noticeable at the first, but I feel like it kind of blends in a lot better. Unlike Project K, where it's like over the top everywhere and it feels like a greeting card every time you look at something. So when you say filter, are you talking about the caustic effect in uh, K where they uh, had like the, the marble that would cast light, would, like the light would dance on people from the marble that the girl had or whatever? I think he's talking about, I don't know. Because that's, that's not probably one of the scenes because what I'm talking about is every scene was that grain? they try to show for K was like three different layers of something on top of the animation. You can just tell it's something. Yeah, I don't remember that being like that when I watched K. And I don't remember it being like that when I watched Jormungand either. Jormungand, because you had such a small window, you didn't notice the grain, but the grain is very clearly there it looks like you're watching something from the 80s or something just because of the grain but it's post-processing obviously and i think it's unnecessary when it's not natively from that era and it's not like that's how it was made mm -hmm. 
So one of the one of the major issues that the show had, just to touch on the uh, something you had said, Augie, is that the show tries to throw. They try to, like you said, they try to name drop things, and that's for something called verisimilitude. Right. It's this concept that you try to make things feel more authentic by using terminology and describing scenarios as though they're the way they'd actually happen. Right. But then it's also an anime. So there's a bunch of stuff that's really ridiculously stupidly over the top, like the character that for some reason is going commando everywhere underneath her skirt. You know, it's like a total anime thing that that separates you back out from what they're trying to set up as a very gritty, realistic uh, authentic depiction of war and, and gun running, you know, that totally takes you out of the entire um, thing because they like, oh yeah, also we're an anime. So we do quirky, weird, goofy stuff and we have all these characters with weird hair colors. What hurt me the most on that episode you talk about when uh, Berserker Vegeta was running around town. Well, she was a good resource and they killed her off. I wanted to see more of this character. I felt like was a lot actually of the interesting. A lot of the characters they in they posed it as if they had some value. Like they could have easily killed X number of characters right away and you know, had it problem done and over with. But they kept them alive and it kind of hinted at, oh, well, they're probably gonna recruit them, right? But then they killed them anyway. So I was thinking, okay, well, why'd you just waste all that time? Just kill them yeah. if you're gonna kill them. Well, at least it isn't like Bleach, where you hear hear this long backstory of the bad guy, then they die the next episode. <laughs> Otaku so says, how can y'all dissect anime like this? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We just have the our... Show, the we're... show demanded that you take it seriously, to the point where when you do take it seriously, it just falls apart. <laughs> well, they, all three of us are, review, are reviewers, so we kind of dissect stuff like this. Yeah, it is the mindset. Actually, I have something to say about the the how it takes it wants you to take it seriously. Because the thing is like the impression I get from Black Lagoon by looking at it is that this is supposed to be one of those um it's crime, but at the same time it's supposed to be kind of fun because they're so ridiculous or whatever and they do all this quirky stuff. But the problem with Your Moonkind is that they kind of they didn't have enough of one or the other. So I, I, when they had no. the quirky thing, like she was looking for the bathroom in episode one or something, it's like, and then there's her or whatever. It's I, like, I think the problem is actually that black lagoon had interesting characters and your moon game. Yeah, that's certainly part a of it. Huge cast of completely uninteresting characters. Right. So when you see Revy, she's like insane. She's like, um, what's the Joker girlfriend? Uh, Harley Quinn. She's like Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn crazy, right? And she like puts herself in harm's way. Uh, the exact thing I was talking about, doing things tactically disadvantageous because badass. And you buy it when she's doing it or when Dutch is doing it or when Rock is doing it. You'll buy it because those are characters. Characters that that feel grounded in reality, they think out their strategies, they verbalize them in the show, they do crazy shit like jumping a plane or a, 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 a boat into like a helicopter, you know, they do crazy shit, yeah, but it's like they think out the scenarios and they, they build up tense situations that, res- that cause a result of 
over the top ridiculous action sequences, right? I and, can agree with that. To, I'm not saying that like what I'm saying is that I think they had way too much serious stuff that's like, well, why did you even have all this fooling around if you were going to take it seriously for 75% of the rest of it instead of just embracing the crazy aspect of the show? And Otakuso just said he took it as a lighthearted Black Lagoon, which that sounds like... That's fair. You kind of have to... It's all or nothing for me, I'd say, in concept, because if you're not going to take crazy to crazy heights then it's kind of just an afterthought and it gets in the way it's kind of like um, i kind of wanted for me for coco yeah for me for coco she was kind of a blend of uh haru haruko from flcl with uh whoever the owner of i'm not familiar with the names of he- in hell's thing but who's the blonde lady that's in integra. charge of the organization integra as Brad Tegra. Just said. To me, it's like those two were blended in this in so, this almost by city world. To that point, I was going to say that. Um, do you guys remember in in uh, Miami Guns the opening sequence? The opening sequence in Miami Guns is a uh, straight up right wing uh, fantasy belief of of how gun ownership works and it's very funny where this guy goes into a bank to rob the bank and he he's like all right everybody nobody move literally everybody in the bank pulls a gun on him including a kid in in a uh, um stroller right like go if you're gonna go over the top like do that you know do something where it's where it's comedic but the the problem with the show is that it tried so hard to get you to take it seriously and for it to be the serious like uh, like what do you call that? What's that? Like the movie, uh, some of all fears, what are those called? Like a political thriller. What do you call that? Uh, disaster. I don't, I don't know, but like, basically they tried to make this, like the, the fate of the world is, is in the hands of all these backroom deals and stuff. And it's like, you could have made that so interesting. And instead you just like, you treated it like you weren't serious half the time. And the other time you were so serious that we couldn't take you seriously, you know, yeah. Actually, like to what Otakutso is saying, a lighthearted Black Lagoon, I haven't seen Black Lagoon, but it sounds like this is the opposite of lighthearted because of how seriously they took a lot of the stuff. <laughs> In a way. It's okay if I read through the rest of my yeah. tweets. Yeah. It won't take long. Uh, I'll say one thing. The backgrounds are amaz- amazing, but like FTM said, it needs more boom. Ending that one feels very lackluster as it hypes a confrontation, just like with the original Full Metal Alchemist. How it hypes like more action is going to be had, then nothing happens. I feel like they were trying to set up a movie to kind of conclude this series. I'm different from you two. I did enjoy the interactions with Coco and Jonah. I mean, I wasn't opposed to it. It's just I couldn't really fully embrace the whole Coco Jonah dynamic because yeah. of how inconsistent it was. Yeah. And oh, also Coco's brother. Um so like they did they couldn't commit to the dynamics at all. So when Coco's brother goes to the ship and Jonah's in the bathroom and and he's there, like Jonah's ready to kill him over what he did. And then next time they meet it's like, "Oh, it's all right. We patched it up basically. Like oh, we're totally cool now." You I know? know this- I know this doesn't 
this doesn't show enough. It doesn't explain it. But I think what they were trying to do is show how Jonah is maturing, even though he's just sitting there. This is literally right, a guy so. who, oh, I, I hate weapons. I have this irrational hatred of weapons. And, and oh, you guys them. killed a girl or whatever. Yeah, I also use them every single fucking day of my life, you know, and yep. I, I willingly protect people using weapons, but I secretly hate weapons, you know. <sighs> It's like the the Hollywood uh, actors who are making all those videos about um, you know calling for gun control, and literally they make their millions of dollars doing action movies where they're firing guns at people. Okay, in this next tweet, I point out that I thought this was hilarious when I saw it. They have a conversation at Five Guys in this show, in the where today's potatoes where they're coming from. They list the studio. I think I believe right there, but so at least this show gets some burger points. So this one right here, the white Fox uh, plush. Hold on. Let me click it on. (laughs) We get it. So hold on. I had something else written knowing that this was an earth. Shouldn't have said early. This No, this isn't early. This uh, White Fox started in 2007, so this is like mid-career. I was aware that the show is going to risk of some pacing issues. Sadly, this was an issue that dragged towards the beginning. I did chuckle at. Did you just cut out? Flush from an exploding car, but I feel like this scene shouldn't have been there, but it stands out so much. Or at least yeah. to me, it's, this might be something else that you two just didn't care I, about. I but I forgot about that Fair scene, enough. but I wouldn't have recognized the White Fox reference. Although I, I will say this, I hated, hated the music in this show so freaking much. Yeah. Particularly, yeah. I, there's a song, you, you guys remember Madagascar? Yeah. That song, I like to yeah. I abhor that song. I hate it so freaking much they literally have that song in this anime but it's rewritten to i like to smoke it smoke it what which episode was that in because i obviously there were numerous in there what yeah oh in the background Uh, since we're since we're in this scene right here the guy in the white guy in the suit is a cia uh cia a, a agent named quote unquote bookman. Mm-hmm. They keep saying that he's like an accountant, but that guy is so an engineer with all the stuff that he eats. You see him at five guys, you see him dine on some steak that you see this big hefty guy. He's an engineer. He's not no accountant and five guys does not have red cups as McDonald's. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so more about the show. Uh, well, well, they yeah. name dropped Julian Assange, and the character yeah. that they said they were worried would become the next Julian Assange was the biggest insult to Julian Assange. Um, it was that rabbit foot person or whatever I forget her name, but uh, oh my god, the just yeah. terrible characters in this show. The you're, the hacker this completely unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, the 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 that one like Indian or Pakistani girl or whatever, that was a super hacker. That whatever she is. Yeah. Ends up developing the, 
the quantum computer with the other girl who was completely insane and obsessed with butterflies. The dumbest things. Like this show, it's like, am I supposed to take you seriously or not? Because you're trying to put all these stakes in my face. Like this is some important thing, but I don't care about any of these characters at all. None of them. And I, one character that they, the, the girl with the eye patch, they kept making her out like, oh, but don't worry. Yeah, this girl, she's the lesbian. Yeah, she's into Coco. Yeah, you like that? And it's like, no, I don't give a shit about this. There's there's nothing interesting about this at all. Yeah, I kind of like that. But uh, I, I know this. I did learn one good fact, though. If you're super smart and you go to Guantanamo Bay, you are pretty much spoiled, apparently. I, th- I think, think someone's lying to me, but. I think part of it could have been the fact that it was, like, at least in the beginning, it was kind of episodic, so you didn't have any force driving you through the show which is what i was kind of looking for but i had nothing that's where the drag was for me it's like okay there's a deal and it's gonna go this way action scene and then on to the next like i need a reason there were no actual like cut and dry deals every freaking deal was oh it turns into a (laughs) gunfight like how do you get any work done It's like the A team was trying to deal weapons at some points. Now, how did you two react when uh, one of the characters die in the beginning of season two? I could which one to it. Which characters uh, died. Didn't care about any of them? Oh, that guy that saved. That's fine. But how she react? Jonah and blew up the whole mountainside. How did you two react to that scene? Is it that guy who saved Coco and Jonah that one time? Yeah, I think the guy's name is like G-R-K. I've been working for this the whole time or whatever, Bookman. He's a double agent the whole time, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I actually, that was a moment I kind of liked better, but at the same time, I'm like, wait, who's this guy again? That was the Togusa of the group. Pretty much. (sighs) <sighs> yeah, so those, that was the other show that you felt like you would have rather been watching was Standalone Complex. While the whole Standalone Complex, Black Apple Seed. Heck, I would. Heck, I would have. I would have been watching. I would have. I've been wanting to watch uh, Burn Up again because of what's going on. I need to finish Black Lagoon. I need to start oh. it. The guy with the blonde hair makes me want to watch Tino Tinge or Tino Tenge. Tenjo Tenge. Um, Correct that for me. I did. Uh, so one thing I will say, I'll give them props for, in the scene where they are trying to peep on the um, the girl with the eye patch, uh, the muscle anatomy while they were swimming was very beautifully rendered. I have to say, like they did a really good job depicting the back muscles uh, and how they would move in in that situation. I was actually like, like the attention to detail at at times was very impressive. I I will give them that. It's just that they were working on such a shitty story and everything. I mean, like when you look at, for instance, the, the gun here, um, actually this is a, a a VLC snapshot and I do definitely see the grain you guys are talking about. Uh, so like this very beautifully rendered, um, thing, which a lot of shows are good at this nowadays, you know, um, black lagoon, uh, for example, I think was, would be even better. Um, but, a, a lot of aspects of the show looked really good. Like they, and the attention to detail in like the MP five submachine gun that, um, that, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jonah was using, uh, in the situation where he was, um, badassing, 
badassing towards the guy with the shield. Remember that in the in the Against early shield hero. Show? No, there was a guy who had a giant riot shield. I know what you mean. Right? Um, Jonah, like, stops to reload. Oh, yeah, the Vegeta Berserker. Yeah, so Jonah continually stops to reload, and I'm like, I I was appreciative of their attention to detail, but it very much felt like um, somebody... Like you, we had said, like they they were name dropping things and and using weapons and stuff that they really didn't seem to have a, a super firm grasp of, which is true for a lot of anime, honestly, because Japan has um uh, doesn't have like they they've got they don't have the gun control. A lot of people think they do. It's not technically impossible to, to obtain firearms in Japan, but it's so restricted that you might as well not be able to. And most firearm hobbyists in Japan are model collectors. They have uh, cap fire um, models that are like one-to-one replicas rather than actual uh, firearms, right? Um, Keep in mind, you can hunt in Japan. There are hunting grounds you can go to. Yeah, but I'm just saying that the understanding people have, they have hobby magazines in Japan for for firearm enthusiasts uh, where people get all their information from. uh, And the interpretation of that information sometimes when you read an article it's clear to the person who wrote it because they know all the details but to the person reading it it gets a little bit um like i don't know if it means this or if it means this kind of thing you know um that 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 sort of ends up getting uh lost in translation i guess um and so you'll see some people who are really really good at doing their research like kenichi sonoda uh, and then other people who like I, I say here, like it just seems like such an arbitrary choice to pick the SP two zero two two rather than actually getting the two two six, you know, um, which is uh, from what I hear is more reliable. It's just twice as much money, you know. But for for Coco, should be able to afford to to make that expense. It's like two hundred dollars versus four hundred dollars, or four hundred dollars versus eight hundred dollars. It's not that big. Or you know, when you're dealing the arms, you can just take yeah. one from the batch. Sure. And it also just seems like if if the team is the team was working so efficiently already that her switching over to everybody using the same ammo so that they could swap magazines and stuff on the battlefield that was never an issue that that just a decision she made like that wasn't a thing where like god damn if only we had been using the same ammo we wouldn't have been in this match. never happens just arbitrary decision it's like the studio head saying hey by the way we need a love triangle in the hobbit movie you know it's like stick your head in and ruin the way everybody does things when when trying to fix a problem that wasn't that didn't exist and it, while we're on the uh, presentation or did you want to say something no, okay uh well regarding the presentation I, I see what you mean with the details with that, and there were even some scenes with like the missiles from a jet or something yeah. that looked really nice. But regarding the actual characters, a the design, I've said this like a couple times to you guys, but it's like everyone is so generic, yeah, looking. And with Coco's design, her design does stick out. But with the cast that she's being compared to, it's like she blends in with the crowd because she's all white and her skin is really white as well. So she just kind of looks like and she wears white. So she looks like a giant piece of paper. Half the characters look like they belong in Baki the Grappler, too. (laughs) 
If you give Coco rounder eyes, she'd probably be a Fate Stay Night character. Maybe. But, like, if you had a much more colorful cast behind her, then she'd pop out. But because everyone looks like either just a normal person or just really bland, it it all looks like the same old, same old. But um, yeah. also with the way the characters are drawn, like Eyepatch Girl in particular that I was mentioning last night, some, some scenes she looks like, equally as muscular as all the yeah. ripped guys and then in other that's scenes she looks point, yeah. more feminine so right. it's now, when like you pointed that out when you pointed that out you also mentioned that it, especially the 3d scenes she looked just as muscular as everyone else 3d scenes if I, re- if I recall correctly if i recalled wrong i apologize i don't remember that coming up i don't remember any 3d scenes specifically but yeah. it's like uh Maybe I was talking about the beach scene or something, but um, you were talking about um, the sixth scene you were talking about was when uh, Lutz and and uh, Jonah Lutz is the blonde-haired character. No, I when think they split just, up from the party. Oh, no, this is the character that was uh, double agent. That's the character there? that died. Yeah. Okay, so this is Lutz. This is the guy who gets shot in the ass over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And. But wait, what about it? What was I? What so you I think it was that? Yeah, I think the scene that I heard you describe was when everyone was in those uh, what do you call it, night raider suits or whatever. But if you didn't say that, please continue. I'm like there were some specific scenes where she was. Uh, it's like her shoulders were extra broad looking, mm-hmm. so she like looked. Like a Goku in the one scene, and the next she looked like she does in that picture, which is yeah. like a bit more muscular but still feminine well, looking. This, this is like remember I was just talking about the anatomy of the muscles in the back. Uh, yeah, the anatomy in a lot of the characters in this particular shot are awful. Like this, this guy's arm looks terrible to me. Well, um, well, Brad, um, I'm just saying that the consistency is right. That's that's what I'm agreeing. Consistent. So I'm well. While you're saying the muscular thing, like yeah, some shots were a lot better. Oh, well, you're saying you're saying even further that like her entire anatomy size was changing. Actually, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that's what I have to say about the actual production. And along with sometimes the movement was lesser than others, but you'd like me to read uh, anime snobs <laughs> uh, review. Not the whole thing, but... He seems to crystallize things in the first statement, usually. (laughs) It's an attempt to create a new Black Lagoon, but just from the pilot episode, you get more than lazy... uh, More... You get a more than lazy shot at it. The exposition is stupid, the dialogues are stupid, and the characters are, well, you know, not that Black Lagoon was exactly an intelligent show. It was just throwing in a few uh, poor monologues around the cruel way the world works, but at least it had a great great production values and great production values and slightly better dialogues uh, to have more fun with. This, on the other hand, is making you think it was written by a very angry kid who likes to play cops and robbers. Not that it was their fault entirely if the source material, the manga, was dumb to begin with. Animated by Studio White Fox. And it goes on and on and on. Uh, I'm, I'm remembering another point that Go for it. I forgot. Um, so regarding the actual 
characters like Jonah, the child soldier thing didn't, I've said this before to you guys, but for the audience, the child soldier thing didn't really get across to me just because there's so many anime I've seen where someone who's a teen is wielding a sword or a gun mm -hmm. or something. So it's not that ridiculous to see another anime with a child wielding a gun. Especially guns but, your girl. And to the child soldier thing as well, he looks like he's just slightly scaled down of one of those, once again, muscular guys. He's yeah. just slightly smaller. He, he doesn't like, look like the anatomy like of a kid. Trunks or Goten in uh, Dragon Ball Z when they're shirtless. <laughs> and they're just like freaking ripped but they're like chibi, you know? Yeah. Like that. the proportions look identical to the taller and muscular, whatever guys. But, um, so yeah, it's also partially due to that, that I don't believe he's even a freaking kid, <laughs> but, um, along with that, his development is so boring. Cause the whole, Oh, I'm a child soldier guns and weapons. So, I hate them. Let me ask that you message this. Is so, that's what I'm getting what to even have. He That's starts the series one way and ends the series the same way. I know. I know. Oh, what what I'm characters getting... actually did have development other than R, the character that that was the double agent? You know what I okay. mean? I, okay. While I have my train of thought, Go ahead. so Jonah. Wow. Oh my god, he has no. So he has no development. Oh yes. So the message getting across of the whole "I hate guns," "I blah blah, blah" thing, <laughs> it was so. Like at like the rest of the show is so inconsistently displayed. Like he only says it once every seventeen episodes, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, that's a thing I forgot." But it, it's like it's just kind of thrown in there. It doesn't feel like it's actually part of him. You don't see his disgust when like holding the weapon yeah, here and, and the there. The reason you forget it is because his actions don't reflect the statements he's making. That as well. It's it's also the fact that. I forget that he exists half the time because he Coco is clearly the the center point of the whole show. Like she's negotiating for the entire episode, then at the end you're like, Oh yeah, uh he exists. Mm -hmm. But um the other thing is his backs quote unquote backstory with uh the whole he hates Coco's brother because it's like, Oh, you killed that one girl. It felt like that Yu-Gi-Oh! Orikalcos thing I was talking about last night, how it's like Oh, he only needs one of us flashback over and over again, adding nothing every time. Oh, that's exactly the statement I always make about how stupid it is when there's a, when an anime has um, a character lose their memories. If I didn't, if I didn't spend five seasons with this character building those memories, I don't give a shit when they're gone. If you start a series with you needing to find your memories, I don't effing care. You know, I have no attachment to you or your memories. I have no attachment to this character that he's upset about uh, Casper killing or whatever. I don't care. Yeah, but the thing the I was going to... What is that? For, for any type of character development in the show, it goes... It doesn't really have a flow for that. It'll just throw stuff and not... Ex I wouldn't say not explain, but it would just throw stuff and you piece it together, even though that's, I don't think that's what they were going for to begin with. The only other development I could see was with Eye Patch Girl and Lutz able to talk to each other without killing each other. But other than that, I see Coco be conflicted, that's but still. 
like I said, R was the only character that actually had development, which was him working both sides and choosing to sacrifice himself in that one situation. That's it. Right. Every other character. There is like there is uh, one character that he didn't get he didn't progress development in the show. It was introduced, I think, pretty well, and that was the Wiley Coyote episode. The yeah, explosion that, specialist. That just, that just seemed like um, you could have just thrown that anywhere in the show. It just seemed like show like, at any point. Were, like let's show off. Uh, let's make a character who, who's a bomb expert. Let's show him off. You know, and it's like okay, you know, great. You know, did he have some tragic backstory about his own bomb blown off his arm or something? Like nothing really happened. It just no. and it was just like look at how badass I am because the the guys who. Uh, who were going against, they thought that they were going to blow us up, but I blew them up. You know, like, just, okay. Then there yeah. was that character Scarecrow in Chocolade, right? The, the Scarecrow was like... Um, that seemed virtually pointless having them in the show. Yeah. Uh, and then... If he would have, like, got killed or something, that would have and led to a another thing that would have been more purposeful, but he's just kind of aggravated the whole well, time. Even pantyless girl it. died, but it led to nothing still. I don't think they could even help some of these characters if they just killed them. Hey, but, um, C, do you want to show the two different pictures? You know what? what, uh, what? The Jerry's picture and uh, Brad's picture. Um, I don't hold on. After the picture, I want to complete my thought on Jonah. <laughs> go ahead. Okay, go for it. So, so the thing is about his backstory is, I don't know, I don't remember it completely, but I think that what I was going to say was how that that's, seems so shoe, shoehorned in, and he doesn't follow through with that. Like, it just kind of gets dropped, like you said. It's like, oh, his friend's the next scene. That he sees what's his name, Casper. Yeah, yeah Casper. I, I think you could argue that um, the show is literally what, like twenty four episodes. Yeah. yeah, there were so many episodes, and yet the exposition is so thick in those first couple episodes, especially that if you had given me an episode where Casper or where Jonah goes through that shit with Casper at the beginning and you start with that, then maybe I could get behind his hatred of weapons. Then maybe I can get behind all this stuff, you know, but to just try to do everything through exposition was completely uninteresting and completely not worth my time. Uh, Here's the um, characters you wanted me to share here. Okay. So to me, when I keep seeing uh, scarecrow this whole time, he's, he's pretty much, Whenever time he shows up, he always brings something more negative to the table. The whole time that I'm seeing this guy with a very, very bad eyes drawn, I keep thinking of Brad Kidd from Yakitake, Japan. Every time, which this guy shows up and he blunder in a positive light. So you have like a total different shift of tone. But every time I keep seeing Scarecrow, I keep wanting this guy to just appear just once, just Badly animate him just one time, just so I can get some sort of rah, some sort of uh, laugh out of it. But 
Oh, well. But to me, these two look very similar. I don't see it at all. (laughs) If you squint your eyes. They have blonde short hair. That's the only thing. Short hair. And that's it. One one is dressed up as like Dracula and looks like. um, He doesn't have. I know you're seeing that, but in the show, he doesn't have one set attire. He's always changing. Well, I'll have to sit down and watch uh, Yakitate in Japan. So let me point out how many characters are in this show. By the way, the guy that plays uh, that blonde guy, Jerry, uh, freaking love his voice actor. Oh, yeah. The guy, Robert McCollum, who does Psychopath's main character guy. Yeah, I watched uh, all of Psychopaths in the last two weeks as well, and uh, I would much rather be talking about that show. <laughs> so this guy plays... Um... I forgot the guy's name. PQ... I'm not here at Psychopaths. Uh, Kogami. Kogami, yeah. Shinya Kogami. Yeah, he's a good character. Oh, there's, a, there's an example of a show that had similar... Uh, aspects in terms in regards to like what they were doing there's like a revolution and all that stuff and it was interesting that the characters were interesting the characters did do things that seemed um tact- tactically disadvantageous and it was was badass you know what i mean yeah the i might disagree good. but i haven't seen it recently enough <laughs> I'm, I'm i haven't seen season two the movie where they the didn't movie. really have a choice well, uh, the movie i haven't seen that yeah but uh, but yeah, it's just uh, look how many characters there are. I think we've place. scared off Otaku. So <laughs> Otaku so agreed with me. So do you even remember half of these characters? Uh, I remember what they look like. But I don't know their. I names. feel exhausted just looking at the characters. <laughs> I remember the, the sad thing is that if they had had double the episodes, I don't think the show would have been even better. It would have been worse because they'd yeah. be stretching it so thin. I would have just, oh God, I just, can't, I was very surprised. I feel like 24 was even too much. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they, they should have, well, the, okay. So the whole thing about the ending with um, the quantum computer, that is so shoehorned in. Like you said, it felt like they were setting up for a movie or something. Yeah. It, it well, that's my take. So bad. Boy, this this artwork. <laughs> Look at the top two guys' faces. Really? Apart from the eye color, at a glance, well, eye and hair it's color, same. at a I glance, they're worried eye. about the noses. They almost look like birds. Especially Lutz. Oh my god. Looks like a parakeet. I mean, Shambolin kid. Seriously. Well, Actually, the thing about it is, apart from his Shambhalan color scheme, he looks like, once again, another generic whatever character. Uh, like yeah. Coco, she has you this have an emotion- furry whatever neck thing. The problem with Jonah is he's an emotionally dead character for the, for the most part. But... You can have a deadpan character that works. Yeah. But clearly, in this case, it didn't. And it was unpredictable the way that he had these, like, I don't know about saying mood swings, but it's like he was completely silent 
in the beginning, but then all of a sudden he just started completely going against his whole character motif or whatever. And then there's the some times where he smiles all of a sudden and you're like, where'd that come from? <laughs> but um, actually, I, I just remembered stuff about Eyepatch Girl, how she had this whole revenge story against the guy who whatever took out her eye and stuff. I thought that was really really forced it it felt like okay how, let's make it some actiony oh i need to get revenge on this one person and then have this really look at me scene where the enemy takes out her guns <laughs> yeah I, I honestly i kind of feel like it might be worth reading the manga just out of morbid curiosity. I noticed that they it's actually licensed. I didn't know that. But uh, yeah, it feels like these... It feels like a cut-and-paste type of backstory for any characters we do get it for, like Eyepatch Girl, as I just said. Like, it doesn't feel like it has the heart. Or... Yeah, it, it felt sophomoric in approach, like... They just didn't really have any uh, anything to say, you know. Like they were paint by numbers uh, characters, very cliched in some ways, and, and they not... didn't commit to any character motifs they were putting on, like Coco's right. and Jonah's. And exactly like I said, they the only character that actually had any development was R, and he dies, <laughs> and basically only has a single episode. To actually mm. stick out. The manga mm. art actually looks interesting compared it's, to... It is Black Lagoon's thing, I think. Actually, on the box, it says from the producers of, so okay. maybe well, that... Let me, let me just say that uh, we've seen several pictures of Jonah, and he looks like he's got those stupid caterpillar eyebrows and stuff. This looks way more interesting. You know? How many volumes is it? Just uh, two? I think it's like nine. Hold on. Four, five, six. It has to be a simpler way. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Wait, is that more than Black Lagoon? And he put Black Lagoon on hiatus? Oh, so Funimation must have pulled their own little trick of the from the producers of because, your name because the author is a different name. When I look up Black Lagoon on Amazon, story and art by Ray Hiro. It says yeah, Takahashi. Here? Takahashi. I know that's why yeah. I said. <laughs> what the hell did they mean by from the producers of? Black Lagoon. Did they say that because they knew it was so similar oh, in vain? Character concept. Oh, he's for, done Stelvia. Uh, Stelvia. For oh. the uh, oh, never mind. of the manga. Character concept, episode 18? Card game? I don't know what you're talking <laughs> okay. about with this, with this Black Lagoon thing. Where did it say that? Oop, that's not how you spell Lagoon. Actually, where is it? Damn it, I put the Blu-ray cases back in my brother's room, but I think it might have said right on the case. 
Augie should have it. Yeah, Ray. It's the two right. separate volumes. What am I looking at from the case in this dark room with Christmas tree lights in the background? What the heck? In this corner of the world gave a special thanks to Ray Heroe. Who's that? The creator and author of Black Lagoon. Why can't I find okay. the Blu-ray for your monk? And... Well, I had a picture of it on the um, thing here. Oh, I passed it. Here. I don't know if it says a oh, different from thing. The, yeah, from the producers of Black Lagoon. Okay, so it wasn't crazy. Yeah. So was, it wasn't even the same studio, though, because Madhouse did Black Lagoon, right? Uh, I don't know. I believe it. I didn't start paying attention to that until uh, recently. After the fact. I just never really cared to know about the actual, to have like studio loyalty. You know, I didn't know about that crap either when I started anime. Yeah. Confirmed on it on Wikipedia. I wouldn't call it studio loyalty, but man, I'm so glad I stopped trusting those trailers because I used to say things like, Oh yeah. Uh, familiar of zero Toradora, Shakugan, Oshana, all the same person made them. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to say, or should we start wrapping things up? Um, my overall, I do not recommend this series unless you would like to watch something that has action, but even then it's padded with all this negotiation stuff. So, yeah, my I would recommend not watching. I mean, watching it before Black Lagoon, if you had plans of watching. Yeah, if, if you've not seen Black Lagoon, Psychopaths, Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, uh, Gunslinger Girl, um, any any number of shows like that, uh, and you watched this first, you might have a good time, and then you'll have an even better time when you watch those other shows that are much better. Um, but yeah, other than that, I wouldn't recommend it. Um. My overall, this was mediocre. If you want something with more guns, you can watch it if you want or watch it with some friends and kind of have fun debunking or kind of breaking it apart. Um, my consensus is sort of the same. I wouldn't say it's boring, but at the same time, I wouldn't say you'd get something from it either. So... Okay, we have two votes for um, for the 2003 and 2017 Kino's Journey being for the next podcast watch club instead of splitting them. Oh, I still can't. All I have left to say is sorry, Otaku. So, hey, you know, I mean, I don't recommend the show, but I'm glad that I experienced watching it, you know, because it made me value other shows a lot more. Like, that you could say that there were so many aspects to the show that should have worked, but it really puts into perspective this weird synergy that happens with certain um, properties where the creative team just works. They just work really well together. You know, you can watch things that have all the the right pieces, but they just don't mesh. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel like this show, in a lot of ways, there were a couple problems that were very blatant that stick out, but there were a lot of other things that shouldn't have been an issue, but combi- combined together became an issue, you know? Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, we aren't obviously we aren't obligated to enjoy everybody's favorite anime, and you're not obligated to enjoy all of our favorite anime. So I don't want uh, Otakuso to feel like, you know, we have a lesser of opinion of them based on their taste. But yeah, it just didn't do anything well, for us. Also, also keep in mind when uh, Robert and Ebert had their show, and they did reviews. There was a whole group of people that will watch their show. And do the opposite because it wasn't their taste. Mm-hmm. So, just another viewpoint to look at. By all means, though, uh, right. Otaku, so if you go back into the archive and rewatch this bit, um, don't feel like this has to take away from it being yeah. a show you really enjoy. Yeah, for sure. Although, maybe if you rewatch it, you might feel differently about it after what we've said. <laughs> Who knows? But if And if you haven't watched. Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, Black Lagoon, all those other shows. Definitely watch them because they're they're a better uh, experience. That's it. Yeah. So I'm so, looking. At, uh, I'm looking at the producers here, and all three of the producers from Black Lagoon were uh, in your Moongand. Oh, so they quite literally huh. are from the producers. Yeah. This so time. it's it's music producer from Black. So producer of Black Lagoon was music producer in Jormungand. Um, this one, producer Black Lagoon in Jormungand was producer. And producer Black Lagoon, Jormungand producer, GN Universal Entertainment. Huh. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I will say that, uh, like Augie said, the, the voice acting was uh, pretty decent. Uh, and I thought that, I thought Coco... Uh, had a interesting personality, and I really liked the Trogdor reference that really took me out of the experience of, of hating a lot of the show. Because, um, I again, let me put it this way. There are a couple characters that are likable but weren't written well. Coco is one of them. I, um, I agree with that. Jonah, I didn't like it all. I thought he was really dumb, didn't have any reason to... Uh, to be attached to him. The child soldier thing was totally stupid. Uh, he, his actions didn't reflect his philosophy at all. Um, and it was just obnoxious. And, and he has this dumb retarded face here that I will just share you share with you one more time. Actually, I just remembered another. I felt, like, I felt like if it was done better, it could have been more enjoyed. Yeah. I, the whole, uh, Coco Jonah relationship. I think all they had to do to improve the series is cut out like four characters. There were just they yeah. tried to cram way too much in there, and it just it the sum of all the parts like weakened the entire show. I have a comment that I remember about the smiles that I haven't mentioned yet because I keep forgetting it is a. Uh, Coco, the shape of her mouth looks so particular, and I do not like it. It just not I that think, one. It 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 looked like I a. Some, I don't know how to describe it. I think in some scenes it's supposed to look serpent-like. Yeah, that's what like, I mean. Right there, that was the point because Jormungand was the was the serpent in Norse mythology. That doesn't make me like it, hate it any less. <laughs> Yeah, that's I, fine. I just thought it was really off-putting that style, and I think even other characters had particular shaped mouths as well in some cases. But I don't remember. Oh, yeah. What I kind of find funny is in some scenes, like that white dress that she she was wearing or that white coat. 
She almost looked like Griffith. In some scenes, she almost looked like Griffith from uh, Berserk. But yeah. Well, I think that uh, we've, we're grasping at straws now to continue talking about the, the show. So the next podcast is going to be on January 10th, uh, and we are going to be watching Kino's Journey, the 2003 one, and the 2017 one. The 2017 one is called The Beautiful... Beautiful World? World, yeah. So, um, so look forward to that. Uh, Kino's Journey I've already seen. I'll say that it's a very fun, thought-provoking series. So we're going to have some fun um, discussing it. And the newer one, the 2017 one, I, I have not seen yet. Uh, it's the reboot of the original it actually arcs, uh, and it, but it's redone. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how we discuss um, those, so this how, is going, how it's approached. This is going to be interesting because... I'm the opposite. I saw the re- reboot that I feel a little sheepish about, but I haven't had a chance to see the original. So I um, only watched like two episodes of the original, and it's not that I didn't like it, but there's something about it that felt a bit draggy, but who knows? Maybe the second time around, this, I'll see it in a different light. It's a, it's a bit of a f- this, um, philosophical exploration, so I don't know if you guys are going to enjoy that, but I really enjoyed uh, some of the ideas presented um there's sort of like a sisyphus uh story in it that's pretty interesting regarding people and train tracks that i won't i won't get into right now but it'll be an interesting discussion when you guys see the episode and in the reboot it does it deals with a lot of uh city ideals community ideals and then and some different conflictions but it tackles, it tackles it. interesting concepts, so it'll be it'll be an interesting discussion. I think the I reboot looks... Read it as a slow-paced show, and you should be fine. Yeah. Um, anyway, guys, so I want to thank you guys for uh, stopping by, especially uh, Anime Friend and Carlton, who seem to be new to the uh, to the chat, at least. Um, and oh, I'll they were here, Anime Friend, at least uh, in a different episode before. <laughs> I wish I had seen this. I remember Carlton. Sieg Styles says, "Hey, that's clickbait. I don't see your naked chest yet." <laughs> hey, the there you go. Podcast. Uh, all right. Well, um, yeah. Next podcast, we'll be. I'll be back in Arizona, and I'll be able to do the chat a little bit more um, aggressively. Yeah. Well, I'll be able to. I'll be able to monitor it a little bit more clear, uh, closely. And I got a new bookcase, so the uh, the layout of things is going to sh- shift a little bit. So that that'll be fun to get back to there and get working on that but until then we'll see you guys on january 10th make sure that you uh like and share and all that fun stuff so i'll talk to you guys on the 10th oh happy new year